0: Holman, I'm already exhausted, and we haven't even started the show yet. Well, if you're exhausted now, you're going to be real (laughs) exhausted by the time we're done here. I know. It's going to be like a
1: five-hour show. It's because this is the uh, hd episode. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah, because it's it's a heavy-duty show filled with heavy-duty trucks and uh, heavy-duty guests. Yes. And uh, we are uh, full of... Awesomeness and (laughs) heavy-duty-ness. Okay,
0: you can stop right there. We have Corey Willis from PPEI. Now, if you're familiar with the tuning world, he's atop that uh, mountain. And then you got an an incredible list of interviews. Where were you? Uh, Let's see. Uh, I was originally with the Ram folks on the
1: very first journalist uh, long lead for the new Ram, the 19 uh, HDs. So, had a chance to get inside the new uh, 1,000-pound-foot of torque, uh, Cummins towing a 35,100-pound trailer. Okay. Uh, And then I flew from there to Flint, Michigan to Flint uh, Assembly Plant, which is where General Motors assembles all of the heavy-duty trucks. Ah, so jealous. And not only saw the new 2020, but got a ton of interviews from... The number one man with a bounty on his head, Rich Sheer, the head designer for Chevy. <laughs> uh, talk to him. Okay, I'm excited uh, about that. Jacqueline McQuaid, who mm-hmm. is the uh, chief engineer of the heavy-duty truck. She mm-hmm. uh, works with Tim Herrick, who's been on the show a bunch of times. And we've got uh, Rod Romaine, who's the chief engineer for the new 2019 Ram heavy-duty. So he goes into a lot more detail than we got at the Detroit Auto Show. Uh, and then I've got the guys who are behind the new 6.6 gas engine for, uh, for the Chevy Silverado. Okay. Got the guys behind the new... 6L90, which is behind the gas engine, and I got the guy who's behind the 10L1000, which is the new 10-speed Allison, and we're going to settle the rumor of whether or not this is just a licensing deal with Allison, or whether Allison had input on the trans. We're going to settle that right here in the Show Podcast. Yeah, because there's a lot of conjecture out there about what Allison did or didn't do on the trans, and we have it right from the horse's
0: mouth. I can't wait any longer. Let's start the show! The Truck Show
2: Truck Show, with your hosts, Lightning and Holman.
0: Wow, we've got so much to get to, but before we do it, we have to thank Nissan, our presenting sponsor. This is where you jump in. Oh, am I supposed to do that? Well, We're going to go back and forth.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. So, my
0: turn, right? Yes. Okay.
1: Go get a (laughs) Nissan, Titan or Titan XD, and uh, if you do... You'll be pleasantly surprised, but what a great truck it is, what a great value it is, and the fact that it has the industry-leading five-year, five 100,000-mile warranty. Yes.
0: And we have to thank Decked because if you're looking for a storage solution, whether it's for a truck or a van, they've got you covered. It's lockable. You can uh, place heavy loads, 2,000 pounds on top 2, of it, right? 2,000 pounds. Okay. So they've got amazingly smooth rolling drawers. They're buttery smooth. I like buttery smooth? Yeah, buttery I like that. Smooth. I do like that. Yeah. That's nice. You got to check out decked.com. But is that
1: true? Because, like, when I pull my butter out of the refrigerator to mm-hmm. butter my toast, I end up
0: ripping holes in it with the knife. Is yeah. this? So is this warm, buttery smooth? It's definitely warm, buttery okay. smooth. All yes. Right. But it's solid. It's built like a man, <laughs> but yet it's buttery. I don't, I don't, I'm I'm not don't sure, know. Yet. I know where you're going with that. <laughs> but hey, this is a man show. Yes, it is. Uh, we have so much this manliness. Is H- this is the HD episode. The HD episode. Let's try this. Hold on. The HD episode. Sounds too empty. I I need more. Hold on. I can fix it. I can fix it. Here, let's do this. this, 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 this. The The HDSO. HDSO. All right, one more time. One, two,
3: three. The HDSO.
0: HDSO. Oh, we pegged the meter. I think that's gonna be totally totally distorted (laughs) on. Ah, I do not want to be listening to this in my car right now. It's
1: like, (laughs) (laughs) dude. Some somebody who has like a base model truck only has two working speakers now like, <laughs> the, rest, the rest of them are done just
0: blew out those tiny little crappy tweeters they have in the pillars <laughs> just, there just done all right before we get to the show I want you to uh, I want to show you something right here okay so you know when you if you have an iPhone and I do you, have an iPhone and, All right, and you and have enabled location services yes I and you don't own, and you okay so I do okay and I realize that I'm giving it up to Big brother and that Google and Apple know exactly where I am at all times and they catalog where I go and for how long brothel it's all in there so when I die, you can go through and go, oh, really? <laughs> he went where and for how long? So I get in the car after work, and I'm headed here. Uh-huh. And it notifies me how long it's going to take to – it's got a, a predictive destination. Yes, absolutely. right but okay, If it's in your calendar, it'll tell I, you how long. I screenshotted this message. So this is a picture of my home screen okay. on my phone uh-huh. with the time on the top. Okay. And then it has a little Maps uh, message alert yeah. that says, one minute ago it gave me this alert, and it says – Fifty nine minutes to
1: hot dog on a stick. <laughs> 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 what is in your calendar? Why did there's no hot dog on a stick within fifty miles of here?
0: Why fifty nine minutes to hot dog on a stick? <laughs> I don't. Oh. Do you, dude, what? Okay, all right. At, so, so, so so at first I looked a down. Here. Wait a minute. At first I looked down and I, and I thought, oh, it's Wiener Schnitzel because I saw hot dog and then I thought. Yeah, because maybe because you know we do we, we normally stop and get right. Hot dogs. Right, so your
1: iPhone will tell you this is a uh, they, they use a certain term. It's like this is a heavily used location, right. or, or a prominent location or something, right? So I would I would see that, but I just pulled up Yelp and I typed in hot dog on a stick because I'm curious for this area. Yeah, where the nearest hot dog on a stick is. Okay, and it's three miles away. So are you? <gasps> what you son of a bitch! You think I'm you're not cheating go, on you? You're, no, you're, what you're doing is you always. I get here at six thirty, and you always get here at six forty-five. You're going to hot dog on a stick first. I'm pre gaming, and then I bring you a chili dog. No,
0: why would it do that? Well, your phone's giving you away. But why does it think that? I- But I didn't because stop there. Did. I didn't go. I didn't. I'm just. I, I would it's never. Odd. I would never cheat on my beloved Wiener Schnitzel. Uh, but your phone says different. It does say. That's why I was curious. All right. Why would he bring it up and show it to you? Oh, team? oh! I get it now. It's clear.
1: You're hot dog curious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you had to have a hot dog and a stick, corn dog, to see what's better than Wiener Schnitzel's corn dog, and you are hot dog curious. Listen, I've had hot dog and a stick, and uh-huh. it's no. It does not. It it, it pales by comparison mm. to Wiener Schnitzel. Hot dog and a stick. There's some good stuff there. That's Their lemonade right. amazing. Their lemonade is okay. Okay, so. I'm not sure that this is settled yet,
1: right? and I think it requires some more research on my part. Uh, I will be uh, contacting my private investigator
0: friends to see (laughs) why your phone (laughs) says hot dog on a stick instead of the podcast studio. Listen, I don't stop there. Uh-huh. I stop here in front of this building. Uh-huh. And so it, it, what I thought, I, th- I thought, oh, wait a minute. Maybe there's a hot dog and a stick corporate office because they're franchises. Uh-huh. So maybe the guy next door has got like all the buns and whatever he stores Right, because we're door. in a warehouse, basically. We're in a warehouse district. Uh-huh. You guys don't know yep. that. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, that makes sense. And then I got here before you and I, and I went up and down and I saw nothing that would indicate that there's a warehouse full of hot dog and a stick merchandise.
1: I, I, like I said, My phone thinks I'm going to hot dog I know. Stick. This is, This is not settled, all right? <laughs> we will move on because we have to get onto a truck show. And I have, I have some deep apologies. Uh, I, have, I have to repent. I personally uh, screwed up in our last episode, number 52. How so? Well, Neil writes us, and Neil says, uh, I think it was Holman, but I'm not sure. But around an hour in or slightly after, y'all covered blow-by and defined it as oil blowing past the rings and fouling the combustion chamber, and was hoping that was sarcasm, because if not, that's embarrassing. Neil. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Because I There's, asked you about right. blow And I'm like, I didn't say that. Clearly, blow is the other direction, and it's fouling your crankcase. Why would I say that? Mm. Uh, sure enough, I listened to it, yeah, you and sure I said it.
0: Here's how I feel. We are deeply sorry.
1: <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> okay. All right, so with that out of the way... Man, we have a huge I tonight. think
0: we need to get to Corey Willis first. Okay, let's start he's with He's a couple Corey. of hours ahead of us. Yeah, so. he's on the East Coast, so, yeah. so let's get him out of the way. Uh, and then we just- We, we get so him out much. of the way. And Hold on a second. It's just like, like oh, let's just get him out of the way. No, he's a big guy. He's Do you know what guest. we have coming? I know what, what the, you've got like. Listen, up. the entire truck industry turned over this week. The entire thing went,
1: hey, we're all new. Normally it's like, ah, we're new this year. No, no, we're going to be new. Hey,
0: we're- No, the entire thing said, hey, we're new. Rad. I'm not saying that that's not massive. I'm saying that Corey is like the crown jewel of tuning. But without these heavy-duty trucks, Corey would not have a job or a business. Oh, that is true. Well, he's going to have some opinions on that stuff. All right, well, let's let's talk to him. Dial him up first. All right, let's get his input, and afterwards we'll roll into the other fun stuff. All right. Let's dial Mr. Corey Willis. This is Corey. Mr. Corey Willis, Lightning at Home and Truck Show Podcast. How you doing? What's
4: up, dude? What is happening, fellas?
0: Hey, before we can get into it, and before we're allowed to talk to you, we have to play an intro, but we need to know, what is your musical preference? Do you like country, or are you more of a kind of a punk rock guy? No, I'd say more metal. Metal? Metal, metal? or yeah, metal or country? Metal or country.
4: <laughs> it pretty well depends on whatever ends up being there. So I'll listen about anything, preferably eh, rock.
0: All right, rock. Here we go. No, but we always do what?
1: that one. He says anything. I think we should play the other one because we haven't played in a long time.
0: No, I think <laughs> he, he, he leaned towards rock first. But it's more metal. It's more like death metal versus. All right, so do
1: you, oh, Co- yeah, Corey? You like death I metal? Listen, death metal or country?
4: Let the death metal rip.
1: All right, All right here
4: it nice. is. <laughs> Innovator! Moderator!
0: Truck Show! Innovator! Moderator! Truck Show! Innovator! Moderator! Truck Show! Innovator! Moderator! Truck Show! Truck Show!
3: (laughs) Truck Show! Truck Show!
4: Man, that hurts my throat. <laughs> That's pretty epic. There's your intro, my friend. I don't know which one of you did that, but that is absolutely epic. <laughs> so
0: we have awesome. Mr. Corey Willis on the phone, and Corey is the founder and CEO of Power Performance Enterprises Incorporated, and you may have heard the acronym PPEI. Or you may have heard any one of your friends in the Diesel Performance mention his name about 100 times. Right. <laughs> let's explain why you would know Corey today. He makes modern diesel trucks go fast.
1: Corey would be like one of the very first people to really open up uh, the Duramax platform and do some really cool stuff. When everybody else said it wasn't possible or that the, uh, the computers weren't accessible or you couldn't do certain functions without turning other functions off, Corey's the guy who put his nose to the, uh, to the uh, grindstone, I guess,
0: and figured it out. <laughs> well, I think it, we're going to talk about it, but it's a lot of Top Ramen. And a lot, yeah, of, a, lot, of a, lot of, a lot of sleepless nights with Mountain Dew, or I guess Rockstar yes. or Monster, Grand and Bull doing Monster. all this, Red
4: Monster, yes, doing <laughs> right. all this
0: for the glory, but not necessarily for the money at first,
4: exactly, <laughs> all for the glory.
0: <laughs> and, and, and this works in really good, Holman, with our HD episode. Isn't that what we're calling it? Right, the HD episode. No, this is going to be our uh, HD episode,
1: Corey, because not only do we have you on, but we've got a ton of other content about the uh, 2020 uh, L5P Duramax with the 10-speed Allison, yeah. which we want to talk to you about. We've also got uh, information on the 6.7 with the uh, 1,000 pound-feet of torque out of the Cummins, so we want to talk to you about that too. But yeah, we got a lot of stuff to hit. So uh, uh, I was out uh, north of LA where Ram brought the brand new trucks out, and we got to tow with the new trucks, the new engine, the new powertrain. And then I went to Flint, Michigan to the General Motors assembly plant where they build the HD trucks, did a plant tour- I saw those photos. Yeah. And and got all the info that you guys want to know about both the gas and diesel about that platform. And then- Ford just dropped a bomb on top of everybody else with Super Duty news. So it's just like this week has been insane. So it's just like...
4: It's, it's insane. The truck <laughs> right. wars are amazing.
1: Yeah, dude. truck war. I, I know the truck wars. We joke about it. And it's like, oh, I wonder who's going to... And it's like, hey, this model year so-and-so did this. Oh, hey, I just got Leapfrog. this model year. Hey, no. This is like within a span of four weeks... They're all like saying, "Hold my beer!" No, you hold my beer. No, you hold my. Beer. No, you hold my beer. <laughs> exactly. And like they're they're trading volleys at a rate I've never seen before. And it's like Ford, perfect example. And we'll talk about this later. But that's how you
4: what, they are holding large beers too. Things have gone oh. crazy, these <laughs> dude. Days. They are, insane. They're Steins. Steins. They're, they're Steins, Steins? No. Yeah, right?
1: <laughs> Literally, this is what happened this week. So Detroit Auto Show, which was in January, which is like three weeks ago now, right? Ram boom, mic drop. You know, 35,100 pounds, 100 pounds more than Ford, right? And a 1,000 pound-feet of torque. So now we move forward in life, and we're three weeks in the future, and GM goes, oh, yeah? Hey, Ram, 35,500, <laughs> boom! <laughs> and so then That's now crazy. Ram's like, hmm, well, the morning that Chevy dropped that news, Ford came out, dropped a press release on top of GM's press release with the new updated Super Duty, Said that the 6.7's getting a boost, wouldn't talk numbers, won't talk numbers about payload and chassis because they were waiting for Ford and GM to drop, and dropped news on a 7.3
0: gas engine. Push rod! Yeah, insane. And, and so Absolutely now everybody's
1: crazy. just gone crazy, and I don't even know where to go
4: from here.
0: Now, Corey, are you sitting back in your chair and we're going... I can't wait to get my hands into those ECUs.
4: Oh, oh, as soon as I've seen anything about it, I start putting calls in and uh, seeing how quickly we can get vehicles here. So far, it's kind of interesting. I've gotten some of the first vehicles ever delivered and built in the States every time they come out with a new platform. So whenever I hear about a new platform, I start calling my contacts and saying, hey, get me a truck here now. I'm ready to go more sleepless nights.
0: Now, (laughs) are you getting the trucks, Corey, from... Consumers and friends of yours that own trucks that just want them tuned or are you getting them from dealers or
4: normally get it from a dealer I'll call and nice. uh, I make a couple of calls to some of the leaders of that's you know get vehicles first and sell first and ultimately I try to buy them from all my local friends but at the end of the day um, I, I need them here so like for example l5T I took and uh, film one I think it was all the way across the country and I actually flew my grandfather over there overnight <laughs> for the check. Because that's Pick what grandfathers hey, are for, hey, Grandpa. I need you to go on a business yeah. trip for
1: me. <laughs> yeah, so
4: he took, picked the truck up, drove it all the way back here the next day. So it was. I like was your Grandpa. My, uh, oh yeah, hell yeah, he's he's ready to party. So, <laughs> <laughs> dude, how excited? But yeah, no, we we do everything we can to get a vehicle here quick. How
1: excited are you that the uh, the new Cummins? Not only I mean, obviously breaking the thousand uh, pound foot of torque barrier is huge. We've got some dyno photos from RAM that show it peaking at uh, one thousand and three but the official rating... 1,000 of 1, 1, wasn't good enough. It
0: has to be 1,003. Well, no, they I'll went with
1: 1,000, 1, but they peaked at 1,003. So right. I asked them, I'm like, why Why couldn't you say 1,003? They're like, oh, we wanted to be safe. But that's huge. But <laughs> oh, I, I think... What kind of, wait, <laughs> what right. kind of safety margin is... <laughs> 0.3%, right? Right. It's like point. <laughs> <laughs> right. So here's the thing that I'm curious about is, you know, not only is the power there from the factory, so that helps you, right, because you have a, a higher, uh, you know, foundation or playing field to start with, but the reality is, the real news is in the piston, the heads, the combustion chamber pressures, and also that CGI block. You gotta just be like licking your lips just waiting for that thing, drooling oh, or man, something.
4: Bring it bring it here. Let's 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 throw it on the dyno and see how far we can go before it stops. That's what I'm ready for.
0: Okay. He, he, he just doesn't mind blowing things up. That's I think, the thing I like can, about Corey. Can we sit in your oh, shop gonna, when you we're, do we're it? We're
4: going to find out. Oh, yeah. oh yeah,
0: 100%. Let's go back. Before we dig into this, Corey, we got a lot of stuff. So we started kind of in the middle, and we got to go back to the beginning and find out where you started because I, I feel like you were, the at one point, the Baron of Bounce Houses, and today you're the Tycoon of Tuning. All right? <laughs> ah, Baron of – but That's wait, is, is Baron – is that – I think Baron's higher than Tycoon, though. I don't – I, you know what? I didn't put that much thought <laughs> into it, right? Oh, just go with me. Baron of Bounshauses. We'll just in over
4: here, and we'll all run from Exactly. Leaving. We'll just run. So, uh, we're scared. Uh, <laughs>
0: lightning's so old, he's the patriarch of podcasting.
4: <laughs> <laughs> how, how dare you? How dare you?
0: So how did this all get started? And I know you've talked about this on other shows, but we've got kind of a different audience here. We have a real- And a better got, show. It, it, we've got a better <laughs> show. Exactly. <laughs> better audio quality and more fans. <laughs> how about right.
4: that? <laughs> but we Hell love, yeah. them. We love okay, those guys. So, So we pretty well, uh, so I mean, to kind of start at the bottom, uh, Ray's really, uh, I come from a business background, so my family, we never really sat down and watched sports or anything like that. Everything was business, always business. So I grew up just thinking straight business. I wasn't that really, I really wasn't that good in school. Um, I made decent grades, just could have probably done better, but it really didn't interest me. I just like working. So to make a long story short of how that part got started, um, like 13, 14 years old, somewhere around that range. I'd wanted some to get toys. Like my friends had gotten basically, you know, like a fuller or whatever. And it's like, Hey, I need to uh Paul Paul. I want a I I want a fooler, not a problem. I'm gonna get you one. It might've been a dirt bike, whatever it was. And, uh, he's like, okay, well here's this bounce house. You know, you can, uh, you can go to work and rent this. Mind you, I'm like 13, 14 years old. And so <laughs> it starts off with me basically trying to rent this bounce house to people through their rental company. And, um,
0: so you're going up to people, strangers, and you're saying, "Would you like to rent my bounce house?" And they say, "What are you talking about,
4: <laughs> Yeah. So I would, yeah. Basically, I would I would stay there in their little rental shop. And when somebody would come in, like I'd set it up in the morning and stuff. So, like, you were the guy the that library. promised
1: to be there by seven o'clock at night to pick up the bounce house, but you showed up at like 3 oh, 30 yeah. in the afternoon when the party's still going?
4: Yeah. Yeah, with whatever one of my old friends that had a, a license tag. <laughs> Don't take be my there. bounce house, <laughs> out, you bastard. <laughs> now, hold on Not a second. Exactly. Wait Give just a cotton
0: picking second here, Corey. So, you're saying that at 13. You're moving bounce houses around, right? You're you're a young entrepreneur. My 13 year old won't get off the couch to get rip his eyes off PlayStation. Like what? Is, what's <laughs> right. happened? Well, Corey
1: started by saying his family had a good work ethic, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, well. yeah. I, I, I'm very fortunate. I will say that I've kind of I've been very fortunate. It comes from a very business minded family, but they didn't give me anything. So that's basically where it started. And what, what did your, forward,
0: wait, wait, Corey, what did your dad do? Yeah. What did your dad do, if you don't so, mind me asking?
4: My dad is awesome. My dad, uh, he actually, he's done all kinds of things. He's kind of an entrepreneur himself. Uh, he shot professional archery for a while. He shot for Matthews and shot wait, for Hoyt. And, wait, wait, uh, wait. Wow. Uh, a
0: professional archer?
4: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Would you say that
1: business acumen is in his quiver?
4: Oh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, no, that, I, that, do that, I have then, a drum you know, plants. And then my grandfather, uh, his dad, my other grandpa, uh, he basically created the monitored alarm system that ran all of Louisiana. So, you know, rather I was at which house I was at or which family I was at, it was always something about something business-wise.
0: Oh, my so Lord. I
4: almost had no choice but to do business.
0: The uh, mon- The monitored alarm system, by the way. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for
4: the punchline on that. Yeah. No, I'm, not, I'm just oh, saying. Just The, infl- the look that, on
1: your face it was like in a visual inflection that a like, joke was coming. No, there's no joke. Uh, I would just. No, it.
4: that's it. Hey, got, yeah, well, hold on a a second. Hey,
0: how about those monitor alarm systems? <laughs> no, but I'm saying, hey, as much. That that's huge. Hey,
4: I can touch on that. This is hilarious. I remember being in my grandpa. He had like this little tower that he had all his stuff set up in, and uh, like a work tower full of people. And whenever. Someone's alarm would go off. I can remember being in there and it was just like a whole lot of people in this room. And someone would literally like pick up like this phone that was on the line and would like start dialing the number of the person that owned that alarm system. Like it was literally monitored by straight up humans, not computers. Did you ever? Telephones.
1: Did your grandpa ever say, hey, I'm a kid short today? Can you hold on?
4: (laughs) <laughs> Hell, no! you he wouldn't have let me talk on there for nothing. <laughs> I was super little at that time. But so, Hi,
3: is there an intruder in Get out! You got a problem there? <laughs> <laughs> so,
4: yeah, so, I was, so by the time I was like 16, 17 years old, I, I bought a Duramax because now I could actually – and now I had a, a good bit more – inflatable units and things. And so we were hauling them with trailers, blah, Wait, blah, Wait, blah. hold and on a so, second, you got,
0: what, mm-hmm. inflatable units? That's what she yeah, said. Yeah, the bounce oh.
4: houses, the bounce houses. The <laughs> right, okay, okay. okay. Gosh, right. The <laughs> 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 moonwalks, bounce house, all So these you're movies, now
0: 17 going. rocking a Duramax.
4: Right, so, you know, I, I, I was making a little bit of money by this point in time, you know, all my friends were out having fun and I'm freaking running the roads with fun jumps.
1: <laughs> so, how Setting many of your friends? Houses, I wonder how many of your friends uh wanted to work with you. Like, did any of your friends say, "Dude, oh, hey, I, I need them. a job. I, I need some. I need some beer money for the weekend." You got any openings? Man, if you want to
4: know something even cooler? A lot of the guys that worked with me doing that now work here with me at TPI. Dude, so that's awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Everybody's kind of come up together. That's right. So, so seventeen, we're rocking, and uh I had quite a few units, um, and I'm my senior year in school and i'm making like pretty good money for a young young fella and um i got pissed me and the principal we kind of just had this weird thing i was kind of a rebellious person anyways just kind of trying to do my own thing and uh the principal had basically told me that i would you know be changing light bulbs from my grandpa if i didn't uh, so were you like uh, doing- <laughs> were you like say
0: were you like uh, ferris bueller was that you
4: uh, and I, it's just more that i just kind of did things my way i guess you could say you know like if there was a way that i could find out of what answers were on the test i'm gonna find out what answers are on the test and pass this thing <laughs> <laughs> you you were Without ready to get to work decision. and I, I think the system
1: i think coming from like a business-minded family you're probably just ready to get out and work you're done with school you're like listen oh, i hated it yeah you're like i just want to go out and make money and do something important and you guys in school are holding me back well, right school now school sounds like oh, a, yeah. it was a speed bump
4: yeah, it was. It was. So I finally get fed up my senior year and I quit going. I go home and give my mom a heart attack. I'm not going to school no more. I'm done with high school. You're an idiot. You're, you're <laughs> a senior. You have to keep going. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I said, as a matter of fact, I said, better yet, I'm going to go get my GED and I'll I'll be off that way. She said, OK, well, let's do this. Let's make a deal. You go get your GED and start college.
3: It's like, <laughs> oh, wait what? That's wait, no, Mom, works. that's not yeah. That that's doesn't not, make any sense. Yeah. You know, no, I don't even get a. how this
4: works. I don't even but get like I a year off. And I was like, then I got to thinking, I was like, you know what? I could get my GED and start my first semester while my other friends are still in school, and I can go back over there and look like a total pimp. I was like, I'm gonna do that. See what you do is you do <laughs>
1: that, and then you go and take the homecoming queen to uh, to prom. Oh. Yeah, it's a good,
4: good thinking, good thinking. <laughs> yes, yeah. So took me two weeks, got my GED, started uh, LSU the next semester. And I go back to the school too, like to go eat lunch with some of my friends. It was a private school. And I was like, what are you doing here? Drop out. And I'm like, Oh, I started college. Look guys, here's my ID. <laughs> and it, oh, it was such a win because the rumor going around the school was that Corey dropped out. And it was like, yep, I dropped out and went to college you know, <laughs> oh, high school. What a burn. So, yeah, yeah, dude. Oh, it was such a burn. It was a good moment. But you know, let's fast forward, you know, about, about 18, 18 years old. I had roughly 22 inflatables. I had the biggest rock climbing wall in Louisiana. Uh, I had all kinds of stuff, man. I would rent sumo, sumo suits. I had tents. I would rent out staging, sound. I did everything. I would contract an event.
0: Did you ever get drunk and go in a bounce house with a sumo suit on?
4: You know what? There's there's been a lot of things that I've done as a young person <laughs> that I was doing good. That probably I probably I've still got to get insurance policy, so I can't say too terribly. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, Lightning and I, I, I are old enough. Of,
1: we're old enough but, now oh, yeah. that the social media didn't exist when we were kids. Right. So all the bad crap that we did, oh, my God. Like, there's, no, re- there's no record of it. We all have to like go to beers with our old friends and like, oh, try and
0: remember God. them. Yes. Oh, that and the statute <laughs> of limitations has long since run out. Thank God.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yes. It, it, it would have been, been rough. Yeah, I used to get on the phone the morning with that rental company and literally just start making phone calls. I'd call every construction business I, I could find on the internet, on, even phone books back then. I'm calling every number and you know what? Before you know it, you get booked out for nearly the year. It worked out pretty good. So we turned in almost all commercial. But during this time I wanted I still liked going fast. I always was into dirt bikes and foolers and cars and naturally it rolled into diesels. And um so I had a L O Y and I was stacking like a edge and a, a hypertech and you know what I was being a I was being an idiot. I just wanted to go fast. You didn't know nothing. And I was stupid enough. I could I had enough money to be able to replace the trans, worst case scenario. <laughs> So that's all we worried about <laughs> back then with the LB 7 LOL Oh, totally. Yeah, so. but that
0: is a luxury that not many people have, and guys do that kind of tuning. They blow stuff up, and they're like, uh-oh, uh, hmm. And, would- and then your buddy who's looking for a cheap
1: diesel finds it on Craigslist. And then- <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly
4: right. So, so yeah, so I, I, I did that, and I wanted more power. So, you know, the, the everything, this is probably 2000 and, I don't know, 2007-ish, something like that. You know, in EFLI, 2006, 2007, EFLI was just really starting to kind of kick off. So I found out about this guy that did EFI Live, and I had him tune my truck. And granted, it was faster, but I had some issues that were related to operating system, basically what made the vehicle run a certain way. Well, and let, so,
0: let's let's jump really quick. we got to tell people what EFI Live is because yeah, yeah. a, a lot of guys with gas trucks oh, for may sure, not know. For sure,
4: for sure. So it's a custom tuning software that allows you to modify different parameters within your vehicle's computer system to make it faster. So you can give the vehicle more. To go faster, it takes more fuel. It takes more air. Engines and air pump. You use the software to manipulate the computer to give it the amount of air and fuel you want to its limitations.
0: And, and EFI Live was the mechanism, it was the physical module you would hold in your hand, right, to use to plug into the OBE and, 2 port. And part, talk to the
4: factory right? uh, ECU. Correct, correct. It was a it, At that time, it was only a V2 is what they called it. And then you would use their uh, software to be able to modify it. So you'd modify the software and then load it with your laptop through the V2 into the vehicle's diagnostic port into the computer.
0: And they were really kind of – not the originators, but they were the the big name at that point.
4: Oh yeah, EFI yeah, Live was by Four king. There and, was nothing in diesel world. That was it,
1: and it was super customizable too. Like it wasn't you weren't getting you know EFI Live, and yeah, you could get a tune, but the the beauty was it was just totally opened up, so you could take that program and do wild stuff with it.
4: Yeah, that was back in the day when people were doing bloat tunes and all kinds of weird stuff, making their vehicle sound like they had big cams in it. And just <laughs> all, everybody was crazy, you know. Uh-huh. But I had this guy build me a program and it, it ran. It was fast, you know, but like I had issues. So long story short, I ended up buying the software and uh, saying, I just figured it out my own my own. I kind of like messing with this stuff anyways. And then I opened the software and realized I didn't know a freaking thing about trucks whatsoever. <laughs> what I ended up doing was I needed the right operating system for my truck, basically the right port number to go into the computer to make it run properly. So I just started kind of Googling how that operates. And then uh, I called up a very close friend of mine uh named brad Gints. now brad used to own a place called calvin's now he's the popular guy behind EasyLink. he owns easy link ah, so and I now I explain
1: a, uh easy because easy link is sort of like the modern version of of access it right is,
4: it is so what easy link is it's a a piece of hardware to break it down that connects to your obd port that then sends a wi-fi signal your phone can pick up and you can run and tune your vehicle and monitor all the data through your phone through the app so EasyLink actually has an app. You just plug it into your truck and then select that. Download the app from the App Store and bam, you've got all your vehicle info. You can tune in everything with EasyLink. So very smart individual, Brad is.
0: <laughs> and so you get hooked up with him before before EasyLink was around, right?
4: Oh, yeah. Years and years and years ago. We, had, we had ended up becoming very, very, very close friends throughout the years. We I even lived at his house for a little while. Now, Brad is also – is
0: Brad H&S – HNS tuners is that the same guy?
4: No, okay. no, that's actually a guy named Bentley Hugie. He was the forefront and king of of all of the race truck madness. Probably still, I still say to date, probably the most skilled calibrator that's that I've I've ever met. Unbelievable talent.
1: So where is he today? Like, what what's he doing now?
4: so uh it's like it's like vh1 where where are they now and they had you know know what they had their issues and whatnot with the epa yeah you know they were kind of the first people to ever have really uh problems with the environmental protection agency and so you know during that time everybody was kind of you know arrogant and ignorant during the time when no one really knew what to expect we're just making race vehicles you know and then uh they got in trouble for it and then that's when everybody raised their eyebrows and said oh Okay. You can't <laughs> you can't just take the exhaust off a vehicle without repercussions. So when that happened, you know, they dwindled the business down and um last time last couple of times I seen him around like SEMA and things like that, he's just kind of enjoying life, you know. He did well with H and S and uh was able to get out the settlement decent and he's he's doing well. He's uh got a new baby that just arrived and He's doing he's doing things cool. I mean he's enjoying so life. I'm kinda
0: jealous. <laughs> there was a time, Corey, that, that a lot a couple of these guys, um, as soon as the emissions equipment all got bolted onto these trucks, like there was a time that there wasn't any emissions equipment on diesels. And when, right. when the government stepped in and said you need a DPF, you need all this all these pieces of hardware to clean up the exhaust, these guys were able to get in and turn those features off in the ECU said, all right. Truck, you don't have a DPF. Truck, you don't have EGR. And then once you turn it off in the computer, you can then physically cut it off the truck and throw it in the trash heap. Right? And then you could roll coal and do all that fun stuff. But you don't, right? Right. Wink, wink. I'm you don't. Saying, R- yeah. right. I'm serious. But I'm saying you know, that that was a it, craze. And yeah, these guys, so guys like he was t- talking about the guy at H&S, yeah. they were selling thousands of these tunes to yeah. allow guys to do that. So, yes, they were doing it for horsepower, yeah. but a lot of guys like – I want to roll coal. Yeah. Well, I was, was you know what's
4: bad. There was a dilemma back then too. You know, if you recall the, I I feel like the manufacturers were kind of rushed by the government to get this done. So they end up bringing these systems to market and ultimately not just people wanting to race, but their emissions equipment started failing. And then it was, you know, 4,000 plus dollars to replace the systems. And so it's like, You know, at that point in time, now, granted, today emission systems are a lot better. You don't really have these issues, you know?
1: I was editor at Diesel Power at the time when all that was going down, and we made a conscious decision to uh, not talk about deletes and things like that in the magazines and, and not feature things that had that and make sure our advertisers weren't. Promoting that kind of stuff because what was happening is uh, the EPA was actually reading the magazine and then going after people. Oh, and yeah, hundred percent. So, you know, so we had to be really careful too in what we did because we didn't want any of that liability to come on and, and shut no down the no. magazine, right? And so we had to play it safe. And I think people, not only you know, so a couple of things. Going back to your point that the emission stuff was rushed, the government basically put in regulations but not from technical people, from regulators who didn't know what the <laughs> right. technology was out there what the capabilities were, so they had to rush these things to production and they weren't fully baked. Now today, exactly. like you said, the emissions are so much better, the equipment is so much better, but also at the time, was rolling coal was cool, and I think there's been a maturity in the diesel there power has, space no right doubt. now, right? Because I think no Gail Banks says it best. Gail says, oh, you know, no he's, he's probably one of the earliest proponents of any black smoke is wasted horsepower, and once that message got out that rolling coal isn't just for fun. It's actually a bad tune. It's actually taking away horsepower potential from your uh, engine. Well, just like
0: dumping fuel on the ground. Yeah. People started going,
1: oh, you know what? Uh, Diesel's pretty expensive. Maybe rather than rolling coal on people, maybe I just want to be able to, uh, I don't know, pass the Camaro and scare the crap out of that guy (laughs) or whatever. And it suddenly (laughs) became a thing even when I was doing Diesel Power Challenge, whereas the competitors were like, It was almost like a badge of honor to be at, you know, a mile high in altitude with a big giant charger and have just a haze coming out because they were like, hey, I got this thing dialed in at altitude and other guys are just belching smoke because their tunes are all wrong. And so I think that maturity has helped because people have have taken that, you know, I don't want to hasten our own demise of of the love of our sport by doing jackass things that's going to bring attention to us, right? And so I think we've all gotten a little bit more responsible since the H&S days.
4: Totally, 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 hundred percent, no doubt. The, the the industry has definitely matured since all that madness.
0: You were in the mix there for a minute,
4: right? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, young tuning company. All we focus on is horsepower. Well, we were at the drag strip every weekend, you know. And and being a small company, we didn't we didn't think about this kind of stuff. You know, it wasn't it wasn't so much of a big deal back then, at least for us. You know, it's it's like the guy working in his garage that you know, puts an intake and a exhaust on his truck. He's not thinking about the environment, you know, or about the EPA. He's thinking about making his truck faster. And whenever we were a young company, we did the same thing. You know, we we didn't, we never thought, all we were thinking about was making vehicles fast. Right. So, you know, fast forward to roughly, you know, 2012 or 2013 and it's like, oh man, we've got to take this stuff really seriously. And we really, we really did from that point forward.
0: For people that don't know Corey and PPEI, he has legions of fans. And I mean, you know, the way that you look up to maybe an actress or an actor, um, he has he has fans that are like, I love the tunes he makes. I love the race trucks he builds and kind of the enterprise that you've created. I loved him in that evening gown it's, it's, on the red it's, carpet.
4: It's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because it's just the diesel industry. And, and, you know, I never really get a grasp on that kind of stuff. I just keep my head low and work. But it's interesting when I go to events and things, it's like people are – really want to talk, and they're interested about programming, and especially since social media now, you know, I try to keep up with private messages and DMs and all this other stuff and Snapchats that come across. Obviously, I can't hit all of them, but it's like, this has really evolved, you know? I'm in a position I would have never thought that I would be in, and even though it's a small industry, it's it's still a position. It's it's very, very interesting, to say the least.
0: Well, you are a big fish in a small pond. I mean, the tuning industry is relatively small. And then the exactly. guys, the guys in diesel. Now I know you tune everything, right? You're not, you even tune side by sides, and we'll get to that in <laughs> a minute. But in the diesel thing, there are a lot of guys that drive diesel trucks. But I would say ninety percent of those who drive diesel vehicles don't tune them. Only ten percent or fewer are actually tuning them. It, it was that is that a number you would agree with, Corey?
4: You know what? It's it's hard to say. So roughly, you know, I looked at it a couple of weeks ago. It looks like we've tuned about one hundred and eighty thousand vehicles. And um, we tuned. I'm roughly, sorry,
0: oh. you, you've tuned you've tuned 180,000 vehicles.
4: Yes, yes, 150 200 a day is what we're tuning now. There wow. there are
0: 80,000 Duramaxes released roughly of the LPIs per year. Well, right? so far, so far, right? And they'll ramp that up. But just to give you kind of an illustration of how many diesels are on the road, it's a lot. So that's a huge number of trucks you're tuning, but it also is small by comparison. I'm just saying, like, so the tuning thing is is small, and, like, he is, again, he's, what did I call him? The uh, tycoon of tuning. Yes, the tycoon of tuning. (laughs) And there's a
4: lot of market we're missing out there, you know? So it's... It's it's definitely an interesting market. Not after this podcast, my friend.
0: Uh, hope your uh, hope your
1: servers are up to uh, all the internet traffic we're going to send over to ppei.com. That's right. So um, you're,
0: that's you're awesome. you you do have competition obviously. You do have some popular brands out there. Yeah, Yes. You know, su- super chips there. and bully dog and uh, you know, and Duramax Tuner and and all these guys that do this stuff. And right. I know you know you know a lot of these guys because it is yeah, a small yeah. world. Let's talk about tunes for a second. So, cre- having gone back and remembering your first tunes and being kind of rough and worked your way through. Oh, them.
4: they suck! <laughs> now, when you say <laughs> terrible, ha- had,
0: have you ever gone back to one of your first tunes and then driven it?
1: When hold on, I got to fix your truck. I'm oh, sorry. Oh
4: gosh! Yes, totally. Like, I've, if I see a customer that's from say 2009, 2008, it's like. Oh my God! Like no, here really? for you, free. You, you're getting updates. Do, do you, you ever, say this? Oh, well, do you
0: ever call <laughs> yeah, a, no Do God. you ever call an old client and say we are deeply sorry?
4: <laughs>
0: We're sorry.
4: <laughs> We're all sorry. <laughs> Please allow us to repent. <laughs> well, um, what ends up? So you know what though? The tunes suck by today's standard, but back then they actually ran really, really, really good for the standards that was set back then. So. I'm okay with it, because you know back then, you didn't expect a whole lot out of tuning, and it wasn't even surprising when you'd plug your truck up and tune it, and there would be problems. Now, people want to crucify you for it, but back then, it was kind of normal. <laughs> Tru- trucks are a lot more expensive today, tuning. though, right? Like, like the investment
1: yeah. people are making in the trucks, and then the level of uh, capability, technology, and sophistication, and complexity in the trucks is so much higher today, where, as back then, you literally were just touching the engine and doing drivetrain stuff. Today, you may turn off cruise control, you may mess up ABS, you may oh, it's a pain. <laughs> you may make it into a 3-speed transmission. Like there's just all sorts 100%. of weird stuff. Your door locks may not work well, anymore. Well, <laughs> let's talk
0: about that. So, one of the most recent big breakout tunes was for the 2017 and newer Duramax. It's the L5P, L5P. engine, right? And right. that was one where we saw the guys first break into it. I want to say it was end of summer last year, is that right? You guys have been Roughly working that time, a couple now, different, different on groups. September. Right, okay, a couple of different groups were working on it all simultaneously since the truck was released, since the ECU was out there. And some of the guys who were tuning were like, they they had no ABS, they had no power steering, or they had, the radio wouldn't turn on, or all these weirdness. Yeah, know, and
1: so on. when their, when
0: their uh, buddies got in and said... Dude, what'd you do to your truck?
1: No power brakes, no air conditioning, no <laughs> power steering. They're like, that's right. Turn it into a man's truck.
4: Haul's ass, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. All of them. <laughs> so how yeah, how, how did that difficult. go down?
0: Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that, Corey. This most recent tune, because this was a truck. That um, And and I'm new to the industry. And all that I was hearing from the guys, you know, for whether it was at GM, were like, nope, no one's going to get in this CCU. This is lockdown. No one's going to get into it. And then you had some people saying, well, nothing is impervious. And it might take a year or two, whatever. And then just a couple months after that, they're like, nope, we're in. We got it. We're in. We're doing it. <laughs> right. Tell me about the behind the scenes.
4: I got the truck back in right when they were coming out in 2016 was the my first l5p that i'd gotten and i was like no problem i'm whipping this thing out in two seconds so i got it and i was actually able to take and get the files and convert them to binary and uh start mapping it out i had it mapped out in no time i probably had the whole thing ready to load a tune file in the truck in right towards the middle of. I'd say well, not middle, probably about November ish like a few months after they came out, I was ready to tune the thing, but then we realized that the nasty encryption it has on it it's not happening. That's where we started trying to entertain different processes, and you know we tried a bunch of different softwares we've had a whole lot of people we've paid money to that were supposed to help us out with uh a lot of the coding, the reverse things, and it just fell apart. you know we literally p p i had hundreds of thousands of dollars invested into. L5P tuning and was never able to tune it. It was absolutely terrible, not to mention the trucks and all the travel, Uh. (laughs) you know, so it was it was really, really bad. There was a lot of short promises. And then there was guys out there that was actually doing kind of like what recently HP tuners had done is what we're using right now, which is uh swap the processor. So that was actually done. But then issues kind of like what you said had happened. You know, none of the brakes worked and there's all kinds of problems on the vehicle, and so after all of the failure, HP tuners in uh, around September or so come around and ended up swapping out the processors, and voila, you can actually have a, basically an a open platform for being able to tune the L5P. So you, as of right now, you still can't actually just take your factory ECU and load a file into it. The ECU has to be sent off, modified, and then we're able to actually load our calibrations into it. So, so,
0: would this description be right? So, if you were looking at a castle and you wanted to raid the castle and there's a moat around the castle, nobody could get across the moat. You have to airdrop air in your soldiers, no, right? No, you
1: built a new castle. No, no, no. <laughs> but I'm saying,
0: so what happens is they go into the castle with helicopters uh-huh. and then they, and, and they, and they change where they, they take over the castle. Are you sure they weren't hot, blo- hot air balloons? Uh, they might have been, yeah. or bounce houses. Right. Bounce right? houses. No, they, right. bounced, over bounce the walls. Houses. they not, bounced over the wall. Bounced over the wall, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But is that kind of like so? You guys, you know, you 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 drop the soldiers in that way, and the <laughs> moat is still intact, so you still can't get into the the, the into front the door. Castle, the front door. Yeah. can't use the front door. Is that accurate?
4: That's that's exactly accurate. So but, are you taking? Is this, is it's, it's still doable. So you talked about
1: a, a new processor. So essentially, you're leaving all the memory and the circuit boards and all that the same. So the the information, the software, all that, but it's a different processor that's not locked down that's now introduced into the system in order to run everything.
4: Exactly. Got exactly. it. Exactly. I was yep, at a spot. They desoldered the old one, resoldered a new
0: one. Yeah. So I was at a. I went to UCC Ultimate Callout Challenge last year, and while I was out there, I went to. I don't know if I should say the, the spot, but I went to a shop. And the guy opened this backroom door about the size of our studio right here. And he had shelves and shelves and shelves of ECUs from Fords, uh, Chevys, the whole thing. And then he showed me this apparatus. He called a hot plate. It was much more elaborate than a hot plate. Basically, (laughs) he would unscrew the the screws that held the top and the bottom of the ECU together. And this thing, if you haven't seen an ECU, it's what? I don't know. Nine inches square or something like that and about two inches thick. Right. He would open the ECU like a clamshell, and you see this really complex circuit board. Then he would put the circuit board on a a hot plate, and it would loosen the solder just where he wanted to loosen it. And he would pull off the processor, which is like – a it looks like something you'd seen on like an Intel chip, right? And it's about an inch and a quarter square with – I don't know. It must have had 300 pins all the way around it. Very carefully lift that off. And then put his own processor in its place. And that own processor had wires coming out of it that he could talk to. Is that is that accurate?
4: You got it. That's okay. basically it. So
0: I'm kind of curious, just because I, I'm sort of you know geeked out
1: on the idea that you're using a new <laughs> processor. Is there any reason that you would update it to make it a faster clock speed or anything, or is it basically the same in terms of specs as what you're taking off? It just is something that can you know that's unlocked. No, I'm it's just... right
0: out of his Dell computer, out of his graphics
1: card. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, you liar. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, no, no, yeah, but I'm curious. Like, wheel. are you guys putting in something yeah. faster? Do you is there is there any benefit to that?
4: So, I, I, all I know right now is that the guys that are doing it are H- HP tuners, they're actually using the same one. Okay. To my understanding. Granted, I've actually not ripped one apart and looked at it. Oh, interesting. Which okay. is very surprising. But uh, th- my understanding is they're using the same thing and then just throwing their image on it.
0: Got it. Okay. I'm, I'm stunned, Corey, as curious a guy as you are, that you haven't unscrewed one and looked inside.
4: I know the process and I've, I've, I've seen what happens to do that. You know, obviously all the other chip tuning stuff that we do here at the office, we've done very similar things, but I guess it's one of those deals. It's like, I know how it works. And so I don't really need to look at, but at the same time, I know I'm not going to spend the time to actually to actually do it, not, right. not happening. He's like, my heart it's beats. My heart
0: beats I'm not going to cut open my chest to look at it at work. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. 100%, 100%. Now, this technology, Corey, has been happening since, like, like with Volkswagen guys, since the beginning of... Um, electronic tuning, right? Haven't they been swapping chips and ECU's out and things oh, like yeah. this for they've for been, years?
4: They've been having to do it for for years. You know, even the Lamborghini guys today have to do it for like the trans stuff. It's oh, interesting. It's, it's a pain.
0: So where are we today with tuning? How exotic can you get with a new Ford six seven, a Ram six seven? Uh, the new, the new, new Duramax six six, cetera.
4: Uh, exotic, as in well, like the tuning, uh, it, like it, how, how elaborate like are you dancing t- on top, rolling around poles, like what, what kind of, what kind of exotic? Rolling, oh, around rolling poles. Around. By, by <laughs> the way, <laughs> 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 by the way, hashtag rolling
0: poles, rolling poles, thank you guys. Rolling poles. Yes. <laughs> that's it. Hold on, You're I, fi- like, I finally found my shop.
4: There we go. Roland <laughs> Roland, so when you say exotic, you're talking about what modifications can people do to them? How far can they make Thank you for, it thank happen? You
0: for a deciphering my question. Yes. Is it just fuel and air? What else are you adjusting?
4: It's just straight up an air pump. You take all the electronics and all the gizmos off, and it's just an air pump. That's it. For it to run, it needs fuel, it needs air, you know, and then it, it creates an air to fuel ratio. So it takes a certain air to fuel ratio for the vehicle to run. So at the end of the day, how much air can we get into the vehicle? And how much fuel does it have available? You know, how much can we pump through this thing? And that determines how much horsepower we can make.
0: And so how do you go about finding the limit?
4: So the way I find the limit... <laughs> it's,
0: it's when the scary. smoke comes out, the test is complete. <laughs> or it's when the, you know uh, so, when he
4: paints the ceiling
0: with, with hardware. Yeah,
4: shrapnel <laughs> through honest, his bulletproof like glass. Way that we've, the way we have found the limit, at least right whenever we start tuning them, and I normally the last couple of vehicles we've actually done R&D on, I've done it all live. So whenever we actually start dynoing, I do it live. So that way, if it blows up and shatters to smithereens, it's like, well, at least it made a cool video. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> there's, the, there's the limit. Uh, we took one uh, a rabbit trail of when the two point eights came out, the little two point eight Colorado. Yeah. Diesel. Uh, our friend Scott at uh, SDP, he took me. like, man, I want to put some twin turbos on it. That's great. Let's do it. So uh, he put twin turbos on it. And I think on the very first pull, he scattered the engine.
1: Oh, <laughs> so, oh man! I was like,
4: "Well, you know what? That's that's the limit, Scott." I think he found it. Right <laughs> <again."> <laughs> he found it. Well,
1: and you know, I I drive one of those every day right now. I've got a 2.8 uh, Duramax ZR2, and oh, the,
4: it's a cool little truck. It
1: is, but it just it needs 25 more horsepower and a little less turbo lag, and I would be super happy. Not
0: the 200 that he was trying to bolt on I mean,
1: with twin you, turbos. Oh, I mean, no. not that I would turn that down, but for the average person, if it had another 20 horsepower, it would rock. It just hey, needs we just got you. Needs we got we bit. go up
4: to sixty. We go up to sixty on those. Sixty would be
1: sixty would be awesome. You know, it's funny you talk about Dino oh, explosions. Yeah. Um, I once had my uh, I had a Harley Sportster with an eight eighty three, and I went to a company uh, and we turned it into a stage three. So we had a forty two millimeter Makuni carb, and we had full top end, full uh, full pistons. Um, you know, um, but it was
0: a Harley. You're starting it with a deficit. Like, right. Easy now, <laughs> easy now. So the, rip, sport
1: the goal was to make a hundred horsepower to the wheel and turn it into a. Um, Oh man, what was it? It was a uh, it was twelve fifty. So it went for eight eighty three to twelve fifty. Don't they
0: sell? Doesn't Magnuson right. sell superchargers for those things? Oh, uh,
1: you do. There's all sorts of stuff you can get. This was okay. this was probably like I don't know oh uh, four. So however many years ago okay. that was, right? And so we put it on the dyno. We had the new top end. We had the new cam. We had the uh, the the new uh, the new pistons. Everything's the engine's done, and it's like, all right, let's throw it on the dyno and see what it does. We do one run. <laughs> And it just keeps going, and it's like, I love that sound. It's like ninety nine. Right? Well, hold on, I will. No, don't I'll will, do that again. So it goes. We hit, <laughs> we hit like ninety nine horsepower, and we're like, dude, we got it. We got to hit hundred. Couple adjustments.
3: Yes, it is. Oh no! And a
1: big puff of fuel shoots out the carb, <laughs> and we're like, everybody just looked at each other, like, hmm, that probably wasn't good. Hit the starter, woo! And we're like. Uh oh. So on she those gone. on those engines, the uh, oil um, there's a, a oil gear that runs off all the cams in the in the bottom of the engine, and there's like a, a keyway, and the keyway sheared off, and so as we were doing our run basically the valve train separated from being in time with the uh, with the lower end and the pistons hit every single one of the valves and just destroyed everything right and so did you walk it out to the dumpster afterwards oh, and just man. go we, we, v twin we had to, yeah we had to re- we had we had to redo it and it ended up being fine you know uh, it needed new cases it need, uh, just everything right but what was funny about it was like it, i've seen things blow up on the dyno that are spectacular I've seen things blow up that make noise. Oh, super I parts scatter. You see, you know, turbo wheels shooting out through the exhaust. This mm, had none of mm. that. It just went <laughs> and then just freewheeled itself and we're like. So it was like the sad it was like the saddest. It was like a you know, seven, eight thousand dollars worth of engine just it, and you stood there, you're like, so
3: that, so that, so that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So anyway, so that happened. I just, I laugh because, you know, every time I see an awesome dino video of somebody taking something to the limit and blowing up an engine, I think of the the anti-destructive
0: uh, uh, dino where my, my bike just sort of whimpered out into uh, into the pasture. Now, Corey, um, was it Firepunk? Was it, it was, didn't he have some catastrophic explosion, Levon? Levon? Yeah,
4: Levon. And What, Levon. what was the deal explosion. with that? Yeah, what happened? He was just pumping lots of fuel and pumping lots of air, and things went. <laughs> Lebron likes to
0: take things to the limit, though.
4: <laughs> he, he was trying to party.
0: Uh-huh. He was trying to party with his engine. Why? opened it, his it, pants it, down. It was
4: party. It was party. Yeah, huge explosion. They, you know, how girls would throw the throw the candles up in the air, you know, when they bring your bottles out. He got his bottles. <laughs> the, little, the little sparklers at the top were shining. Oh, yeah, he they did were.
0: Right.
4: Yeah, those are expensive too. So I mean, he got the whole package.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now that it was that was a billet motor, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That hurt. I don't care who you are. That hurt. I, I watched the YouTube video and I was like, repeat, 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 repeat. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so
1: forty-five of those views are from you.
4: Yes, no doubt,
3: one hundred
0: percent. It's so funny because I was it's talking crazy. to talking to Gail Banks about this, and he's like, "Why would anyone want to blow the engine up?" I'm like, "For YouTube views." <laughs> yeah, he's like, that's, ex- "That's an expensive, you know, viral Dude. video." Yeah. But it, I guarantee. On,
4: I was like, man, that engine made you more money than it will well, ever. Exactly. Cost. <laughs> if
1: you can go viral, you're paying for your engine, probably, right? No doubt.
4: No doubt. So oh I'm kind of. Yeah. did good things for him.
1: I'm kind of curious. You know, uh, you do gas tunes. You obviously are huge in the diesel market. I'm curious. What do you think of the new GM 66? The new Ford 73 push rod. I know there's not a lot of information out on either yet. And then also all the diesels. Um, you know, Ford announced that the six is going to get uh, get a, a bump, and then you have the six seven New Cummins with the CGI block, and then you've got obviously the L five P, which came out a few years ago. W- what excites you about the new truck engine technology that just got announced here in the last week?
4: Being able to get it on my dyno, figure out the computer system, and turn it up until it quits making power—that's <laughs> That's what excites until me. It quits. <laughs> so you've answered that question before. <laughs> Till it quits. That's it. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm. We're we're in line for all three of them. I'm ready. Awesome, man. Do you think there will come a time,
0: Corey, that you won't be able to get in anymore?
4: You know what? There's, there's, I don't know of hardly anything in the world that has permanently been disabled without somebody being able to re enable it. You know what I mean? It might have, it may have took a, a X amount of time to make it happen, but anything's, anything's able to be reversed. Anything in the world. I mean, what? Didn't, didn't, uh, China take Google or something like that one time. I mean, you know, things can happen.
0: What do you enjoy tuning the most? Is it gas because the increases in horsepower are harder to come by? You have to be smarter about it? Or do you like diesel because it's because it's easier? Or do you like something more like a challenge and you're a side by side racer in your spare time, right? Is that right. a whole nother ball of wax? Do you have spare time?
4: oh oh, i do do these days i had to force myself to make i got married and ended up having to make time oh yeah (laughs) i know that story but no uh so i don't really tune a whole lot of gas stuff we'll toy with it a little bit here at the shop but we don't really even sell any of it we plan on it but we don't currently diesel is what i really really enjoy and honestly for making these you know if you're just tuning one that now like we're going through the processes now of making them totally totally uh emissions compliant but not just emissions compliant actually making them run better than the factory emissions would all of our new calibrations are actually 10 percent lower on total emissions output than they come from the factory while making 500 horsepower so you know i enjoy that i used to if you had asked me you know four years ago i'd have said oh you know taking and absolutely taking all the parts off the truck and making it a race vehicle it's challenging i love it but that's kind of starting to reverse now you know it's starting to be like i'm taking on the challenge of trying to make these emission systems work even better while making more horsepower.
0: How so. do you top general motors with the, they have an entire floor of people. I would assume that just create the tunes of the vehicle, right? No, right. they don't. You're shaking your head. No, what well, kind of, I, no, kind no, of no, staff holman do they have? I mean, I
1: mean, I don't know, but I don't think like it's a secret vault underground where you open it up and like 46 people are in white shirts and skinny ties, you know, tuning away or anything. But I think
0: Well, it's, it, I'm I'm trying yeah. to paint the picture. It's, no, it's, it's a guy with a dyno right. you know, and but PPI like, versus versus General Motors. But it's like
1: anything in in the General Motors and the OE world, right? Uh, that the aftermarket can help. They have such a broad swath of parameters you have to do. And so the individual tuning guy can tune for altitude. He can tune for the area you plan to be in. He can tune, you know, General Motors is worried about uh, the warranty and NVH and sound. And there's so many parameters, whereas Corey's
0: like... You want power, I'll give you power, but there's going to be trade-offs. Hold on a second. But what are the trade-offs, then? If he's giving me power, then maybe— I just told you. Were you not
1: on this part of the show? No, I'm (laughs) listening to you, and that's what I'm responding to,
0: douchebag. So what I wanted to know is, what are the trade-offs? So if he's able to give me more horsepower with better emissions control— uh-huh. Then what am I sacrificing? Why wouldn't Jim have done that? It, I don't might, care, it might
1: be noise. It might be NVH. You might be out of balance with the way the chassis is to control the engine pulses. You might, Exactly. You know, all those types of things. You, you might run in a narrower altitude range than you would have with a stock truck. Um, you may not be able to tow... Because you're putting out too many EGTS and things like that under those loads, it may just be racing. But you don't want to have a trailer on the back. You're not. You may sacrifice. You may be able to tow ten thousand pounds with a full race tune instead of being able to seventeen thousand five hundred pounds. So you're gonna have trade-offs. It just depends on your altitude, your use case, um, what you're doing with it, and what your expectations are at the end. Because you know, reality. going on to like uh, NVH and also um, drivability, you may have hella hard transmission shift points because you have to shift that tranny fast and hard and your wife may hate it and not want to ride in your truck with you or whatever but just to little <laughs> wear sports bra <laughs> the things that <laughs> the things that are important to uh to enthusiasts are not necessarily what's important to the general public that a company like uh gm or or chrysler or
4: anybody else has to sell to everybody
0: all right well said now that i get it thank you
4: so a good a good follow-up with that is kind of like this like we've got We've got some used to um, right out the box. Whenever someone would put our 2 in the truck, it did. It would have you know a little bit more firm shift point. Uh, I would lock the torque converter up earlier, so you notice these. Things. I'd have you know folks that would program their vehicles just for economy and they're like hey you know i don't really like the fact that my truck reacts differently than how it did before and it's like yeah but it's great it's awesome you don't like this like it's 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 wonderful (laughs) it's like no i i liked how it was from the factory all i want's a little bit more you know economy it's like okay not a problem so i you know being that that be the case i think overall you know especially with the amount of money gm and all the big oems have behind them they found the happy medium for where everything needs to be to gener- you know, satisfy the general customer. Granted, hey. with someone guys a program from us, all we generally hear about is we want more power. That's why we're buying this. So it sounds great. But ultimately, you know, with the with the strict thresholds that the manufacturers have to meet in regards to like you was saying, with the the, the noise emissions, everything. They they have to they really have to tone these things down, which is great for us because then we can just open them. Up. Yeah, that means so there's, there's for room for you, right?
1: And and part exactly. of it too could be torque management. I, I know GM came out and said with the L5P and the 10 speed Allison, there is you can get 100 percent of power to the ground in first gear with the new truck because everything was made so much more beefy. Um, and That's Cummins awesome. says the same thing on the thousand pound truck that it's not torque managed, which today's trucks are torque managed. So what you have to think about is you you might be a guy that understands. Ring and pinions, and you might understand chrome uh, chromoly axle shafts. You might understand rear ends, and and fix and upgrade some of those things, right? I understand so, rear ends. Yeah, I'm sure you, know you know what I'm do. Um, <laughs> um, from a standpoint of longevity downstream from the engine through the transmission into the driveline, into the transfer case, because now you got to think of these guys are racing yeah, in four wheel drive, all over the place. Yeah, and and you're taking a transfer case that was never really made to put that much heat or driveline sh- shock into it. And now asking it to do things where they're multiplying the torque because you have low range and things like that, right? So, all of those things that may have survived in four high aren't going to survive in four low because you're making so much more power. So, GM has to pa- what they call package protect, right? They have to make sure that all the things they give you from the factory with the truck, no matter what you do with that truck factory, you're not going to be breaking half shafts, you're not going to be breaking the transfer case, you're not going to be blowing up the transmission. So part of the enthusiast thing is you know those are risks. Corey's gonna give you what you want, but those are the trade offs that you take. Is is you might have to get, you know, R C V chromoly front, you know, half shafts or or, you know, forty spline rear shafts or or whatever. You may have to upgrade your ring and pinion. You may have to get something cryo treated, but those are the trade offs.
4: If someone goes to like uses our lower programs that are built for towing and whatnot, I'll sit on the dyno for straight up five, six minutes just full load at a time, and that's for our towing programs. Because when we release a program that's built for towing, I want to be able to tell the customer, hey, you can hold it to the floor, let your cruise control do its job, go up the mountain as long as you want.
1: Your engine won't bubble the
0: paint on your fenders and hood?
4: <laughs> oh I've destroyed some things this stuff <laughs> I bet
0: I think those That, yes. that I'm glad you addressed that because that's some of the concern is that you're making a tune and all you do is a five second poll, and you're like alright I got 600 horse oh, no. done and you're like Done next truck, yeah. but and, that's not gonna work for the common guy. Well,
1: not only do you do levels right. of tune, right? That's part of it. But I think that there's the average guy out there who he's not racing his truck, but he wants a fatter power band. So he doesn't really care about wide open throttle because the truck probably has enough power, but he doesn't want it only at wide open throttle. He wants it to be at 2,000 to 3,000 RPM rather than from 2,500 to 3,000, just for that better drivability
4: exactly. and stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, our R and D maybe spends five percent of its time at absolutely wide open throttle. That's the easiest tuning in the world. Wide open throttle. Yeah, anybody can do that, that's right? That's drivability and safety. How many
0: engineers are building these tunes for you now? Designing, you know, so, the code. I'm
4: pretty well the I'm the, I'm pretty well the lead guy over here. I do all the R and D, um, but I've got a really wicked team. So I've got uh, about three calibrators in house that that are pretty good. They're really wicked. And ultimately, I, if I can get the baseball all done. I can go out, hand them the files, and they can go torture test and test it to the day's end. And then what else is good, is, too, is we have a wide range of people here. Like, I'm pretty much the hot foot guy. I get in it, I mash the pedal to the floor, and that's how I roll. Where a lot of the other guys that are here, they don't drive the same way that I drive. So we're able to take and actually do multiple people driving the vehicle tests, and their feedback comes back around and tells us exactly how, the vehicle, how they thought the vehicle should perform or it does perform. And we can tailor it down to that.
0: Do you have a favorite platform? You started tuning with Duramaxes. Do you do you like Rams any better, or what? If you had to choose one, I, you know, which would it be?
4: I, we have all of them at the show. We have every of everything we tune. We have one, but I personally drive. I drive a Titan daily. I love my little Cummins Titan. It is awesome to have fun, that can just about do three quarter ton things. But um, whenever I hook up to a, a big trailer, I use my f three fifty. I love my F 350. It's hands down, the interior is nicer. What it's year? A nicer truck. Uh It's an eighteen model.
1: Oh, okay. So the newer one. That, that's a great. That's right. a great truck. Going back to the it's Nissan. Um, obviously, Nissan is our presenting sponsor, and we've got a lot of Titan XD listeners. Here. I don't think Corey knew that. Oh, hey, Corey, Nissan's our presenting sponsor. <laughs> uh, but we've got a lot. Of- hey, see,
4: I didn't even know that. Yeah, they're awesome. They're freaking. Sweet truck. So
1: and So we've had a lot of people on who love their XD. love it. And I think yeah, people think that th- we sign them up to be shills on the show, but the reality is everybody who owns that truck absolutely loves that truck. Saw
0: one today on the 605 freeway at the yeah. 60 pulling a race trailer. And right, I yeah. Thought, yeah. It's gorgeous. Oh, there's a guy yeah. in my neighborhood
1: just bought one, awesome.
0: and a red one.
1: And so what I'm curious about is let people know what the power potential is. So that truck is 300 horse and 555 pound-feet from the factory. Um, Or no, it's, is it 310? I think it's 310-555. What do you right. get out of it? Because I, I want people to understand like, where that fits in to the equation, um, because if you think about it, everybody looks at the truck, oh, it's not an F-250. Well, it's not meant to be an F-250. What it's perfect no, for it's a- is that guy who has a 2000 Duramax that has about 500, 600 pound feet of torque and is time to replace it and doesn't need as much truck as today's three-quarter and one-tons. That XD is perfect. So what, do you, what can you get out of it tuning-wise?
4: Man, we've—I have to look back to the specific numbers, but we've made mid four hundreds on the stock air, stock fuel system, mid four hundreds, wow. and over eight hundred foot-pounds of torque. Oh my <laughs> god! How could you not be happy with that, <laughs> that right? Dude, I would take wheel. that in XD all day long, all day oh, long. Cool. It's a man. It's an absolute man, and it, it, I love this truck and, and that transmission. I don't know how my transmission's still alive, but somehow. It's still hanging in there. That I mean, Eisen i up with a trailer and burned the tires yeah. going up a bridge.
3: That Eisen
1: 6-speed <laughs> is awesome. It's super overbuilt for that truck. It's way, way more trans than that truck needs. But what's cool about the 5-liter uh, the is if you open the hood, and I remember I had a Titan XD, one of the very first ones. It was actually a pre-production truck. I drove it from Nashville when I picked it up to Diesel Power Challenge in Denver in one day. It took 22 right. hours. And I put all those miles on it. And I brought it to Diesel Power Challenge to the parking lot. And I got there the day the guys were checking in. Everybody's in the parking lot with their hoods open. And what people couldn't believe is on a Titan XD 5 liter, Nissan did not skimp. Cummins did not skimp on the things that other manufacturers skimp on. If you look at the stainless steel fittings around the boots, they're the highest quality you can get. If you look at the silicone hoses, they're awesome. If you look at the intercooler, the entire thing is cast. There are no plastic caps on it like the competition. Everything is meant for durability under that truck, and nobody realizes that until they pop the hood and go, "Oh my God, there are so many!" I would spend hundreds of dollars in the aftermarket on a Ford to have these same connectors and to, and to have the same type of intercooler that's fully cast.
4: It's an amazing truck. You should see mine right now. It, you can't even see what color truck it is. It is full of mud from the top <laughs> to the bottom. <laughs> that's my how it's supposed is to be. Absolute torture
0: <laughs> For tuning wise, I guess what was the answer to your question? If you had to tune only one brand, it would be.
4: Tune-only one brand, it would probably be Duramax. I just, I like Duramax. I like the Allison combination. Um, and the L5 Fisa Monster, you know, we made, uh, granted, we made just about 1,500 foot-pounds of torque with this truck. Oh, my gosh, uh, with wow. With Tune-only. I went to the track, and I. so we made 600, I think it was 608 horsepower, before actually doing any type of modifications to, to get a little bit more airflow. We made 608 horsepower, and... 1,463 foot foot pounds. And it was like, all right, that's pretty cool. Let's bring it to the track. Because everybody on the internet said, oh, that's not real. You know, PPI fudges their numbers. I'm like, hey, guys, we're going to go to the track. Let's just see what it does. You know? And so we went to the track and uh, right off the trailer ran a 1230 at 108 mile an hour. And I did back to back to back. And I used Instagram Live and did it on Instagram Live. I showed, and then we went to the scales and showed it weighed 6,600. So, right on. this truck, these things make power, you know? I mean, there's not really any current platform right now that's even kind of sort of going 1230s at the track tune only.
0: Now, you had to be loading up that DPF, I assume, right? The particulate filter.
4: By the time we did this, we went ahead and full-blown made it a race truck. The truck right now is actually a short bed, totally, totally going race truck. Gotcha. So it was race truck mode at that point. But we have had a customer go to the track and run it with the DPF on, uh, quad cab, and rent a 1280.
1: I mean, that's... Those are so, good numbers. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know anybody who's not like you know, not even racing, just happy to have that much performance in a daily driver. That's that's yeah, really that, good.
4: That's on our 165 horse file right out the box. Now, granted, at wide open throttle, it does. It stops the DPF up pretty quick on these bigger files. But you're taking a, a missions present truck, going to the track, and running 12 second quarter mile passes with no more than just a program. I mean, that's insane.
1: So one of the things I found out about the new L5P and the 2020 HD, and I'm kind of curious your take on it, is GM now has a piece of software in the computer for the vehicle called After Run, Engine After Run. And so what it does is if you're pulling your trailer up a grade and your EGT's high, your turbo's cooking, if you pull into a rest stop or you pull in your driveway or whatever and that thing's hot, if you go to turn off, you put it in park, there'll be a message on your DIC that says, engine must need must run to cool down. If you put it in park and turn your engine off and walk away, it'll the continue truck, to run. The truck will turn itself back on in order to keep it circulating until it's at a safe temperature to, to park. The the stock truck has that. Like that's pretty oh, badass. Yeah.
4: yeah. You no, know, what you wanna hear something else interesting. All of the Duramax can actually do that. It just wasn't enabled in the computer to do so. Oh what? In- interesting. So, yeah. So if we could actually take an old, an older truck prior to this uh, and do tur- we call it turbo timers? We can do okay, turbo yeah, sort of term. just like the old right.
1: JDM car guys who used to have Supras yeah. and RX sevens. They'd have turbo timers, or on their Hondas that they totally turbo. Cool. G- you know, uh, Greddy used to have that, right? You'd get a Greddy turbo timer, throw it on your dash, and you would let the thing cook. Down. So now
0: GM's doing that for 2020
1: standard across the line with Duramax.
0: So this is like an iPhone that's got all the same guts, but they charge you more when they activate certain features, yeah, right? right? Yeah, exactly. And it's but it's all in the chip. It's all there. So here's the other thing that Duramax has done for a long time that nobody
1: else has done. And I'm curious, Corey, if if you manipulate this at all. But what's very cool about the Duramax platform, we talked about it on the show before, but um, Duramax, those engines have an overrev feature on it. So if you're towing and you're going downhill and you don't want to heat up your service brakes, unlike the other trucks... The Duramax will actually let you go past Redline to grab the next lower gear in order to slow your truck down. You don't have to get hard on the brakes in order to do it. The truck will over-rev for a brief second and grab that next lower gear. Is that something that you've played with or manipulated with uh, anything on before, Corey?
4: I haven't manipulated it. It works well. Yeah. I have not even to touch any of it. The, the, the Allison and the ECU communicate so well it. Let them do their job. They do a good
0: job at it. No, I like it because he's not like, I need to beat up on all their code. Yeah. right. I need if to beat. if it works, don't don't mess with it. You know,
4: so yeah. less is more when it comes to programming, in my opinion.
0: Less is more. Let's talk about tuning. What does it cost the average person that they're going to call up PPEI, or go to PPEI.com, and they're going to look for a tune where they've got a 2006 RAM, right? What is that going to run them for the hardware and the software, just generally speaking? So for a
4: 2006 RAM, they're going to have the option between doing an AutoCal, uh, which is the EFI last product. It's a handheld that we offer, and uh, then they're going to be able to have the tuning on top of it. We're just about to launch uh, our programming on the EasyLink platform, so that'll be an option as well. But roughly right now with the AutoCal that we offer, you're looking with the handheld and the programs in it, we underneath the $800 mark.
0: Eight hundred. Okay, that's reasonable. Yeah, Underneath uh, eight hundred bucks. Yeah. Does it swing wildly from vehicle to vehicle? Or are they all in that kind of price it range?
4: It does. It does. It. It. They actually spread quite wildly. So, uh, and the reason is, is because, say for example, a six point seven Cummins, it has the 60 order RFE behind it, and that transmission shifts absolutely terrible from the factory. It's it's terrible in my opinion. Some people might love it. I can't say. It. So the line pressure Grant tuned. Let's, let's rephrase that. It doesn't shift all that great with a tune on it. And the reason is, and the reason I try to preach transmission tuning is because the factory expects the vehicle to see X amount of torque in X amount of time versus X amount of throttle, right? So whenever you increase the horsepower of the vehicle, you know, and this applies to anything, you increase the horsepower of the vehicle, well, now it threw that torque calculation off that the transmission was expecting. So if the transmission says, hey, I'm good with 120 pounds of line pressure with... 400 foot pounds but now you tune the vehicle and it has that 120 pounds of line pressure but now you've increased it to 700 foot pounds that's not enough line pressure so that's where it comes in so handy to have transmission tuning but that's like tuning a whole nother platform it's like adding a whole another vehicle to the mix the newer models really need transmission tuning with them that is additional cost we don't force the customer to buy but we do our best to to educate the customer why it's so beneficial to have it, to, to have the transmission tuning to take care of uh, keeping the vehicle in the range of the new torque curves of the trans, you know, shifting at the right parameters with the new trans, with the new ECU tuning, and ultimately having the line pressure for the for clutch holding. And it increases the price, but it's worth it.
0: You could force them. You could like this. You you got to buy the trans tune with the ECU tune, right? You could say this is the way we sell it. You don't. Have, it doesn't have to oh, be a la oh, carte.
4: We we could we could. And I've I've thought about doing it so many times. The only thing is, is you know, now you say that I might just start forcing everybody. To, Here you go, bud. <laughs> hey, you <laughs> <it> right. <laughs> no. Some. The reason we don't is uh, some people will do the modifications to the transmissions. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the builders now are build them in such a way that they don't want transmission tuning because they're taking care of all the line pressure and shifts. I drop. Oh, control. gotcha. So that's why we actually separate them out. But Doc, gotcha. you, you need to have it. you need to
0: have it. I have a question for you. Corey, have you tuned your McLaren? <laughs> so wait, hold on. McLaren I have a question is, uh... for
1: you, Corey. you have a McLaren? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does.
0: Yes, he does. I watched yeah, him do it's... donuts in front of his shop. The we other
1: have night. a uh, 720s <laughs> sitting in our lobby at the office right now. Do you really? Yeah, I drove through the windows yesterday.
0: It like broke the windows.
1: No, no, we have like a remove like <laughs> glass doors that open up, and okay. then McLaren came driving in and it's sitting outside my office right now.
0: What do you own? How did you buy it? I mean, how, how did you buy it? Like, what? Too <laughs> me money, the st- I guess. Well, he yeah, has money, but tell me the story. How that happened?
4: <laughs> you know what? I've, I've, tuning's my baby. Tuning is uh, the PPI is my absolute baby, but I, I do a little bit of real estate, and I actually have a uh, like a financing company that that does uh, buys and sells vehicles and finances vehicles and things like that. So. Being that we can come across uh, vehicles pretty easily, I can get things, roll them for a while, and then move them. You know, I'm not really losing any money. So uh, if I see a good deal come across, we'll scoop it up through that company. And that's kind of how the McLaren happened. A friend of mine sold his Can-Am, a really nice Can-Am, to a fella. And uh fella does really well for himself. And whenever I was looking at his pictures, I seen he had the McLaren. I said, "Sean, find out what that guy wants to McLaren if he wants to sell it. Beautiful, white, black car. And most of my stuff's either lime green and black or it's going to be white and black like that's pretty much everything on. so um the guy made me an awesome deal like stupid deal on the car so we got it and actually for tuning it does it uh it's got just a basic tune on it um, <laughs> of course it does and, <laughs> I, I knew a it basic tune yeah basic tune an intake and an exhaust and uh it runs really 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 good so i want to take and throw some uh different intercoolers on it and throw the 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 bank side dash to find out exactly where it's happy and then uh, play with the turbochargers a little bit. So I plan on keeping this one for a little while. It's a, you get a lot of bang for the buck with a, with a McLaren, even an entry-level McLaren like mine, the 570S. What's <laughs> going
1: to happen when you go and sit in your commuter mini to drive home, and you're like, dude, I just talked to a guy that has a McLaren, yeah. and I'm I'm getting in my mini. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: well, if you, would, if you would come to my shop, I'm normally in – uh, my day starts off by we taking me and my brother workout, and then uh, I train jiu-jitsu as well. So of course you do. Actually- of course you do. Can, can you, can he owns you try- a freaking real estate <laughs> company, a finance <laughs> company.
0: <laughs> he buys and sells exotic so, cars, and he no, owns wait, on, the, on, the world's most popular diesel tuning company. Where's a knife so I can stab no, no, no. my heart out? No, you're doing no. it wrong. Think about <laughs> it.
1: Like he lives Not the like same life we you- do. We work for other people. Yes. We get up in the morning. We lift donuts no. to our mouths. We do we lift donuts. We wash them down with some soda. Yes. We, we have jelly for toothpaste and for bellies. <laughs> and, uh, and our jujitsu is us. Avoiding people out there who know jiu-jitsu are gonna kick our asses.
0: <laughs> God damn it! I love you, Corey, and I hate you so much at the same time. <laughs> a lot of hatering yeah. going over here. No, hey, listen, I Hard wanted work, to dial man. him. He just worked
1: way harder than you did. That's I, all. I don't know. <laughs> Probably
0: smarter than you. Are I think too. I just have a lot more failure than he does.
1: Um, your finance your fine company went up into like a t-shirt business or something, <laughs> yes, right?
4: <it> ah, <laughs> uh, well, this is awesome. Like Elon Musk, just taking say, oh, I'm gonna start a hat company for the day until twenty. Million in hats or whatever he did, be like, "Oh, that was nice. I'm never
3: gonna
4: do that again." That's real success. We've that all is real success. Yep. <laughs> I just want Elon for, uh, for a day. Oh, uh, I sold out.
3: So.
0: I just want Elon's backing for a. one day, just Run one day.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. right. Well, Corey, I feel no, like no, we it's... could spend another couple hours talking to you. No, we got to have him
1: back on. That's the deal. We yeah. can't talk to him tonight now about everything because I want to touch base with him after these new trucks come out because I want to know what he found with the 2019s and 2020s.
4: Hey, but what about side-by-side racing? That's my favorite thing in the world to do. We didn't even discuss that. Oh, my gosh.
3: We got a whole segment we can do.
1: Side-by-side. <laughs> <laughs> side.
4: On the Side-by-Side side Show what podcast.
0: Hell? Yeah, well, that's our <laughs> other right right podcast.
3: side-by-side.
0: <laughs> you know, I started talking to Corey because we're working on some projects together through Banks and through PPEI. So he needed instrumentation, and Banks has some really interesting in- instrumentation that's going to help oh, yeah. him tune, give a lot more knowledge. We're actually working on something for side by sides that's going to help him as well. So it's awesome. it's going to be a, a real fun uh, year coming up here. Corey, are you going to be at LST Lone Star Throwdown by any chance? What day? What date is that? Uh, when is February Lone Star 22, Throwdown? February 22, 24? yeah, twenty 24? twenty two, three and four. Two,
4: three, and four. Tw- twenty nope. two. Nope. I'll actually be at an AXTC race racing my Can Am. <laughs> well, that sounds fun. <laughs> I'll yes. be there.
1: Right? Yeah, February twenty second through the twenty fourth.
4: Oh, 22nd through 24th. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't know. I need to look at the calendar and see. It's you should join
1: calendar. us. We're uh, we're having a listener meetup at B52 Brewing in Conroe, Texas on Saturday the 23rd. and uh, you From should like come 7 out. to 10 p.m. Yeah, like 7 to 10. You should come hang out with us. Cool.
4: Yeah, if I can, I would love to do
1: that. That's He just turned us down. To yeah, you me. hear that? <laughs> that was a nice turn. <laughs> no, I, don't know. I don't know
4: what's
5: going on yet. I had to look at the calendar. I don't know.
1: Okay, how about this? How about this? I promise you, because we're going to have some recording equipment with us. I promise you, if you come... Are we playing music?
4: Are we going to start a band? Is there going to be... <laughs> guitar? Yeah, <we>
0: can <laughs> totally, totally. That's what I'm trying to do. No, no, no. I, I, no, uh, wait a, a minute. start a band, no, too? No, no. He can play the guitar. Oh, yeah, and we'll uh, do the tambourine. <laughs> you
1: have a harmonica, and I'll have a tambourine. No, I'm, I, I'm on the drums, Yeah, we too. have a harmonica. You can, see, yeah, I'm on a yeah, can you play drums? Yeah, I can yeah, play. play. Of
4: course we do. I okay. can play the drums. <laughs> all, <laughs> oh, right, yeah. all right,
1: all I'm right. On, I'm on the harmonica and the tambourine. You got the drums. Corey's going to be the lead singer. All right, here's what I promise you, Corey. If you come and join us on February 22nd, Conroe, Texas, from 7 to 10 for Lone Star Throwdown, I will personally ensure you that we have a conversation and record it about your side-by-side
0: racing.
3: <laughs>
0: awesome. You know what our band is called? <laughs> yeah, Buddy.
3: Yeah, Buddy. Yeah, yeah
1: Buddy.
0: Yeah, My Buddy. <laughs> yeah,
1: buddy. <laughs> All right, Corey, so where can people find you on social if they, uh, if they want to follow you?
4: You can just type in Corey Willis on Facebook or you can type it on Instagram and I'm right there. On Instagram is Corey underscore PBI. And uh, we post lots of, I post lots of fun content all the time. Uh, And even on Snapchat, I post a lot of personal things from the shop and us joking around. We're we're just a bunch of fun. We enjoy what we do over here. So on, on Snapchat, find it. It's fun. All right dude. on Instagram is fun. Nothing but inspirational stuff. You'll never find anything on my Instagram that's
1: down. I am following you right now. Yes, you are. I'm, he actually I'm, is. I'm I'm, fo- I'm finding <laughs> you, and then you and I are going to be buddies, and you're going to get sick. You're going to cut me out posts. as a friend? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: what a, ah! dude, <laughs> we're locking out. We're I going be, oh, right you want to hear
1: something embarrassing? What's that? Okay, so I, I get a lot of people who will add me for Facebook and stuff, right? And I don't – I'm horrible. Like, I go – I do more stuff on Instagram. I kind of keep family stuff. And so there's a lot of people that – I'm sorry if I left you hanging, but I just don't go or don't think to go into Facebook because I don't think of Facebook as, like, where people I interact with. It's, like, more just family stuff. I think you're – I think we all do that. Okay, so check this out. I just typed in Corey. It says, respond to friend request. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and confirm right now, brother.
4: <laughs> hey, watch this. Watch this. Oh, I, oh there's a lot on me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right,
4: we are now officially Find friends, friends on Facebook. Now. I have confirmed hey, what your friend that request. what exact name should I type in for this?
1: Uh, you can type in for the the oh, truck show John. podcast. There, it's
4: there I am. P. You got it.
0: There he is. You got Sean it, P Holman.
4: Look at there. He's sharing McLarens right now. You see <laughs> that? I told you. <laughs> outside my Alt office. Mode. See?
1: <laughs> see, we're gonna be good friends, Corey. We're gonna be good friends, even though hey, it yeah. started here Allman. on the on the podcast. We're gonna be good friends.
4: Hey, are we gonna do another podcast and then we all actually link up? We meet together and let's, make a YouTube video. Is that
1: possible? Let's do it. I think we should. Dude, if you're, how often I'm do you down. ever come to California? Let's do it. Next time you're in California, come hang he's, out with us in the studio. He's,
0: he's going to fly out in the next 60 days and right. watch Gail and I blow, blow, up, something up blow up a Duramax. And then laugh at you.
3: Oh, my
1: favorite. All right, here's the deal. So, Corey, when you come out to California, talk to Lightning. Let's figure it out. And on a night that we record, just come down to the studio and hang out with us. We'll, get, we'll have Wiener Schnitzel Chili Dogs. <laughs> we we'll have
4: monsters and Dr. Pepper. That's our ritual, by the yeah, way. So we yeah, have chili dogs yeah. and beer. Uh, I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna go ahead and bring some Buddha and some cracklets for Louisiana. That way oh. we can have a little bit of home base so, in there too. To my I family. You.
1: I got you. My family's from Louisiana, so I, I think I said this on podcast before. So my grandma came from uh, from New Roads, and my grandparents met. They lived in the French Quarter, like literally in the French oh, yeah, Quarter. Oh
4: they're from back down south. That's how they all talk the, down there. Exactly. How did you dude. Out of, how they get out of these?
1: I got family in Baton <laughs> Rouge, and check this out. We actually have a family gum Gumbo recipe, jambalaya, red beans and rice. So, dude, I get it. That's my family. But check this out. Mm. This is how you know I'm legit. What makes a good gumbo is the roux, but what makes a good roux is the filet. And the only filet that you can get that makes proper southern Louisiana gumbo is from Louisiana. You cannot find that stuff anywhere else. You will not have a good Louisiana gumbo unless you get a filet from Louisiana. That's how I know, brother. He's
0: legit. <laughs> ah, I don't. I don't <laughs> I know, know what you just said, dude. I know. have no clue what you just Cor, said. Corey, Cor I had a moment. Well, so just is, it, wait, tastes it, good. Just is it Tastes is good. Is Corey going to come do the show here in our studio yes. or at your house while you cook dinner? Well, I mean, we could do either.
4: We could light up. a... I mean, we could easily light up propane right there and just cook it, and I'll. I'll just. Taking will scrape the plot, we good. I'll well, scrape the well depends. <laughs> depends how long
1: you're in town you for. Got it.
4: Squirrels. I'll go outside and hunt squirrels, and oh, I'll, dude. I'll clean them right there. I <laughs> got <laughs> squirrels. I got
1: cats. I got all
0: sorts of stuff. Oh, you're the man. A lot of fun, Corey. We'll catch yeah. You up. Yeah, we
1: will have you back on. Listen, seriously, when you're back in town, let us know because we'll have you. We'll have you come in, and we'll just have we'll have fun with whatever guests we oh, have yeah. that night,
4: gentlemen. It's happening.
1: All, all right. right, I love it.
0: Talk soon. All right, thanks, buddy. All right, thanks,
6: fellas.
1: All all right. Right. Later. Bye. Bye. Bye Damn, I love that guy, dude. We're gonna party.
6: <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah,
1: I don't know if it's gonna be in uh, Conroe, Texas, or if it's going to it be. It won't be. He's not gonna go. He's uh, got. He's got
0: a McLaren to drive around and and a, and a and a hot wife and the whole thing. You know what I mean? And real estate to take care of.
1: Well, I just uh, I just got a text from him and he showed me a picture of his McLaren. Oh, in did the he text. really? And He goes, uh, "Thanks, man. I live on the river and drive through water to get home, so it doesn't get much road love." And I said, uh, "Road trip." Let me so, see the photo. Black and white McLaren.
0: Yeah, that's the one I saw him doing donuts in. <laughs> yep. <yeah. laughs> So hopefully when uh, he comes out to California and
1: does stuff with uh, with Banks, we can get him to come in the studio because I think it would be a good time. Yeah. It's going to be a party.
0: All right. Time for email. You email. Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. <laughs> you email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. You've got some better dancing. <laughs> Oh yeah. I got to say. Oh yeah. Your man boobs are in into it. Box. <laughs> in box in box in box. All right, start reading. Uh, I'm sorry. uh you know what? We have faces for radio, right? Uh, which is why we are on an and- audio program. <laughs> you got a Yeah, you've got a belly for belly
1: dancing. Well, and- thank you. <laughs> I won't say what your belly is for, Jabba. Yeah, but, no, I'm, I'm just Get saying. to
0: reading. All right, this one is uh it says uh, King of the Hammers subject line from Thomas, and it starts uh, Jabuble. <laughs> That's me. What's the backstory? How do we get you just belted out my name, Jabuble? Yeah,
1: we we renamed you in like I don't know three or four episodes ago, and we said uh, something about uh, people were calling you. By your actual name, Jay. Right, and then we were saying, well, what if we just renamed you so it'd be easier for people or something? And uh, I don't know. Look, stick with
0: with lightning. It's fine with me. (laughs) Or Jabubly. I don't. I mean, Jabubly's funny, (laughs) although it doesn't really make any sense. And it's on the 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 banner hanging over us right now. Jay Boobly lightning. No, not for your. Yeah, it's for your your man boobs. No. Yeah, Jay Boobly. Jay Boobly. <laughs> Go, come on. Let's read this. It says, I heard your latest podcast that you're doing, uh, you're going to King of the Hammers. Really? I'll be wearing my TSP shirt. What? Oh, man. Yeah, Truck Show Podcast shirt, and it would be awesome to get to uh, get a picture of you guys at Hammers. If you know where you're going to be around, let me know. I'll keep an eye out. Keep up the great shows, guys. Thomas hey." All right, right on. Are you actually going to go out there? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried, and there is
1: no way I'm going to be able to make it out there. That is my story uh, as well. I'm so bummed out, because normally I, I go out there and get to hang with everybody, but with all my travel and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, doing this podcast, it's
0: right. kind of kept me anchored. All right. So um, no lightning at King of the Hammers as much as I would love to. it, And I want to thank Clint, one of our listeners. Yes. He's out there now, like right this second as we're recording this. Yep. He's out there as a volunteer wearing the orange vest and turning cars over. They get flipped. <laughs> so I, I I would love to be there, and I it's just not going to happen. Not this year. Not this Maybe year. Maybe next year. Uh, we've got one from Ben
1: here. He says, Lightning and Holman, I just started listening to your podcast and have wasted so much time listening to it. Now, wasted? Wasted. I wasted. Yeah, I don't How know about that. How dare you, my friend. Uh. But then he says, it's great. He says, uh, my wife already thinks I'm insane, and your podcast has definitely made her question my IQ, as well as my sanity even more. I just want an opinion from you guys. I bought an 04 Tahoe and really don't know what I want to do with it. It has a five three four l sixty four 4x4. I bought it because I needed the three-row seating ability for my young kids, but it's so mundane. I put some extra lights on it and plan exhaust in the near future, but it feels like I'm turning in my man card every time I drive it. Just (laughs) wanted some thoughts on what I could do to make it not a soccer mom rig. Some truck show podcast stickers would obviously help. Hint, hint. Uh, Let's see. He's from Montana. He could drive out to Conroe, Texas and pick up some stickers. That's a long-ass drive. (laughs)
0: Let's see how committed he is as a listener. I'll, I'll mail him to him. He
1: says, and a 2XL shirt would make me feel better after selling my truck. If you have one, thanks, K okay, guys. I appreciate what you're doing. And five stars. All right, uh, Ben. Thank you very much. He sends a picture. It's a uh, a red Tahoe, and uh, I don't know. I I know what I would do with it. I would. I like the exhaust. You know, you could probably do a, a intake two or four wheel it. drive. Four wheel drive. Okay. Uh, and then I would probably do like a, a nice uh, Bolton leveling setup on it. Uh, you know, Bill Steins. Is the like ass that. end up in the air? Uh, usually they're about an inch or an inch high, right? Uh, and then I would just do. I think you can fit probably thirty threes on that thing pretty easily, and just get some cool wheels and just go have fun with it. I mean, the nice. Who's thing got is, a good suspension for that? Is it McGoy's? Who's got a good one for that? I don't know who makes one for the Tahoe. Um, I just you don't see too many of those lifted. Like I said, I just. But do you even need a lift on that? Uh, a little bit. My, if I you're think doing a, tires think, on it, yeah. yeah. I think if you had leveling coils and stuff, and you weren't going. If it was two,
0: if it was two um, two wheel drive, I'm I'm slamming it. Yeah, I, for sure. It's four wheel drive though. Yeah, so I don't know.
1: It's a nice looking rig, actually. I don't. I don't see soccer mom about it.
0: I no. think. I think it's cool. I think. I'd rock, truck, a, I'd rock a Tahoe all day, man. Yeah, I think a truck show podcast sticker would look even better on it. Yeah. All right, this one's called "Hurry Up Already" from Eric, and it says Jabuble and <laughs> Sean P." He calls you Sean P. Oh, too funny. Uh, he says, "Why the f can't Monday hurry up and get here already?" From Eric, and um, he just wants our podcast to. Just be posted fasted.
1: And that's funny because I'm the opposite. I'm like, oh, crap, is Monday here already? We have to get the <laughs> podcast uploaded because there are people on the uh, East Coast. So as most of you guys know, uh, we try and get it out Sunday night, uh, West Coast time, by like uh, 9 p.m. So that on midnight, those of you who are waking up early, it's waiting for you in the morning for your commute. We try
0: really hard to do that every week. We're not always, always successful. And it burns all of my Friday my kids just don't see me Friday night, and then most of Saturday are spent editing and cleaning up our messes. Yeah. And then we post it if we can Sunday yeah, night. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh that is a true story. All right, I've got one from John. He says, hey guys, this is John from Tahoma, the west shore of Lake Tahoe.
1: Just listening to Holman talking about getting the eco diesel in his new Jeep, I'm saying please go for it. I have a 2016 Ram 1500 with EcoDiesel. I have 66,000 trouble-free miles on it now. I would love to hear about Holman's day-to-day experience with his EcoDiesel to help bolster the confidence of the rest of us EcoDiesel owners. You guys rock. And, of course,
3: five stars, five stars!
1: from way back. And so what uh, John's talking about is uh, I'm, I'm thinking about picking up a JL. Uh, later in the year, and the eco diesel will be coming uh, late availability in the JL and the JT. Yeah. And I was pontificating on whether or not I would go gas or diesel. Ooh, and I'm pontificating st- I'm like that, and I'm not really sure yet. Um, but I had talked about the uh, I believe it was our 2014 Grand Cherokee uh, had an eco diesel in it in our long term fleet at Four Wheeler, and I loved it. It was a great engine. I towed with that you know thing like 8,000 pounds or 7,500 pounds, and it rocked. It was great. Did everything I wanted it to do but I'm just, you know, with all the diesel emissions and everything going on, I'm like, Mm -hmm. ah, so I don't know if I'm going to go gas or diesel. So... Appreciate uh, appreciate, John, that's a, uh, a point in the diesel column uh, if Holman gets a JL.
0: So I appreciate your uh, your
1: feedback on that.
0: All right. This one's from uh, Frankie, and he says, five stars. Holman and Lightning, this is by far the best podcast I've listened to. Between the great audio and the phenomenal guests that you guys have on, it truly makes this a top-notch podcast. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Frankie. Um, while I'm a diesel guy through and through, particularly a 6'4 Power Stroke guy, it took me a while to open my eyes and be willing to learn about... other manufacturers as well as all gas engines but with how well this show is put together i just can't help but be willing to absorb all the knowledge the two of you and your guests have also a shirt would be cool but if lightning could send one of those amazing cookies he always talks about that would be <laughs> awesome my address is blah 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 also here's a picture of my 1000 horsepower on fuel 64 or as my wife would call it the first wife and here it is, uh, black uh Ooh, black Ford. Black. yeah
1: that's all murdered sick. out i think it looks pretty nice I'd definitely drive that. How many people do you think he's scared in, like, Challengers and Mustangs and stuff like that? All of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? Because <laughs> uh, I'm sure that thing is not quiet as it's kicking your ass going by. I'm No, sure it, it looks
0: mean. So he's yeah. got a really aggressive uh, wheel and tire combo. Yeah, he does. Some
1: deep dish wheels. Yes, he does. And that thing is black on black on black. Watch your language. Uh,
0: can you imagine <laughs> what it would take to wax that thing? Wax on, wax off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, got one from Ronnie. He says, hey, lighting and holding. Why would I even say wax on, wax off? Does anyone get that reference from the Karate Kid from, like, how many years ago? Seriously, we just had Corey on, and you played a
1: What You Talking About Willis I reference. Know. You think? Okay, so what is worse? The What
0: You Talking About Willis but or the Wax On, Wax do, Off? They're do, the same do, era. Do you need to know where this is from? What no. You talking about Willis? <laughs>
1: If you know, you know, and if you don't, it doesn't matter.
0: What are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> what are you, talking, what are you about Willis? talking about,
1: Willis? <laughs> if you know, you know. That, that's all I that want to say about it. I wonder if Corey even knew. I don't know, but if he did, he did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got one from Ronnie here. Say, hey, Lightning and Holman, there I was, watching the Ram Rebel, when I heard you proclaim my review is the best ever. Debatable, Whoa. but I'll accept the award anyway. I was raised on Chevy Square Bodies and OBS Silverados as a kid, so I always had a connection to trucks. My daily driver is a 2017 Ram Rebel, which was meant to be a tow rig for a trail Jeep. My other love is an all-original 86 GMC C-1500. However, thanks to your show, you've got me seriously considering the 2020 Ram Power Wagon now, Mm. which we will talk about in a little bit. It says, "Uh, you two have managed to plug solid tech info into a podcast in an entertaining and humorous way, which is rare for a podcast. I thank you sincerely for that. Sincerely, Ronnie. I appreciate that. Wow. And then he
0: says, P.S.,
1: Oh, I think I'm, I'm gonna hold back on this for you though. Uh-oh. I think I'm just gonna respond to it. Why? Why would you not share it? Because it's awesome. Share with me in the audience. Because uh, uh, Lieutenant Hux, uh, you know, invited us to go on a uh, nuke sub. Yeah. And uh, we <gasps> we still got to do. Where that. did he
0: invite us? Where did he invite us? Where did he invite That's us? Where did he invite us? It's just what to? he does is
1: cool. He says I work at the FBI Academy mm-hmm. as an officer and firearms instructor. Yes. You can fire off a mailing address. I'll send you some swag. And not the knockoff crap you see at the airport. Ooh,
0: FBI swag.
1: So I would love to, so we've talked about on the podcast before, I have a law enforcement background. I actually went through the police academy and worked for a PD for a while. Yeah, but you failed. It's not true. You got fired. That's not true at all. Right. Those are all lies. You, you beat it, man. I was number seven. Oh, that's true. I was number <laughs> seven out of eighty-one in my academy class. I was then not What ten. happened? Oh, it's a long story. Okay. Anyway, uh, I would love to go and just go shoot at the FBI
0: range. Yes. I wonder. How- is he inviting us? No, but is- I, I might invite us. Give me I- that email. Nope. I'm. Give me that email. Do not put in your pocket. It what are you it doing? Is going home with me. <laughs>
3: and I'm
0: going to send him an email from my uh, personal sir, account. Sir, I have the same uh, email access that you do uh, to our uh, truck Show podcast at gmail.com. That is true, but I. I have the email in my hand and uh, I have guns to shoot. So, Holman just folded up this paper email. (laughs) I'm not eating (laughs) here. You can't get to it. What are you, four years old? All right. This one is from uh, Mitch and opinion Bronco or Gladiator subject line here. Love the show, guys. Growing up, I had a 2011 Ram 1500 level and on 34s and a 2004 Jeep Wrangler Unlimited on 33s, and I absolutely loved both. But things change, and I had to sell both. Oh. I'm really into Broncos and Jeeps. My wife loves the open-air features on both, and I'm in the market for a new vehicle, but I'm torn between the Jeep Gladiator and the 2020 Bronco. Well, that's a uh, couple of good vehicles Uh to be torn between. Yep. I have the funds now, and my question for you is, do I just go ahead and put the money toward a new Gladiator, or do I hold out for the Bronco? Any insight would be appreciated. And, of course, five stars. Okay, how do I answer this? I personally mm-hmm. am really interested in the Gladiator and really couldn't care less about the Bronco. Okay, so let's see what I can
1: tell you when I can't talk about Because you know a lot about it. the Bronco, and, correct? Yeah, and there's a lot of things I can't say. I can tell you. That from my sources, it may have been pushed back a year. So while Ford promised it in 2020, it's probably going to be a 21. Oh. That's debuting in 20. So got pushed back a year. Gladiator will be out in a couple months. Gladiator seems to be really good. So I would say, if you want the Gladiator and you don't want to wait, hell of a vehicle, go do it. Um, I'm driving it next week, so hopefully on the following podcast, I'll have uh, some some Gladiator news. Um, As far as the Bronco goes, nobody's seen it yet. So what you do is you lease a Gladiator for two years. And then decide if you want to buy it when the Bronco comes That's out. That's right. Yeah, because the Bronco might be better than you think, or it might not. Well, it depends <laughs> I mean, what you want.
0: I mean, thanks. Uh, I, don't, it, I mean, It could be rad, uh, yeah. or it could be a hunk of dump.
1: Right, so we don't know. I would say that the Gladiator is uh, pretty awesome. And, if, uh, and they're two different vehicles. One's a wagon, and one's a pickup. So do you need a wagon or a pickup? Yeah. I could understand more of the JL versus Bronco
0: conversation. But the gladiator versus Broncos two different things. So what do you need? Is the Gladiator more manly than the Bronco? Because I think the Bronco will be adopted by women very quickly. It'll be a Range Rover.
1: Um I plead the vet. Ooh. I am just can't say much about that particular
0: Because Range Rovers have traditionally you know, been manly. Mm-hmm. But here in Southern California, Range Rovers are soccer mom. Called, well, wealthy soccer mom Oh, absolutely. Vehicles.
1: Yeah, those are definitely the mom's taxis of uh, Newport Beach. They're yeah. all over the place. Here's the thing. Like the JL and even the JK with painted roof and the painted flares kind of have a Mercedes, like poor man Mercedes G-Wagon. Yeah. So you do see a lot of people who can't afford a G-Wagon rocking the JLs. So that's kind of interesting, too. Is it like the
0: Chrysler 300 looks like a Bentley?
1: A little bit. I don't know. That's, I think people kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, or every Ford car has a Aston Martin grill, <laughs> right? Cuz Ford used to own them and then when they sold them they said we're taking the look and putting it on our cars, which was probably not a bad idea. So what did we decide for him? Uh, I, I think we did. I, I think, think so, yeah. I think my my we, plan is the best. Yeah, I like that. Go Lisa Gladiator and then if you like the Bronco better when it comes out, get the Bronco. There you go. All right. Uh we've got one from Michael here and he says, "Hey, Mike from Orange County. First I want to say I love the show and I gave it $5. Five stars! Almost forgot there. Says, uh, second, I want to say lightning. How dare you call it Cali? You should be ashamed. You know we don't say that word in California. Uh, I don't know. That's
0: just not the case at all. I think we do. Have uh, you not seen the 10 million t-shirts that have been around here? Say Cali. Can I say this? You can. Because you don't know what I'm i to say. I have no idea. In the early 2000s, I owned the trademark Cali. C-A-L-I. Wow. You messed up big time. If sure. You let did. that go. Let it lapse. Wow. And right after it lapsed, it exploded on in t shirts everywhere. I, I'm guessing millions of you those. You were the, t-shirts Cali, the original
1: Cali Squatter.
0: Yeah. Wow. And now you're doing a podcast with
1: me in a dark warehouse filled eating, with blankets. St- eating stale chili dogs. Oh, uh, nope. You are drinking <laughs> zero sugar monster <laughs> ultraviolet. God. Yeah. That thing is
0: nasty looking. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Why? Dude, hold the on. can is smoking. Like, mm. Can you even hold that with your bare hands or <sighs> should you have gloves? Monster? It's Monster's Banks, so uh-huh. we have a healthy supply. Yeah, thanks for
1: bringing me one. Okay, uh, so he continues... I work at the port and I get to drive all the new trucks off the ships. I'm the one that gets my grubby hands on your cars before your dealer even gets them. I also get to drive all kinds of other stuff too. Hummers, Penske trucks, semis, those little airport trucks, tractors, excavators, dump trucks, cherry pickers, bulldozers, test vehicles that are still in the camo and even a few Teslas. My question is about my truck. I've only had cars before and wanted a dirt bike and thus needed a truck. So I got a 2017 Chevy Colorado WT, which stands for work truck, a two-wheel drive V6 with all the convenience upgrades and towing package to make it just like an LT. 27K out the door, which is a hell of a deal. Threw in an aftermarket radio with Apple CarPlay and four off-road pods. Got some BFG KOT tires. I'm loving it. That is actually a really economical, great setup. He says, trucks are just so GD expensive, and the only problem is I didn't get four-wheel drive. So now I have this truck that I love, and I'm yearning for just a little more. I take it to Johnson Valley, Ocotillo Wells, but I have to be careful when it gets really sandy. I got stuck last time at Ocotillo, but I didn't air down enough, and it was a night out there. I didn't air down enough, and it was a night when I got out there, so I didn't see how soft it was. I'm not towing anything yet, only taking the dirt bag. Don't care about wheeling, just don't want to get stuck, as I usually go out by myself. Holman, do I really need to step up to a four-wheel drive, or should I stick with what I got for a while? This truck's my daily driver. It's much better on gas than my 2010 Mustang GT. I owe very little on it, and the thought of diving in on a $50,000 payment does not sound fun. That also leaves less room for new toys. Please advise. Also, DJ Omer Khan. Killed it with the jingles. <laughs> oh, by the way, Omar, we talked before from K Rock yep. does our uh, does our jingles. And Lightning, didn't you break in? Oh my God, dude, this this an that old
0: timey machine? Oh, this is uh, k Rock dude. Fan?
1: Way back,
0: does he work at the Port of Long Beach? Is that did we
1: establish uh, that Port of Long Beach or L A? He just port says of the LA. port. Okay, got it. Uh, this will make you laugh, and then you're probably gonna have to tell the story. Oh, and Lightning, didn't you break into a place to have sex with a jacuzzi hole before? Tell the truck <laughs> show peeps all about that, Mike. Ah, uh, that oh, is one for the ages. <clears throat> okay, so uh, you should probably share, and I, if I remember correctly, <laughs> you did not complete the dirty on this mission.
0: The dirty? No. that's it. All right. So what happened is um, Kevin and Bean, the morning show host at K-Rock in Los Angeles that I produced their show from for many years. Um, this is actually back when I was an intern. And we were invited by Ed McMahon. Do you remember Ed McMahon yes. from The Tonight Star- Show?
1: Yeah. And Star Search. And- so
0: oh, Star Search. Yep. We were invited to go down and be um, guest judges. Kevin and Bean be guest judges on Star Search. And that was taped in Orlando, Florida. So we go down to, I think we're in like uh, Universal Studios, Florida, whatever, somewhere around there. and. We we were doing a live broadcast, and we were going through the newspaper looking for local stories.
1: Kind and by of, the way, you do that in
0: Florida because Floridians have the world's craziest news. Yeah, they're insane. Just what's up with Florida? We had a – well, That later on, we developed a segment called What's Up with Florida because there are just nutty people down there. But anyway, so we look at the news, and there was a motel in Lakeland, Florida. Lakeland. And at this motel, a guy had to be removed – by firemen uh-huh. from one of the jets uh-huh. in the pool. Yes, he did. So he put his thang uh-huh. right, in the jet of the swimming pool. For at, pleasure. Yeah, for pleasure in the swimming pool, and he couldn't get it out. And got stuck. And he got stuck.
1: And it was all a big deal on the radio because everybody cried laughing. I remember listening to the segment going, oh, my God, this is hilarious. What is going to happen? So next? So
0: you heard what well, you heard when we called yes. the the motel the first time yes. when, right? So we called and we tried to talk to the person, the 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 front counter girl or yep. whatever, and it was really funny. And then Kevin and me said, you know what? Let's see if we can reenact this. Lightning go to Lakeland, Florida. Yep. It's 45 minutes away, and we want you to stick your junk in the same hole in the pool and reenact the situation. Yes. We hire a driver. He takes me out to Lakeland. And the driver is going to describe what Lightning is doing as he goes to reenact this event.
1: And this is a typical, uh, like, Motel mm-hmm. that has the outdoor swimming pool. This in the parking is a lot. very
0: seedy yes. version of motel. 6. Like you
1: can do hourly room rentals. That's
0: exactly kind of right. Place, right. Yes,
1: and it's the kind where you think it's like the L or the U shape, the two story that has the swimming
0: pool in the parking lot right across from the office. This is an L shaped yeah. one. Okay. Yes, and it's just chain link fence around the pool, uh-huh. and there's no lock on it. Nothing. So we pull up. And we're live – I'm live on my Zach Morse brick phone, uh-huh. okay? Uh-huh. And the guys are like, all right, so you're going to jump in and you're going to you're going to swim over to the pool or to the hole in the, the jet and you're going to put your manhood into the hole and reenact this whole thing. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't want to do this, but I'm young and this is my first job intern, in radio and yeah. I'm an intern, the uh-huh. whole thing, I got to do it. And I'm in Florida and I'm beholden to these guys and so – they, I hand the phone over to the driver, and he gets out, and he watches me, and he's like, well, lightning's going to the pool, huh. and he narrates the whole thing. Right. I jump in the pool. Yep. So I swim up uh-huh. to the jet. Yes, you did. And I don't want to do this. Nope. But I have to do it. Yes, you do. And as I approach the jet on the side of the pool about huh. 24 inches below the waterline, line. There you go. I see... A metal grate (laughs) over the Uh, hole.
1: And I remember you were on the phone and you had to be convinced to do it, Young young Lightning. Mm -hmm. And I remember the driver handed you the phone because Mm -hmm. Kevin and Bean were giving you so much crap, and they're like, well, what's the deal? And you're like, guys, there's a grate over it, <laughs> and like the energy they in the entire room
0: folded. Did not believe me no. for one second. They thought I was lying. Didn't you? Why would I lie? lie? You had to hand the phone back so he could verify yes, that there was a grate over that's it. That's right? correct. It went back and forth, yeah. and they called me a liar. The whole yeah. thing. I'm like, guys, did listen, the police come? Because the police did not come. Oh, but the manager, um, right. the manager came out of the office, which was on the first floor, <laughs> right next to the pool. Uh-huh. I mean, it was a small motel. It had blue doors. I can't. Not get it you out of mine. again? <laughs> no, it wasn't me. But it was like because just after this hoopla, they're like, not, not again, yeah, right? Yeah. And and I'm like, seriously, dudes, there is, there are four stainless steel Phillips head screws holding in a grate. And I explained this, and they're like, go get a screwdriver, <laughs> take it off, put your unit in the hole. I'm like, oh. And by this time, oh. the manager coming over. We don't want to call the cops. We get back in. It was a bust, but uh, it was it was funny. I was so, like, "Oh my god!" So, so Mike um,
1: from Cypress, California. Thank you so much for. Oh, hold on, Mike from Cypress in Cali. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much. And hey, going back to your truck. Honestly, I would keep it for a while. There's a ton of places you can go in two wheel drive. It's all about tire pressure, skill, and enough weight in the bed to get traction. The only thing I would do is get a locker for the back, either a limited slip or an air locker or an Eaton, whatever they make for this the standard uh, Colorado rear end and go 90% of places that you'd go in a four-wheel drive and just enjoy yourself. You already have the truck, it's paid off. Yeah, four-wheel drive's nice, but for the stuff you're doing, ah, you don't you don't necessarily need it if you're careful. So, oh, and I would also get some lights on it
0: so that you can see where you're going at night and all that kind of stuff. And Maybe get a winch. Subject line is top-notch, as always. Thank you, Eric. Uh, Holman and Lightning Bug. Okay. Uh, Holman (laughs) and Lightning Bug. My
1: my cute co-host, Lightning
0: Bug. Uh, So it is Lightning and Holman, but say whatever you want. (laughs) It's funny. Uh, Finally, getting to catch up on episodes while driving a tractor. Nice.
1: Oh, dude, I love tractors.
0: So it was very exciting, not only to hear the comments hit the 1,000-pound-feet mark, but... To get to hear some of the inside stories from Steve Sanders and um, some of the other Cummins employees. Holy beep, he says. <laughs> um, the content y'all have is very informative and entertaining. Suckage is at an all-time minimum, he says. And he says...
7: Yeah,
0: buddy! Let be, he typed that Oh, out. okay. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> you guys are great at what you do, and I always enjoy the podcast. Keep up the great work. Sadly still, I haven't received a shirt from y'all after having sent two emails. And they were both read no, on the podcast.
1: Thinking it might be a hoax. Oh, man. All right. Get that man a shirt if we have any. All left. right,
0: Eric, I will send you a. Let's see. What size does he need here? Oh, it says size large. All right. All right. No we'll shenanigans. We'll we dig will through send We have so many shirts to All send All right, no, We're sorry, just guys. Fold this we're up and sending put this the shirts in my
1: pocket. Until the shirts are gone, and then that's it. All right. So we got a couple of reviews since last time. How about uh, this guy right here by Vindo? Ah, uh, didn't even care that much about trucks before. His name is
0: Vindo. Vindo,
1: <laughs> and he says, "You guys turned me from a new truck owner to a diehard truck owner that wants to go to SEMA. Love it! And hey, look at this. Love the jingles from DJ Omar Khan. Ooh, yeah, buddy. buddy. And five stars. five stars. So DJ Omar Khan, shout out. Our guys are uh, giving D- uh, Omar some love. Uh, I and love that we're siphoning off K Rock listeners. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> keep going. The over, ratings guys. are going down, and hers are going <laughs> up. Come on over. Uh, we've got one here from uh, Sejal. I have no idea how to say S-E-Y-J-L. se Oh, maybe it's Se-J-L.
0: jl yeah,
1: That's all I got. Oh. Uh, he says, parameters. mounted parameters.
0: monitor key engine
1: parameters. Y'all are great. Make my eight-hour drive to and from work in the oil field easier. Yeah, buddy. Oh, my gosh. I got a twofer right there. Yeah,
7: yeah buddy. And don't
1: forget, five stars. And we got one more. This is my favorite uh, of this week. Uh, we've got one that says "Yeah, buddy" by Clogger, mm-hmm. <laughs> and by, like, by Clogger, <laughs> Clogger. Okay, with a question mark. All I right. have no idea how you get your iTunes names, people. Uh, says, stole the wife's phone. Five stars. Hey, five five stars. stars. Here's the deal,
0: guys. We need as many five-star reviews as you can possibly give us. And subscriptions. And subscriptions. But if you can leave us a review, even if it's only a couple of words like rad or love it, maybe laugh. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is, please do leave us a comment. It really helps the algorithm and pushes us up. And we just want to beat Adam Carolla, as I've said before, (laughs) and hang with guys like, uh, you know, Smoking Tire and those dudes.
1: And make sure you
0: tell your friends, because the more you share the show, the more that helps us out, too. hopefully we can keep doing this because we're having fun and listen you can get us on itunes of course or you can get us on spotify or pandora stitcher stitcher iHeartRadio. what's that weird one the pod google pod
1: bean pod bean overcast yeah oh dude we're everywhere literally now that we're on pandora and spotify we're pretty much everywhere that you can download music uh apple google spotify pandora stitcher iheart everything so uh, come find us. Oh, yeah. wait, you're listening. You probably listening. already found us. No, you Tell need- your friends to come find yes, us. Yes, exactly. I think uh, it's time for the, uh, the big part of the show, the heavy-duty part of the show, the what's new in trucks part of the show.
0: What's new in trucks?
3: We need to know.
0: What's new in trucks?
3: We need to know.
0: What's new in trucks?
2: We
3: need to know.
2: Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks?
1: Oh! Ah! Ooh, that was good synchronization oh, right there. Dude, so much happening this week. All right, so I don't know where to start other than, I guess, with Ram, because that's the first place that I went. And I feel like so much stuff happened this week where Ram's like, we have it. And then Chevy went, we have it. And the Ford said, screw all you guys. We're, we have it, but we're not going to tell you what it is yet. Right. So that's sort of how the week went. Um, so let's start with Ram. So I had a chance to go out, and we experienced both the new uh, power wagon as well as the uh, the entire heavy-duty lineup, both 2,500s and 3,500s. We had both the gas trucks, the 6.4, the 8-speed, which and is And remind us who awesome. the Wii is. Uh, Truck Trend. Okay. Four-wheeler. Uh, so uh, Jason Gonderman from Truck Trend was out with me, and then I was representing our four-wheeler side. Um, I can't tell you about the driving. This was the long lead, so I have to wait till the end of the month before I can talk about drive impressions. But what I can tell you is the new Ram is phenomenal. It is so quiet. They're talking about some of the uh, the changes to the interior materials and everything. Ten decibel difference. Wait, what? Ten. I, decibel no, I mean difference. I heard
0: you, but it was more of a rhetorical. Way. Yeah.
1: So they have been working so hard to make the Ram the quietest truck out there. They're, they already have noise cancellation. They have noise cancellation.
0: They have laminated front side glass, laminated front glass. They have a bunch more sound deadening. The interior- <laughs> so The This is going to end up two years from now- it's going to be the inside of an anechoic chamber. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. People are going to rent it out to, uh, <laughs> to do sound testing. To do speaker testing. I am sad, though. It only has 17 speakers, where the 1500 has 19. <laughs> and it's only 750 watts to the 1500, uh, uh, 900, I think, 900 watt, 19 speaker system. Okay. Uh, but what they did is they have the old body. So it's the old body that you're familiar with. How dare they? <laughs> yeah, but hold on. It, get, it gets It's not the old truck. It's the old body stampings, but now they're using high-strength steel. The structure's incredibly tight, which was never an issue with Ram anyway, so it's even stiffer. It has a new chassis, new drivetrain, what? new axle. That's
0: what she said! And, and on the inside- <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little late. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a little late on that. <laughs> I didn't know it was coming. Oh, oh That's
1: what she man. said. <laughs> I knew it. I saw the look in your eyes. That's what she said. So, if you were to look at the 2500 interior, the heavy-duty interior side-by-side side with the 1500, they look identical, although in the big trucks- There's some things that are changed, like there's not as much soft touch stuff low on the floor, so it's easy to wipe up, but they're still wrapping their seats, leather all the way around on the limiteds, all that stuff. I mean, it's just, the truck is quiet, it's powerful, it's awesome. We towed at 35,100 pounds, I towed a horse trailer at 16,000 pounds, we towed another trailer at 15,000 pounds, both bumper pull, gooseneck, all that stuff. The Power Wagon, oh, so awesome. So it's the Power Wagon you know and love. But what's rad about it is it still has a manual transfer case. And since it has the 8-speed, it has the dial. So the diesels get the column shift. The 8-speeds get the dial. And so there's no center console. It's three across seating. So you fit six, manual transfer case. And you can still get that twelve inch screen on the Power Wagon, <laughs> so it's like the best. It's like it's like old school pickup and a ton of tech. Wow! Um, and there's some really cool stuff about it. Uh, so now they went away from the old cable and uh, and on the worn winch in the front, they went to a Xeon twelve with synthetic rope in the front. Now they uh, they made some other changes. The interior is gorgeous on that truck. The new eight speed with the six four is freaking awesome. And now you can get adaptive cruise control with the Rams, and it works all the way up to a thirty five thousand pound trailer. So you can literally be hooked up with your trailer, with the smart brake on, and adaptive cruise, and just go down the highway. And just oh my this God! And that's about as much as I can say about drive impressions because <laughs> of that's the, all. Of the there's nothing left. I mean, it's just it's phenomenal. And right. the thousand pound torque. Oh, I can't wait to talk about it. It's just awesome. So this first interview is with Rod Romaine, who is the chief engineer of the A Ram lettuce heavy Factory. TVs. Nope, oh. of the new Ram truck. Okay. Hey everybody, this is Holman with the Truck Show Podcast and I am somewhere north of Los Angeles where uh, today we had an opportunity to uh, drive and touch and, and see the all-new 2019 Ram Heavy Duty. And with me right now is Rod Romain and uh, Rod is the Chief Engineer of the Ram Heavy Duty. Good to see you. Yep, yeah, good to see you. So you are the guy with all the interesting information and all the uh, facts. Uh, I know we had a presentation and we've talked to Jim before, we've talked to Ryan about the interior. But you're the guy who's the nuts and bolts guy who has, you know, all the fun numbers and all the tech that we're interested in, and you've got a lot to talk about. I do, I do. So, 2019 Ram Heavy Duty, um, completely new truck. I know you guys use some of the stampings of the uh, of the previous generation, but you've updated all with high strength steel. It's got all new interior, an all new chassis, all new drivetrain. So there's a lot to talk about that's more than just skin deep. And
2: uh, where do you want to start? Uh, yeah, I mean. It, it... You can start with you know the body, although there's a lot of parts that are carryover carrier over on the body. Um, in order to, to meet the 1,000 pound-feet number, we had to build the front of the truck around that. Um, this morning, you know, we talked about that the front end of the truck, the actual radiator opening was 30% larger. Uh,
1: um, the radiator itself, not only thicker, but 39 inches
2: wide. 39-inch wide radiator. The charge air cooler also got much bigger. It's about the same width. Um, it was critical to have that amount of cooling, to be able to cool those numbers, um, to be able to to meet the towing capability that this truck has, right? 35,100 pound, that's a big number. Uh, 1,000 pound feet, that's big. Uh, so we had to have the, uh, the radiator to cool that. As well, you know, the engine, there were Holman, I can't
0: get over the fact that he sounds like, Heavy-duty truck, guy. I... Welcome to Ram. This is Rod.
2: <laughs> Rod Other from modifications Ram. Modifications to that, as we spoke this morning, right? It's still a 6.7. It's still an i6, still a Cummins. Uh, but there were a lot of changes that were made to that. I should say not so much changes, but improvements. Um, Probably one of the biggest would be the CGI block.
1: I think that would be the, the number one thing. Not only does it give you lightness, but you guys had mentioned it's
2: something, was it 70% or, or 75% more uh, stout than the it, previous? Definitely. The, the CGI block, is. is there's th- threefold benefits with that. It's 75% stronger. Uh, it's lighter and it also is quieter so there's actually, you know, noise inhibiting attributes or characteristics to that CGI block as well.
1: So what else was done specifically to the 6.7 to allow it to make the, the power, you know, you talked about uh,
2: a valve train, uh, heads, the uh, some improvements I think on the compressor side of the turbo, what are some of those things? Yep, so exactly. So the, the cylinder head was redesigned for improved cooling and improved strength. Uh, the compression ratios were modified as well. The turbo got larger, and primarily, what got larger on the turbo was the compressor side of the turbo. Um, higher pressure fuel system, 20, 29,000 psi. Um, you know, all new fuel pump, fuel lines, fuel injectors. The induction system on the truck got significantly larger to be able to allow that air to come in, and the exhaust as well. Right, if you get the air in, you got to get the air out. Uh, there were a lot of you know lightweighting opportunities with the block and or not so much with the block but the, well the block as well but also other components non-structural components that were cast are now aluminum um, hollow billet ground camshaft um, low friction rings uh, the connecting rod the alloy it's always been a high strength alloy it was just made a higher strength alloy. same thing with the crankshaft um, we heard the wrist pins are pretty uh, beefy now too, right? Right. The wrist pins did get larger, um, and that was to basically increase the bearing surface to reduce the pressures on the bearings or, you know, on the wrist pin itself. So there were, and again, like I, like I said there, it's a lot of improvements to the engine. It wasn't a departure from the 6.7 and all the, you know, they expected and, and the reliability that comes with that. So I think we've made improvements to it.
1: Uh, I would say so. We will talk about driving impressions. uh, Everything's embargo. So we'll save it for another interview down the line. But I can tell you that, uh, the engine starts up very quickly, settles into a very, very un-Cummins-like idle. It still sounds like a Cummins, but it's very mellow. And on shutdown, the NVH especially is, is hugely improved. And it's amazing. Anybody who goes from, uh, we had D001, which was the very first uh, Cummins prototype in a in a RAM. Uh, I believe uh, it was a 85 or something like that. Just hearing the old 5.9 mechanical you know, versus the new one today, the new 6.7, and it's just amazing. They both sound like a Cummins, and they both have family history, but you can just definitely tell that time has, has marched on, and
2: NVH, and all that has been improved tremendously. Yeah, you know, we didn't want to lose the diesel sound, and I don't think we did. We, we turned the volume down. It's yeah. kind of That was how we kind of put the objective together. Maintain that characteristic sound, but just turn the volume down. Um, and a lot of things we did, the CGI block helped with that. Uh, the roller lash adjusters, Right, And that just takes out some of the tick noise. Um, the scissor gears, that helps with some of the gear noise. And, and part of that was the treatments to the truck, right? The active noise cancellation, acoustic glass. That all helps just el- eliminate some of the brash noises that can come in. But it still kind of maintains that, that pure Cummins to- sound you know, and, and tonality that's, that's always been there.
1: So he's talking about the original mechanically injected you know, five nine, and then obviously through the new, the current six seven, and then the new six seven. So what I did was I got a clip of the five nine from the engine bay. Oh, So nice. you can hear that ticking that he's talking about? Yeah. And then I got a clip of the exhaust, which is unmistakable. And then the third clip will be the new thousand uh, pound foot of torque uh, six seven. Okay. <laughs> There's that click. That's, that's the five nine, the mechanically injected from the very first Ram d
8: one
0: Ooh, love that! <laughs> love that. All right, here's the next one. Oh man, you held this really close. The waveform is oh, giant. Dude, it's gonna be loud. All right, let me turn this down just to here. Here we go. Oh. I love this one more.
1: You know it's awesome when you start it up. Big black puff of smoke comes out. <laughs> of course it does. That's just music. It is. So that truck put out 160 horsepower at 2,500 RPM and 400 pound-feet of torque at 1,600 RPM. Okay. And then today's truck Still a-coming. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love it. It's just a signature sound.
1: Well, you know, it's uh, four hundred and a thousand. <laughs> but it's uh, it was just cool having both of those trucks there. I'm like, oh man, I got to get a get the sound of, of those trucks in here. So well done, my friend. Yeah, I, I don't think we uh, we missed the sound. I'll be right. I think that's the best way to, to describe it is that the 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 volume is turned down. It's still there. Yep. And when you want to hear it, it's there. But when you go in a drive through now, you can probably order without having to turn the engine off. Y- you can. You can. I've, I've actually done that several <laughs>
2: times. It works great now.
1: Now you have two outputs. Uh, both are based on the new CGI-blocked engine. So the, the first output is 370, 850. That's the standard output. Correct. And then the new number is 400 with 1,000 pound-feet of torque. And you have two transmissions behind it. You have yep. the, the 8 HP, and then you also have the Eisen, which people will be familiar with. Well, actually... Or excuse me. Uh, that's right. It's the 68 six, RFE. 68 RFE. The... Uh, uh, the 8HPs behind this 6.4 this, uh, yeah. gas engine. Yeah. Um, what did you have to do downstream
2: from the transmission in order to handle the newly uh, upgraded torque numbers? Well, you know, to start with the trans itself, right? there were hardware updates and software updates to the Eisen transmission for the new rating. Um, it was two new T-cases behind that, uh, all new drive shafts to couple up to the T-case, and then it goes down to the axles. The, the, even the standard output axles are all new, for the 19 Ram, are those AAM axles or Dana? Yep, those are AAM axles. Um, and the big news is with the Max Tope package, that's a, a, a completely new 12-inch AAM axle. The previous Max Tope, if I'm correct, it was 11.8, I believe. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. It the 12-inch right? It's with the larger ring gear, larger carrier bearings, larger pinion bearing, both the head you know the head bearing and the tail bearing. The axle tubes are four point four and a quarter diameter. The axle shafts, I don't know the exact dimension on the axle shafts, but they are bigger. Um, That's what drove the tube size and everything else to go with it. And actually, as you get out to the wheel ends, it actually drove a larger bolt circle on the wheels um, to be able to get those axle shafts through there. And we also redesigned the park brake system, not only because the actual shaft got bigger and the overall packaging, but also for the increased capability of the truck, you gotta have the park brake there to be able to hold those weights as well. So while we're talking about park brake, we might as well talk about the service brakes and those also have been upsized in the new truck. Well, yeah, the service brakes, what we've done is is all of the industry best practices for brakes, we've applied those to the new RAM. So everything for NVH and noise, the, the caliper anchors have changed, increased the caliper size on some of the models. It's a new master cylinder, new booster. Uh, the fronts are 360 millimeter rotors. The rears are 358. And then on the max toe, the rear rotors are actually 365. And at all four corners, those are gripped with twin piston calipers.
1: The uh, 360, I think I worked out the math, is uh, just over 14 inches in diameter. It's
2: like 14 and a quarter somewhere, though. I think it's like 14.1 or something like that, yeah.
1: So, I mean, that's that's a huge amount of uh, thermal management um, in order to haul down those big lows. And, again, on the max tow package, that's 35,100 pounds is the max. And, and I was looking at the numbers earlier today, and some of the competitors might come back and say, oh, well, that's only on one model. It's the dually regular cab. Well, just for fun, we looked at a um, crew cab and mega cab, fully loaded models, four-wheel drive, because those would probably be the bread-and-butter trucks, just to see what those tow rigs were. And, and it's important to put out there that the old truck was 30,000 pounds. The new truck, max, is 35.1. But if you do the Mega or Crew cap it's still over thirty-three thousand pounds. I mean, you're just—you're not
2: losing anything. It's better than the old regular cab dually. That's how much capability is built into the new chassis. It, it is. I mean, it, there's a lot. It's—it's it's forty-three thousand GCW, right? So then you subtract back whatever option package you're in there. But as you said, it, it's still some impressive numbers, even for a more uh, nicely appointed truck so let's talk
1: about go back to the gas engine so the gas option of the base engine is the six four hemi that's uh i believe a 410 horsepower and 429 torque that's correct. and that has the eight speed behind it that's so um, you'll know it by getting in the truck the uh the gas trucks have the rotary e-shifter that you might be familiar with in the half tons and the uh the diesels retain the column shifter and you've done some other improvements
2: along that drive line as too just for in terms of, again uh nvh and and chassis yeah so with the 6.4, you know, there's there's a couple things. The 8HP 75R, um, it's an 8-speed automatic, fully electronic. The, the big news there is it has 40 unique shift maps. So regardless of what duty cycle you're putting the truck through, there's a shift map that can accommodate that. So whether you're lightly loaded, fully towing, you're in hills, flatland, doesn't matter. The trans will adapt to the driving conditions that you're, you're you know, that you're currently in. Also with with the addition of the uh, ATMM, so the active tune mass module mounted to the frame, which is basically an anti-vibration device. It's the same out- as the Hemi trucks on the half tons. Exactly, it, it, it's the same technology applied to the heavy duty. That allowed us to expand the fuel saver mode um, to broaden that and, and widen that for improved efficiency while still maintaining and actually improving the overall NVH of the, of the vehicle. Now when you combine with that active noise cancellation or ANC, and the acoustic glass, and the improvements in aero, you get a really quiet truck um, and with improved efficiency, and with the 8-speed transmission, obviously you get a nice ratio spread with that. Um, you get a first gear that's a little bit deeper, so you get a little bit of better pull off the line, but the, with the ratios that are there, it, it really enhances the, uh, the performance of the 6.4.
1: And we talked about the uh, all the noise uh, abatement um, that you put into the truck, and you guys had told us it was about 10 decibels. And so for our listeners out there who are curious what a 10 decibel swing is, that's up to about 50% cut in a perceived
2: noise within the cab. Yeah, 10 decibels is pretty significant. Um, you know, and part of that was improvements in arrow. right? We actually improved the the arrow by 8% um, with a a CD of .409. Best out of all the heavy duties now. That's correct. So it goes through the air cleaner. um, And and a lot of that arrow was, you know, treatment on the front end of the truck as well. The active grill shutters, revised air dams. um, But when you combine all that together, you've got less noise coming around the truck. You're creating less noise with the truck. uh, And then with the noise abatement right of, you know, canceling out what noise is there it really provides it takes it to a a much higher level
1: uh we did talk about payload so now the uh, the truck the max
2: payload is 7680 pounds yep that's correct (laughs) 7680 pounds right i mean the, the way i look at that that's like carrying one of yourself on your back and running around all day very easily which I, I think is probably the best way to describe
1: it to yeah. somebody, because you think, well, that's a high number, but considering that's about the weight of one of these trucks, yeah, yeah that's, that's a pretty uh, phenomenal number. Do you think you and I could carry uh, ourselves on our backs and run around uh, unabated? <laughs> <laughs> think about that, though. 30, no. 35,000 pounds. These trucks have a gross vehicle weight rating of somewhere in like 43. That's more than half a semi that's loaded. Oh, my gosh. I mean, think of it. That's ha- a typical semi is 80,000 going down the highway, yeah. loaded up. That's the type of capability in these
0: new one-ton trucks. That's an insane number. Yeah, but guys are using it. You know, A lot of hot shots, pulling cars, yep. or yep. These, some of these fifth wheels now that are
1: 40-plus feet. So Jim Morrison at Ram, who's been on the show before, he's the uh, head of Ram North America, right? Yeah. He was talking about you know, they still haven't found the limit of what people are willing to pay for a fully loaded, luxurious truck. And so the new Ram has what they call four pillars in the, in the marketing of it, right? Four pillars of marketing. Four pillars. And they are power, capability, tech, and luxury. And he said with all those things combined into their very best truck, their highest trim level, is still short of 100000 right? It's somewhere in the mid-90s. You think, oh, my God, $95,000. And they probably can't make them fast enough. Not only can they not make them fast enough, but think of all the tech, right? You have an interior that rivals a Bentley. You've got tech that rivals anything. You've got things like adaptive cruise control and cameras and blind spot and, and um, yeah. all these crazy like safety systems and and all these, the the best lighting that you can get. All this stuff and and you're thinking that's still it's still ninety five thousand dollars. And Jim said, yeah, this thirty uh, foot long um, you know fifth wheel horse trailer mm-hmm. without horses is a hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars. He says, so if you think about it, for somebody who has to tow that $200,000 luxury RV or a horse trailer with mm-hmm. their prized horses in it, the truck, even that close to hundred dollars a dollars horse. Right. And the truck's a fraction of the cost of what they're actually towing with it. So when you think of it in those terms, I know the average guy's going, oh, these trucks are too much chrome and too, too much tech and too expensive. But there is a segment that requires all that and wants to make sure they have the very best for what they're towing. And so it's kind of interesting to think of it that way. Don't think of it in terms of- that's
0: something I can't you know, relate to. You know that that segment does not include you or I.
1: Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> um, you also talked about how um, a lot more high strength steel, but in certain components, you did go through some light weighting, like the aluminum hood, and
2: the new truck has, a, a, on average, about 143 pound savings. Yeah. So between the body, every time, every component that we changed, as we designed the front end of the truck to go around the radiator and the engine, as we talked about earlier. If we changed the part, we took the opportunity to look for weight savings.
1: He needs to be a voice actor. I just can't can, get over he, can totally, this. Like, he would give Sam Elliott a run for his
2: money. This is like, Sam like, Elliott. Why
1: is Ram hiring Sam Elliott for their commercials when they have Rod? I don't know.
2: <laughs> so within the hydroform right and the front end aperture extensions, all high strength steel. Uh, within the frame, we went 98.5% high strength steel. And we had a lot of high strength steel before, but we went to higher strength steel. So we were able to bring the weight down. Um, within the engine on the common side, that was.
0: You know what's strange, Holman, is that they always talk about high strength steel, and you think, well, steel is steel. Steel is and it's strong. Not. And it's I not. know we have boron hot stamp yeah. steel and all these different steels. Like you just think, for for I, I, there's obviously there, we have you know fabricators yeah. that are listening right now. Because well, yeah. I know there's, yeah. but the average person. I'm guessing, doesn't really perceive of all these different styles. The best way. Uh, and these different metallurgies, right? Yeah.
1: So, the best way that I've ever seen it is Ram um, had a table at one of their functions uh, last year where they had three grades of steel on it. They had standard uh, mild steel, they had a high strength steel, and when they have what they call quiet steel, which was like a high strength steel, and they had. A, quiet steel? Yeah. And they had a hammer you could bang on it. And. The the quiet high strength steel that they use on a lot of the interior pieces not only damp and noised, but was also a lot lighter. And these high strength steel compared to the mild steel, regular steel, is amazing in lightness, but it's way, way stronger tensile strength and the ability to to hold structure and things like that. It's fascinating. And and there's you know, you think of, well, how many different there's as many steels as you can think of. In fact, going back to a submarine. There's a grade of that military talk about great military grade metal in a in a vehicle, right? Military grade steel on the whole of a submarine that allows it to push through four feet of ice or whatever it happens to be, yeah. Without having it, I mean, it's, it's an incredibly interesting material, and I know we use it and you touch it every day, but you don't really get down to like the nitty gritty of what steel really is. It's it's pretty fascinating to see how they're using that in new vehicles and, and the advancements and even steel technology. Really, I
0: can't imagine being the uh, the steel procurement agent at General Motors or Ford. Yeah. Ram, you know. You uh, want what kind of steel? Oh, I got the numbers mixed up or something. Well, I'm just thinking you're, you're buying power. They're like, "Hey, you need some baseball tickets?" They're like greasing your palms. It's yeah, like crazy. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because like, you place a big ass order. Steel order? Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, so as you as you go down the line, and then there was the average frame weight savings was 31 pounds. Right, we saved weight in the rear axle, so it all adds up to the 143 pounds. And with that, right, that weight is weight is capability. Alright, weights payload, whether it's payload in the bed of the truck or it results in tongue weight from the trailer. So let's go to uh, the suspension. I know there's been some updates um, in bushings and
1: suspension tuning. You now have the frequency response dampers on there, same uh, same technology that is in the, uh, the half ton. Um, as well as the radius arms are kind of curious because they have
2: holes in them. So maybe let's talk about that a little bit in the front. Yeah, so again, you know, we, when we looked at each part, if we were changing the part, right, we looked for opportunities for weight. If we were increasing the strength of that component and in the radius arms, we actually added high strength steel to certain areas of that control arm. But through the CAE modeling that we did, we determined that in those areas, right, we didn't need is the steel there. It's a non-structural part. It was actually worth two pounds. Now, and the concern is there, you know, water and, and dirt may get in those control arms, but actually they wash out cleaner now than they did before. Um, it's basically the same envelope package as the previous radius arm, but with the fact that it's galvanized steel and they're E-coat dipped, and now they actually can wash out. And we and we had the same concern, um, but basically we validated it. We went out and played in the mud and... <laughs> and uh, Sounds like a horrible aspect yeah, to your job, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was tough. Um but yeah, they washed out really nice and actually the dirt doesn't settle in them like it did before. So,
1: so let's talk about the rear suspension. Um, Ram has always had a trick up its sleeve in terms of uh, suspension layout. The uh since I guess 2009, 14 is it with heavy duties? So since 2014 when the heavy duties adopted the uh, the rear coils, link coil suspension. Yeah. But you guys have taken the link coil suspension
2: this year on the 2500s and and elevated it with the use of progressive rate springs. Yeah, we did. So we added the progressive rate springs in the rear and what we were able to do is reduce the spring rate unloaded by 20%, but increase the loaded portion of the spring by 40%. So what we were able to do with the progressive rate springs um, we optimized the tire pressure on the 2500 as well, um, and then redesigned the bushing rates, um, to basically to, to reduce, reduce the harshness by almost 50% and improve the ride comfort as well by up to 50%. So I, I think that's
1: probably one of the things that when I saw the original suspension, it was like, man, I wish I had a progressive rate coil in here, because it allows you empty to ride a little bit better, have more compliance, but then it won't give you as much squat when you have the um when you have a load in the bed now air suspension in the back is also available and then you still have that option as well on the 3500 dualies. and so what you've done is pretty cool um one of the tricks for ram customers for the, ever since air suspension came out has always been to use the kneel mode to back up your trailer and
2: pick your trailer up well you guys decided to make it a feature in the truck Explain a little bit how, uh, how that works. Yeah, so if you're familiar with the Neil mode, right, a lot of a lot of people knew it was there, a lot of people didn't. Um, so we've kind of renamed it bed lowering mode. And what we've done in the radios now is we've actually brought that up as an app or you, know, you can actually put that in the first screen. Um, and then that combined with a power release tailgate right as you saw today yeah. you can back up to your gooseneck of your fifth wheel you can drop the tailgate you use the chimsel cam with the centering line one person nobody else there Freaking with you back right yeah, up to it? the yeah. gooseneck right if you if you drop into bed lowering mode or the old kneel mode all right you can drop the truck down you can put it right underneath the gooseneck raise the truck back up now, you still have to crank the landing gear up, but instead of sitting there, you know, in 40 cranks with a, a, a gooseneck that's at 35,000 pounds, <laughs> yeah. right? You can do about 10 cranks, and after four, most of the weight's off. So it's a huge work saver. Your coffee won't even get cold when you leave the cab. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of times there's, with, with the use of the cameras, that makes it really easy. Because before, right, you're trying to look over the back seat and you're trying to see the pin on your gooseneck, and you're kind of close or you get out, right? all that you don't have to mess with that anymore you just back up and done so let's talk about cameras you guys have updated the
1: entire uh, camera system Uh, instead of just having a backup camera with with line grids uh, for your tires and for your hitch you guys have a complete whole new suite of technology that goes with cameras
2: now yeah so and you know in the max or the the 360 surround view um, there's a forward-facing camera in the grill there's a camera in each mirror uh, and the cool part about those is when you're backing up a trailer, you can actually go to like a split pane view, which gives you a view down the side of your trailer. So if you're trying to back the trailer next to the garage or into an alley, you can see both sides really well. Um, and then if also within the mirrors, I, I had mentioned this too, right? We've got the spotter lights. So if it's nighttime and you're trying to back that, that trailer down a driveway, you can shed light all on the side. So you can, it really helps when it's dark out to get that trailer where you want it. And then the other thing within the mirrors is the the convex portion of the mirror now is now power. So you can adjust both sides of the truck from the driver's door. Which is awesome. How many times have you either crawled across the cab or asked your wife or whoever in the passenger seat, hey, I need you to fix my mirror for me. Yep, yep, for sure. And then it being, you know, myself being a truck guy, that was always one of those things. So. It just bugs you. <laughs> it, did. it did. So now, right, you just, you can flip the switch and, and away you go. Um, And then you move back into the Chimsel camera in the bed, which has the grid lines for hooking up your fifth wheel. And then the the camera that's in the tailgate, that actually has the dynamic grid lines plus a zoom feature. So if you're hooking up a tag trailer, you can zoom right in and you can put the trailer hitch ball right under the receiver of of the trailer. Really works great.
0: I don't know what the hell he's talking about with a Chimsel camera. He said it three times, and I'm just going, yeah, I'm going to go with it. Now I have to ask, what's a Chimsel camera? Center high-mounted stoplight. It's your
1: third brake light. So in the Ram, they have a camera and the cargo lighting and the third brake light all built into that housing. And so what's cool is they have a camera up there for if you have a gooseneck or a fifth wheel, and they also have a camera in the tailgate
0: so that you can see a bumper pull. Right. Makes perfect sense. I just, this whole time, I'm trying like— 80 different ways to Sunday. I couldn't come up with what Chimzel meant. NVH, noise, vibration, harshness. Yes. Thank you for clearing that up.
1: Uh, Just the different views, the 360 around view on the power wagon. You can get the front-facing camera for trail work. Um, Very, very impressive. I think there's a lot of really neat tech there. Um, And speaking of tech going to the interior, we talked about it, it's now available with the 12 inch as just like the, uh, the half tons are. Um, but there's a, a whole suite of safety technology that pretty much hasn't really been offered in, in heavy duty before, at least not at this level. So maybe walk us through uh, some of those, those safety
2: features. Yeah, I mean, so we, we've, we've had park sense, um, but we've kind of upped our game a little bit with park sense, with rear cross path. Um, and we've also added additional, two additional sensors on the dualies. Um, So, right, you can kind of protect those dually fenders when you're backing up. Um, We've also added forward collision warning, um, adaptive cruise. Both with braking. Both with braking, right. And uh, the ACC or the adaptive cruise, right, even with the big trailers, um, it works really well with those. So you could have a 35,100-pound trailer, set your adaptive cruise. And the truck
1: will manage everything you need to do speed-wise going yep. down the highway.
2: Yep, yep. The ACC works great with the trailers. We spent a lot of time developing the the calibrations and the tuning for that to make it specific for the heavy duties. You know, obviously you're still the driver, um, but it's a, it's a great feature. You also have uh, the uh, smart exhaust brake as well, and that's all
1: integrated into that same system. So as well as adaptive cruise, you can put the smart brake on and it knows when to adjust those vanes on the VGT turbo in order to get the most out of the exhaust brake. So keeping your service brakes cool and keeping your feet out of the service brakes and letting the truck and the drivetrain do more of the work.
2: Yeah, the ACC, you know, if you've got the exhaust brake on, the ACC will take advantage of it. It won't turn it on, but if you've already got it on and you're towing, all right, it'll take advantage of it. Uh, the smart brake, again, it's not a new feature, but it's a great feature. Um, the way that works is if you're, you know, if you're coming down a grade, you may not want to slow down. You just don't want to go any faster. So when you lift throttle, whatever speed you lift throttle at, it'll somewhat it'll bring the exhaust brake on and off to somewhat maintain that speed. Um, and then if you do want to slow down and you do put your foot on the service brakes, um, the, whenever you release the service brakes, it'll use that as the new speed. So it'll maintain that speed whenever you lift, and then when you combine the the tow haul schedule with the transmission, you know you can apply the service brakes enough basically to turn on the brake lights. Why does and he keep
0: calling there. the uh, the service brakes? Because that's what they're called. Are they really?
1: Yeah. So you have service brakes, which are the brakes on the vehicle. Uh-huh. You have the uh, VGT, which acts as an exhaust brake, which yeah. is the engine helping the vehicle brake. I know yeah. that. And then you have trailer brakes. Yeah. I knew all those, so, but so I didn't.
0: I've, I, Forgive me, I'm just an idiot. I never heard of them used, mm-hmm. called yeah. service brakes.
1: So it's basically to identify the difference between talking about the brakes on the tow vehicle versus the brakes on the trailer. Mm. There you go. Mm. <laughs> mm. There's a lot of things to, uh, to like about the new truck. I as we talked about a lot of technology, but there's also a lot of little detail things, too. Um, just from the standpoint of styling and, and you know, um, let's go into illumination. So now you have six trims. They have, uh, I believe, four or three new headlight designs. There's a couple of different taillight designs based on whether you have blind spot monitoring or not. But what's really cool is on the LED trucks with the signature LEDs, everything's LED. The fog lights are LEDs, the uh, chismal is LED, the cargo lights, everything. There's no incandescent lights, so you sort of have this, it might even be the first truck in the industry because even the Ram 1500 cargo light is incandescent that has a 100% match and just looks right at night. That may not seem very important, except for a lot of the new trailers have the same LED technology, and
2: so now your tow rig matches your trailer. Yeah, they do, and and, and the lighting on the new heavy duty is impressive. Um, we spent a lot of time it, working with the with the design studio, right? They had a lot of input, a lot of hours, in that part of that was that was my fault, right? Because we were pushing for the big radiator, and they had to find a way to sure. to package the headlamps, but you know the numbers came in on the performance of the headlamps uh, and they're they're phenomenal and with the directional leds right if you're in a a real low lit area um out in the country right where there just there aren't lights when those headlights when you're at the lower speeds you know that the beam actually turns as you turn the wheel plus the fog lights will come on to add additional side lighting into the turns uh, which is which is really nice i mean the headlights just phenomenal performance
0: I got to pause this there. I love the fact that he made the lighting technicians work around. Well, and that's the thing is like, if you want that power,
1: you have to have the thermal management. You have to have that 39 inch radiator. You have to have that big ass fan. And so part of the challenge was if you look in this for, they call the Ram, it has sort of a chest out look to it. like It's chesty, right? Mm-hmm. And that's because they pushed everything forward slightly in order to fit all that in the front end. And it's uh, when you open the hood and you see all the things happening and all the radiators, man, it is impressive that they fit all that and were able to get a decent looking truck around it. Yeah. <laughs> so one last question, because I know there's a lot of enthusiasts out there who care about it. The power wagon is back. Uh, power Wagon benefits from the six-fourth new 8-speed. Crawl ratio has been improved. What are some of the other improvements uh, on Power Wagon? And I think this is probably still one of the most exciting vehicles in the lineup.
2: Yeah, no, the Power Wagon is very exciting. I mean, it, it is still the, the most capable heavy-duty off-road truck that there is. As you mentioned, right, the 8-speed, the, the 8 HP 8-speed eight was added to that, which does improve the crawl ratio from 35 um, to one, to 50 to one. I mean, that's Jeep territory. It still has the lockers front and rear. still has disconnecting sway bar, still factory lift, all right, the Goodyear Duratrax, uh the Bilstein shocks, but also what's new this year is a, a worn, worn wench, um, it's a new worn Xeon Ze- yeah, wedge. That's there. the Xeon 12, I
1: believe. Yes. And you guys went from steel cable with a roller fair lead to an aluminum haws and synthetic, which is a nice upgrade for anybody. I'm sure weight savings help too.
2: Yeah, I mean, between the aluminum fair lead and the synthetic rope, that was worth 28 pounds. Um, but even beyond that, right? Just the usability of the synthetic rope, All right, you can spool it out easy, right? I mean, it's just, it's so much easier. It floats to... on water. Yeah. The cool thing is the Power Wagon, because it's hidden behind the bumper,
1: you don't really get the UV exposure on the rope. So it, right. it makes it a safer choice um, for people
2: who need to rely on that winch. Yep, no, for sure. And you know, we've done a lot of testing with that and uh, it performs very, very well. I've mentioned it before, but my favorite thing about the Power Wagon is you can get the 12 inch
1: screen on the Power Wagon. And six passenger seating with a manual transfer case, so it's like this yeah. juxtaposition of true truck stuff, but you still can get your technology too, including adaptive cruise control.
2: Yep, no, it's uh, you can get the the Power Wagon fully appointed. You can even go with the leather, the twelve inch. Um, you can get the three hundred and sixty camera. Which, or baseball tradesman. Or yeah, you can go all the way base with with vinyl floors. So it it really, you know, whether it's a, a you know, it's being used for work or work for, or being used for play. There's there's a power wagon that'll meet the need.
1: Well, congratulations on the new truck. Really appreciate you carving out the time, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot more heavy
2: duty questions. So we may have to seek you out in the future. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for the opportunity to talk with you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rod.
1: That was cool. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. You know, he even gave us more info than the Cummins folks did uh, on the Detroit episode of sort of what are the changes with the engine. And I think there's a lot of uh, nuance to the new truck that that he. Explain that we did just didn't know that
0: isn't necessarily even in a press release yet. So you know he's not a guy on the line. He's not a guy that like sweeps up at night. He's not. Um, he might be sweeping a, up in the truck sales he's though. Not, <laughs> he's not a pencil pusher. He's not in the accounting department. He's the freaking chief engineer. Yeah, this tr- these trucks they are yeah. his babies. So check this out. All right, so right after that Ram trip,
1: I went to go visit our friends over at Chevy mm-hmm. for the new Silverado HD, mm-hmm. and got to talking with some people there, including. Uh, Jacqueline McQuaid, who is Rod's counterpart over on uh, on the Chevy Silverado, and you talk about she's like five foot three, and he's like you know six two or four or something, and you couldn't see more opposite people, and they have the same job and the same passion. And so I had a really cool interview with Jacqueline, and listen to her interview, and then compare it to some of the things that Rod said about the Ram. And there's a few things about the Ram that are a little bit better. And there's a few things about the Chevy where Ram thought they had it, Chevy goes, nope, not so
0: fast. Interesting.
1: And so if you can pick up on some of those, maybe we'll talk about those at the end, but there's a ton of Chevy stuff, so hopefully you have a long commute this week because we got (laughs) a lot of show left. (laughs) We warned you. All right, so I'm still here at uh, the wonderful Flint Assembly Plant in Flint, Michigan, which is, uh, I believe, the oldest active... Automobile truck manufacturing plant in North America, is that true?
7: The oldest automobile manufacturing plant. We've actually made Corvettes here back in the day, so it's not just truck specific, although
1: Oh, she's got energy. Oh, she's awesome. She has like you would you would talk to her. Actually you probably wouldn't talk to her it's you would, infectious, you would, isn't it? Well you would assume that, oh, she's a, she's a mom and she you know, she has one of the highest positions at General Motor. She is in charge for their of their heavy duty truck lineup. And the moment that you talk to her, she is passionate. She has energy, and she's freaking so smart. And, like, it's funny. It's just, like I said, that juxtaposition where you have Rod, who is, like, you know, the same job at Ram. Here's the thing. But they both you bring it. You just
0: cannot judge a book by its kind. You
1: can't. These are both incredible professionals who love what they do, who probably have some of the best jobs in the industry, who both at the same time just came out with their new babies they've been working on for four or five years. And it's just awesome to hear how passionate both of them are about it. So, and all
4: babies are cute, aren't they?
1: They are not. <laughs> no, I will tell not. you that no, right now. Not. They are Is it not. 18 million or something like that that have passed through the assembly line? That's, that's incredible. So I'm here with Jacqueline McQuaid, who is the chief engineer for the new uh, Silverado Heavy Duty. And uh, you only have a little bit of news today, right?
7: Only a little, nothing too exciting. Well, (laughs) maybe a little bit exciting.
1: Um, So you and I had uh, breakfast a uh, a week or so ago and uh, got to uh, be filled in on all the stuff I haven't been able to talk about. So finally, we get to talk about it. How did it feel to turn to Ram and say, hold my beer?
7: You know, it felt great today. It really felt great today. We know Ram had some news a couple weeks ago, but we are thrilled with what we were able to come out with today from a total trailering and truck experience on the next gen Silverado Heavy Duty.
1: So the big news is um, 35,500 pounds, which is 500 more than Ford currently, and 400 more than Ram currently in terms of max tow. And the fact that every single one of your dualies is capable of more than 30,000 pounds of towing which is remarkable because those are numbers that were unheard of five years ago and now you actually blew past them with today's announcement.
7: Yeah, I mean, I, I thank you, and I would say it is, it is the big news, but honestly, I think what it really does is demonstrate the capability of the engineering team. We recognize that although we have max towing, a very, very small percentage of our customers use their trucks at that level.
1: True, and I was just talking to Tim Herrick, who we've had on the podcast many times before, who uh, oversees all the body-on-frame truck stuff here at uh, General Motors. And we were talking about, you know, it's so almost to a ridiculous level for the average customer now, because you need a commercial driver's license in many cases. And the fact that, you know, not everybody has a trailer or has a need, and that's a lot of weight. You're talking about over half the weight of a big rig going down the road. But what it does do...
0: Hey, Holman, what's the limit there for needing a CDO, a commercial driver's Uh, license? It
1: depends by state. California, basically the rule of thumb, and I'm not a lawyer, (laughs) and there's a lot of gray area in a lot of places is um, 10,000 pounds for a bumper pole and 15,000 pounds for a gooseneck. That's sort of the rule of
0: thumb. Now, there's nuance to that. There's other things. I mean- So if I'm just buying this truck because I want to drive it every once in a while, Mm -hmm. at some point it's going to get to a point where I have to have a CDL? Only if you have that trailer in tow.
1: Yeah, if you're driving it empty, it's fine. But if you're towing anything over 10,000 pounds on the bumper, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hitch, mm-hmm. or 15,000 gooseneck or fifth wheel style, then you need a, either a commercial or non-commercial driver's license, at least here in California. Now, I don't know what that is elsewhere in the country.
0: Even for my toy hauler.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you would do a non-commercial CDL. So if you had a fifteen, a 16,000-pound toy hauler, mm-hmm. which is pretty easy to do with a toy hauler with a bunch of toys in it, and, uh, and your gross vehicle rating is to that point – uh, and they add it up, and you're over the scales, over sixteen thousand. There's a good chance that you're going to get cited for that.
0: That sucks, Donkey Kong.
1: Well, it's, what's crazy is the the truck capability is so high. I don't think there's a lot of people who even think of a CDL. That's what. I, that's, that's why it's coming up. They're like, oh, I'm just going to go get a dueling and tow whatever I want. No, well, you're not. You can't do that. I mean, legally. Yeah. So if you get caught, I mean, that's you know, that's part of the the knowledge base that you have to be a responsible truck owner at this point, <laughs> right? I mean, you have to understand like. This is a ton of weight, and the capability in these trucks are literally surpassing commercial vehicles. For the average guy to not even have, you know, you don't need to show your CDL to go buy the truck or to drive the truck. The second you hook up a trailer and you're over those weights, you better know what you're doing. Do you have to pull over at truck scales? Uh, If you're non-commercial, I don't think so. But uh, the commercial enforcement people carry mobile scales, so they could easily weigh you on the side of the highway and be like, no, sir. Hmm. So anyway. I don't know how I feel about this. Just heads up. (laughs) And the fact that, you know, not everybody has a trailer or has a need, and that's a lot of weight. You're talking about over half the weight of a big rig going down the road. But what it does do is for the guy who has a 12 or 15,000-pound trailer – you have so much overhead in terms of um, reserve capability, brakes and power, that it just makes the towing experience that much better for the average consumer.
7: Well, and that's a lot of what we heard from our customers. When I first took on this role, we went and met with a lot of customers, and they told us two main things, which is they want to see better, and they want to have more confidence. And giving them the capability up to 35,500, knowing they plan to only use a fraction of that, does give them the confidence that they've got all of this extra capability and reserve, they don't need but the truck is truly capable of what they need it for and i think it also gives them confidence in the engineering team that engineered the rest of the truck that we obviously have stellar engineering here at General Motors to be able to push the truck to that level.
1: Probably the other things that are exciting is the new 10-speed Allison behind the Duramax, which I think in a lot of ways could be a game changer. The the Duramax is already one of those special engines that revs really good, has a wider power band than the competition, and the fact that you have a 10-speed behind it really allows it to go through gear selection. while you may not be playing in the we have the most torque wars, you're right up there competitively, and with your transmission, you're going to be able to hang with everybody else, no problem. Uh, the other news is a brand new 6.6 liter gas engine with the 6L90 behind it. What was the thought process with 6.6 liters and and and, and redoing basically your gas offerings? Um, you know, everybody, I think that. I know that misses towing with a big block, misses the 8.1. Yeah. And so having something above the 6.2 is pretty pretty special.
7: Yeah, from a gas engine perspective, really what we talked about in this space was getting it on the iron small block and going to direct injection from the port fuel injection that we have today. And we knew that going to that direct injection was gonna give us what we wanted from an output perspective. Um, I've had a lot of time driving the new 6.6 liter. I can tell you the horsepower and torque that it generates and the experience that I have towing with it is going to um, be far away from what any customer expects based on the current gas technology that they may see today. So we wanted to offer our customers uh, a value proposition but one that still gets the work done that they need to do, and we think with the new 6.6 liter with direct injection, with the horsepower and torque that it generates, mated with a proven six-speed transmission, it's the right combination.
1: This isn't just a drivetrain conversation, especially with the diesel. You've done everything downstream. You have a beefier transmission, a beefier drive shaft, you have a 12-inch ring and pinion, a beefier axle, beefier axle tubes and shafts, prop shafts, everything has has gotten bigger and, and more robust. But the area that you guys really focused on a lot was confidence in towing. So you have not only a number of of mechanical features, but a number of software and and, um, electronic features that really add to the confidence in towing a trailer. And maybe let's walk through some of those. everything from the power plug in the bed and the way you can attach a fifth wheel to the camera system and, and, and some of those other things? Yeah,
7: we really thought about the every aspect of trailering, right? And we thought about gooseneck, we thought about conventional trailering. And again, talking to our customers, they wanted to see better, they wanted to have more confidence. And we wanted to make it easier for them too and make it more seamless. And so we did do things like putting the seven pin connector right in the bed so that when you're hooking up a fifth wheel or a gooseneck, you're not draping cables yeah. over, right? We've got the direct wire extension accessory cameras that give you the high-def, digital, no latency, no signal interruption.
1: But you have two ports.
7: We do, we do. Two accessory cameras, one that we recommend to be mounted to the rear of the trailer, one for inside the trailer. That rear trailer camera. Yeah.
1: Let's, let's talk about why you recommend it being uh, mounted at the rear of the trailer because that is really cool.
7: Sean, I'll tell you why you recommend <laughs> it being mounted on the rear of the trailer. Where it's mounted in line with the tailgate camera, we stitch together those two images. And by stitching together those two images, we virtually make your trailer transparent. A customer can view on his center stack screen while he's driving at speed down the highway. We do not speed limit this view through his trailer to what's happening behind him.
1: So to explain it, and I think we talked about it in the last episode or episode 52, it is basically the side view of each side down the side of the trailer with your typical, if you were to look through the tailgate, the trailer would be blocking the center of the screen. But with the accessory camera, like you said, you stitch those side views together with it with an outline of your actual trailer and basically makes the center of the trailer invisible to where you can see everything going on around you.
7: And we actually had a lot of discussions about how strong to make the outline of the trailer because the view is so, so seamless, yeah. we didn't want customers to forget, to forget. that they yeah. towing, yeah. right? And when you think about it, with the capability that the truck has, if they're towing a trailer significantly below capability, they may forget that they're towing a trailer. And we wanted to make that very clear to them and remind them of that. And then in addition to that view, we've got this biasing side camera views, which customers like, some like even a little bit more because it shows them the view down the side of the truck and the trailer. And as you turn and the trailer articulates relative to the truck, that view biases. So it starts at a 50-50, and then as your trailer articulates relative to the truck, it goes to a 60-40 and then to an 80-20. So it shows you the side where your trailer is so that you can see everything that's coming up? So
1: you're not doing what I've done and taking a trailer through the drive-thru and taking out all the shrubbery along the oh, side of that.
7: I've been very close <laughs> to doing that myself. Can't believe you I admitted that, Oops.
1: You. I was in, uh, I believe it was Omaha, uh, Nebraska and it was 11 o'clock at night and there's a storm and in Omaha everything closes at like nine. Yeah. And I'd been driving cross country yep. and the only thing that was open was an Arby's and only the drive-through, and I was towing, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going through the (laughs) drive-through. So I I could have used those cameras back then for sure.
7: Right, well, and then also think about the turn signal view that's really part of the biasing side view. So in this situation, you could be looking at your navigation screen, you could be looking at your Sirius XM radio screen, you turn on your turn signal, you're automatically gonna get a biased view down the side of the truck and trailer where you're gonna be making a lane change to or turning to. The customer doesn't have to think about it. They don't need to go into their camera app. We're gonna show them what they need to see because of the action that they're about to perform. It's about making the truck smarter and doing for the customer what the customer needs without them having to think about it.
1: Walking around the truck, um, there's a, a obviously the styling is is polarizing. We just had Rich share on and we talked to Rich about the design perspective. Um, But there are some functional features that I think people will really appreciate. Number one, the DEF tank. No longer do you have to lift the hood to fill the the DEF. Now it's in the fuel fill door. The tank is now on the other side of the frame rail, nice and protected.
7: Tucked up nice and high (laughs) inside the frame rail. We heard that loud and clear. I couldn't agree more (laughs) with the customers there. And so that was a number one priority.
0: Let's be honest. my, I mean, they She's could listening. not have taken more crap from that. Oh, like, dude. And, and, and a couple of companies popped up just because of, you know- They made skid, skid plates. plates. Skid plates. Yeah. And our a, a, a friend of ours, I wish he'd got the company off the ground from Amp Research. His, he's, he was moonlighting, uh-huh. creating a deaf relocation tank. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a company called Proformance. Yep. They have a couple of outlets and they, yep. they sell as many as they can make. Yeah. And it's just amazing. But, you know, it's And funny. they're so hideous hanging down oh, there. Oh, yeah. So now- all How did stuff- anyone think that that was- An okay idea. They didn't have a choice. No, 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 no. But the placement and hanging it down. But they didn't.
1: They had to have the volume. So and the place to do it. Because if you remember, early in that truck's design cycle, they didn't have to use DEF. So DEF was introduced during that 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 body style, and the frame was already there. They that they didn't have the room to put it anywhere and have the volume. Now you could argue on a long bed crew cab, they had the room. But you remember you have to keep you try to keep it the same, so it has to be the lowest common denominator. So it has to be on a diesel regular cab dually, mm. and that's where you're stuck. So mm. you know. So now they designed it into the new T1 platform.
0: God, there's so many 2017, 18, and 19 just hanging owners down, just going. Man, <laughs> I wish I would have held out for the 2020. Oh, there's the, I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface. That truck is
1: amazing. Let's be honest. We don't want a lot of people with uh-huh. hoods up at a truck stop and go, why are those Chevy hoods up all the time? No, we're filling through well, the uh, field door.
7: And then you get a chief engineer that's <laughs> five three and, a half, and I'd have to find a rock to stand on so yeah. that I could fill my depth. So that had to be addressed. And then we also had you know, comments from customers at... They just start out on a long trip, and as soon as they start out, they get the DEF warning.
1: I've had that happen on our test vehicles. Absolutely,
7: and so now we give you a DEF gauge. Oh,
1: I'm sorry, can you repeat
3: that?
7: And so now we give you a DEF gauge.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad that General Motors is listening to its customers uh, because, and there's another thing that you guys have done is, uh, for those who live in the cold weather states, and we just had the Polar Vortex pass through Michigan, so I'm sure this would have been a welcome addition. You guys now have the, uh, the engine block heater plug is in the valance. Easily accessible from the exterior of the vehicle, so no longer do you have to drape a cord through your uh, grill.
7: You know what? These trucks look so great, and then (laughs) you're going to have a cord hanging out of your grill. I mean, it just, it, it didn't make sense. This is not
1: an electric truck. Exactly. And
7: now, not only does it look great based on where it is, it's easily accessible when you have a snowplow hooked up, which you're talking about cold weather climates. A lot of these guys have snowplows hooked up and then they're trying to get behind it to reach a cord that's dangling out of the grill. This is a much more seamless integration of that and it looks fantastic.
1: Uh, speaking of snowplows, not that it is, uh impacts everybody, but for those who do, You guys have designed the front bumper and frame rail section so that it does not damage the truck to hook up a snowplow any longer. And it looks just as good with the snowplow on as it does with the snowplow off now.
7: Yeah, you know, in the current truck today, we know that customers oftentimes need to drill through or lower bumper to get the attachment points. And then they're driving the truck around in the summer and they've spent a lot of money on that and they're proud of it and it just doesn't look good. And that's not fair to our customers. Again, these trucks are meant to do work, but they're meant to look great while they do work. And so now with the design, where that can just simply drop down, they can access the frame, they can install their brackets and their snow plow. And when they take that snow plow up, they can reattach and the truck looks great all year round.
1: So are there any other things that we missed? Oh, uh, trailering apps. That's a pretty uh, significant portion. You guys actually worked with, was it the uh, the Trailering Association, on, on coming up with, um, I guess, best practices and things to work together with the trailering industry to make sure that the trailering industry, um, I guess components were talking to the trucks with the same language. Maybe you walk through, us through that a little bit.
7: Yeah, so the National Association of Trailer Manufacturers, and their technical director is here with us today, Uh, We partnered with them several years ago and have met with them many times to talk about how we want the trucks and trailers to communicate and what information it's important for the truck to know about the trailer so we can give the customers the information that they want and need so they can make smart decisions about how their trailer is functioning, trailer tire pressure, but also trailer tire temperature monitoring as one example. Which I
1: think is unique. I think other manufacturers now offer uh, uh, the ability to monitor trailer tire pressure, but not heat. You guys do heat.
7: And you know, for somebody who tows regularly, you understand that the temperature of your trailer tires is a good prediction of blowout. What's
1: going to happen? Or some
7: other issue that you might encounter. And we want to give our customers an ability to monitor that and make educated decisions. It
1: could save you from an accident or even save your trailer tires if maybe there's some lug nuts loosening up and the trailer's hot or the tires are hot because the wheel's wobbling or something.
7: We let you uh, monitor your trans temp, we should let you monitor your trailer tire temp too.
1: Uh, I think it's pretty exciting. I've had a chance um, to get behind the wheel uh, for some brief stints in the truck, uh, towing a trailer, and I was incredibly impressed with how composed the chassis is. I haven't really been able to do any major real-world stuff yet, but I know that's coming, but up to about 50-55 miles an hour, and with the Duramax, and the truck that we had was incredibly impressive, so I can't wait to get some more seat time. Um, I think that what's happening in the heavy-duty space with how easy it is to tow with these vehicles now and all the suite of technologies both with the uh, the suite of technologies and the functional things built into the chassis are are just are making so you know not that everybody should tow but anybody can tow
7: everybody can tow but i think the point that you make about technology is really an important one to walk away with because For too long, we viewed the trucks just as work trucks, and we throw the capability at it from a chassis perspective, but our customers deserve more than just a highly capable truck. They deserve cutting-edge technology and innovation. Who said that just because you're driving a heavy-duty truck means you don't get cutting-edge technology and innovation? So multi-color heads-up display, the rear video camera mirror, the 15 camera views from eight cameras, the connection with ASA electronics for in-command where you can manipulate the RV that you're towing from the center stack of your Chevrolet Chevrolet Heavy Duty. Bringing technology and innovation into a segment where it hasn't been done before is really something we're excited about.
1: We're really going from the dumb age of trucks to the smart age of trucks, right? And
7: from a smart perspective, that's exactly what we're talking about, which is why we call it Smart Trailer. Gone are the days of treating the trailer like a black box that you happen to be towing behind you. Let's talk to each other, and that's what we're doing with the next generation Heavy Duty.
1: Awesome, well congratulations on the new truck. I know we're gonna be talking more soon, and uh, Thanks for your time. This is, I think, uh, a, a really great start to get our uh, our listeners into what's new with the. Uh Chevy heavy duty, but we'll uh, awesome. more to come, right? I
7: look forward to talking right. to you again soon. Cool,
1: thanks,
0: Jacqueline. Thank you, Sean Holman, everybody. Uh, well, there's plenty more where that came from. She is a uh, she's awesome. This is already the longest show we've ever done. I, I yeah, can't go I, anymore. We have we have a lot more. Oh my gosh, um, I was exhausted after Corey
1: Willis. Dude, I'm I'm exhausted right now. <laughs> um, no, it's it's amazing when you're talking to the people behind the vehicles, which is why I thought it was so important to get all these different interviews because there's stuff that you just don't cover in a press release that that your nuance and and how their thought process was, and I think it it just brings you know these trucks a different perspective to to people
0: who are interested in buying them it's very interesting to me that they didn't like the snowplow thing yeah they knew that 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 issue existed yeah that you had to drill through your bumper but they knew that that existed 10 years ago sure then they somehow got away from it when they designed some new trucks and then they had to suffer the the wrath of customers and then they solve the problem again they've probably solved this problem three times already in different trucks
1: maybe yeah but you know i think it's one of those things where you i, I think old gm before bankruptcy was arrogant and i think they said it's our truck we're, we don't really care we're building our truck and i think new gm is taking a different approach and saying you know what we are in a very competitive space now we can't just rest on our laurels that we're general motors or we're chevy or gmc And we really have to listen to our customers. And I think this truck really takes into account the fact that GM is very in tune with their customers and very serious about the truck market. You know, the heavy-duty market was in some ways an afterthought for for General Motors before because they weren't playing all the wars with Ram and Ford. And Ram has started to take some market
0: share from them and from Ford. This is all – there's pre- and post-social media. Maybe. Because now – but there was a time when GM could just receive letters, yeah. right? And then the, and the round feed, file and the re, yeah the round <laughs> circular file, and then the, and then their dealers like, yeah. well, our customers they're yeah. like, whatever, man, yeah, just go sell more parts. Yep. Now, if someone doesn't like something on an HD, they blast Mob the manufacturer. Mentality. They blast the manufacturer and mass. All yep. every every Any model, today. but every model of every truck has a thirty to sixty thousand person Facebook group. Oh yeah, right? And they are and they all mob up yep. and the 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 auto manufacturers are all members of these groups, yep. like whether they're official or they sneak in, yep. right? Uh, with Absolutely. their personal accounts. And they just mo- and everyone's like I hate this yep. feature and they go, "Bob, uh, engineering, you need to fix this or we've got 18,000 owners that are all talking to each other and they're all unhappy and they're not going to buy the next model unless we fix this." Okay.
1: So speaking of social media, this is a perfect segue into our next interview, which is Rich Shear. Rich Shear is the head of design for uh, exterior design for Chevy. Why don't you get heavyweight next time? And uh, <laughs> I literally asked him. I think I said you have a bounty on your head right
0: now. Let's get into it.
1: Hey everybody, this is Holman. I'm at the Flint michigan assembly plant uh, for general motors the home of the all-new silverado heavy duty truck and i'm with rich Shear, who is the head of chevy truck exterior design is that correct that's correct all right so uh the internet uh seems to have a bounty on you right yeah, now <laughs> no, they
9: had some fun with us yeah
1: um you and i talked back when the uh when the first of the uh, t1 platforms came out which was the 1500 yep. and one of the things you told me at that time um that i was actually uh, kind of carried with me and what i've told people is you approach the exterior design of the half ton as if you were skipping a generation. And and the the mission for the design department was, we want to do something more revolutionary versus something evolutionary. And then you got to work on obviously the heavy duty. and it's completely different than the half ton. so maybe walk us through that a little bit, and then walk us through some of the design decisions, because it is revolutionary. It's, oh, it's, it's almost jarring if you are not expecting it to be
9: this ahead of its time, and what you think will happen over time as people get used to it. That's true. I mean, uh, when we did the light duty, it was very important for us to take almost a two-generation leap. Um, you know, when he introduced our last-generation truck, you know, some of those same Internet folks were honest about being too conservative and it was yeah. an old chassis right but with the new uh, new chassis that we've had we had an opportunity to move wheels around move H points around do the things that you always wanted to do shorten the front overhang do those sorts of things get bigger tire ODs so now you can really be expressive in, from a design perspective so we really pushed the light duty more modern more athletic very very innovative especially that front it is It is out there and it's interesting and it's cool. Then for light duty or for the heavy duty, we wanted to go kind of the total different way. We wanted it to be bold and powerful and really kind of show off what what it's supposed to do, what the life of the truck and the work of the truck it's supposed to do. It needs to fit into that environment and kind of say what it is without me saying a whole lot. And I think it does that. Well,
1: you actually uh, had interviews and focus groups and went out in the world and talked to real truck owners, not just Chevy truck owners, but real truck owners, the competitors, everybody who's driving it, uh, half ton and uh, heavy duty alike, and found out that the number one thing that they were asking for is that they want a heavy duty truck, not a truck that looks like a light duty that's been stepped up. And so there are no body panels
9: other than the roof, that are shared between the half ton and heavy duty. That's correct. Yes, yeah, all new uh, sheet metal stamping. The doors are unique. Everything. Actually, the wheelbase is even longer. Uh, I'll call it from ball of foot to front axle. This is a different dimension from light duty, so it's a different. It's a modified architecture. Overhangs longer because we had to put the you know the big gas and the big diesel in this one, so it is all different. And that was it was it was a great design task again you can really specialize for a light duty customer and then really go after what a heavy duty customer is.
1: Okay so let's uh let's move on to the bed over here and uh, you guys did something that's a little bit different uh, between the half ton and the heavy duty so why don't you explain the the thought process
9: and, and how you accomplish the way the bed sits and access to it. Yeah absolutely um for the bed and the bed height in particular you know if we were to if we were to share the same box we would have either had to compromise height on one or the other they're separate, so the light duty can be a little bit taller, so you get a little bit better proportion. But on this truck here, where fifth wheel trailering is so important, we've actually kept this height to ground the same as our current truck, even though the truck got much bigger. And so, again, it really kind of, from a design perspective, gave us a very different proportion. The front ends up, the roof is up, but the bed's low. But it is very important for truck customers when they're using it. And every once in a while, you'd hear truck customers say that heavy duty guys, like, hey, I'm I'm in a fifth wheel i'm kind of at an approach i get at an angle and i start right to well how, how many right.
1: times have you seen the top of the rear bed corner oh, yeah. smashed by the uh Just beat the trailer
9: yeah and so that was something important for us to not go any higher make sure it's lower but i'll tell you it really challenged our team that we got separate tooling for this and it also gave us a different design locate uh, vocabulary and even the fact this the height of this is down over over an inch i think it's like 30 millimeters or so from where the light duty is so again different proportion but it's done because this is a functional tool. It's got to work. It's yeah. got to do the job, and you need so it's to the have right access. Thing to the customer, that's correct.
1: You know, and you guys have the corner step, which has been sort of a that's staple right. of a Chevrolet design. You added it to the entire lineup uh, just a few years ago, but now you've taken that a step further by introducing the bed step, which is now ahead of the rear axle but behind the C right. pillar, so the front right. of the bed, and it holds up to five hundred pounds right. and yep. allows you to really
9: be able to access the bed from the side, which is difficult to do on heavy duty. It is, and I'll tell you on the other thing on the on the bedside step. I think what's great is that not every truck will come with running boards, right? And so you got work trucks and a lot of fleet trucks that will not have it. And so when you don't, you know, when you have running boards you say, well, why don't you just jump off the running board but not every truck comes standard with it. It's something that you have to buy. So for those customers that don't have it and even when you do, you can kind of step up on it and it really gives you great access to the front of the bed. Kind of think about it when guys have toolboxes up in this area of the bed, it's just perfect. You don't have to jump on the tire if that's muddy. You can kind of climb along your truck and kind of keep from uh, from getting in the mud. So, And that bed again, steps on everything. That's on everything. Every truck, every trim, from work truck all the way up to high country. So uh, standard. And you guys also have a power-up as well as down yeah, tailgate,
1: down so like you can basically, you know, back in to pick up your fifth wheel or gooseneck trailer and activate everything from within the cab, That's except correct. for jacking the trailer jacks That's up.
9: Correct. That's correct,
1: yeah. Which is, which is pretty awesome. Uh, you guys have also gone through, and I, I think probably one of the things that the internet had the most fun with is probably the tow mirrors, yeah. and, and
3: yeah.
1: I've had a chance to get inside and drive the vehicle, uh, one of the few so far, but what people don't realize is having it divorced from the A-pillar mount allows you visibility around the A-pillar that you might not get with the competition, and that's because without having the stock sticking out, you can sort of shoot that gap and see it visually that's between right. the mirror and the A-pillar. Uh, what are some of the other
9: advantages of mounting it down low, and how did you uh, come to this design? Well, I think you know, getting it off the belt line really did give you added visibility through the A-pillar, so that's absolute, and we did that on the light duty, and when we learned it on the light duty, we felt, especially when you're going to go up higher, you know, even higher sure. than a light duty. Now you're in a position that you really need to see down, right? The other thing that we did, which is which not everybody notices, is actually this belt line. Even though we have a carryover interior, carryover IP and center console, but the door panel's actually about 25 mils lower. So okay. this belt line, so you actually have from your from your rear end, your visibility is better down, so you actually see through this better. So again more investment to change, but it's the right thing. So as the customer went up, you actually lower belt line, better visibility through it. And I think, you know, we had great success with our trailer tow mirror on our current truck, but there were some things that we learned that we can do better. So the four bar link will improve it. So when it gets caked up with dirt or mud, it's way more robust than what we had before. The the last trailer tow mirror would kind of get stuck if it was built up. So this one's much more robust than it is. It's larger, you know, and we heard it from truck customers over and over. I need as much visibility rearward. Now all the other trailering aids are great, but there's nothing like just taking a quick glance. Good set of mirrors. And it's like a big set of mirrors. Like It's yeah. just simple and it works. And, so. and these are extendable, uh, both power and uh, manual, depending on the, the model. So there it is. There it is. And then when you get up to the high countries, there's some of the upper trims, LTZs. It's a power button inside. So it'll power retract and then power fold. So now, it's just very simple and it's really robust and it feels strong. And it's got great LED lighting. I've noticed that
1: it looks like the entire truck is LED. Are, is there any incandescent lights? It looks like everything
9: matches. There is. There is incandescent lights. There...
1: So uh, it's funny because we were talking to Ram that Ram was the first manufacturer that on their LED uh, lit pickup trucks, everything's LED. Right. And now Chevy's like, hey, we're, we're joining the fray. So on the lower <laughs> trim levels, as he'll talk about they're still incandescent, but on the higher trim levels... LED is, again, uh, an aftermarket thing that's becoming huge with the OEs because people want matchy-matchy on the trailers and all that kind of stuff.
9: There is. There is incandescent lights. There is on, on the LT on down. So you've got your low beam and high beam are incandescent the turn signal you don't get up to leds until you kind of get up to the mid-level trims you can option up on it but standard comes with okay yeah and this was actually done uh, in particular for work truck and lt to keep the cost down and it was actually for a lot of the comments from customers was although i love it and i know i want it but I, what the work that I do, I'm gonna break them, I'm gonna damage them. I really don't want to have to replace LED lighting. Sure, yeah. I'd much in a, rather in that, a work environment. Right, I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna break it. I'm gonna yeah. crack them. I don't yeah. want to have to spend that kind of for uh, sure for you know for bringing back and, and fixing my lamp. So, so that's why he kept the price point really low on the work in the LT truck. So all right, so
1: let's address the uh, the elephant in the room yeah. because I, I'll get yelled at if I don't ask you about yeah, the grill. Please. And I want I want you to uh, to talk about it. So. Before we go any further, it looks like most of the grill designs on heavy duty have the Chevrolet spelled out. That's correct. And the High Country goes back to the bowtie. That's the bowtie. Right? Personally, when I saw the, and the internet, when I saw right. the very first pictures that were released, it was like, ooh, I'm not so sure. When yeah. I saw the High Country in person, I was really impressed. Right. I love the look, I love the bowtie, I guess I'm more traditional right. that way. Yeah this is still growing on me um we've so we've you guys have the glow tie that you can get right the light up, and you've got the flow tie on certain models where the uh the airflow like on heavy duty or the medium duty can go through that's true i've coined a new term for this
9: i I, because we've been looking to try to find a new term i've got two i've
1: got two and you can choose which either one so (laughs) i coined this and i put it i hashtagged on instagram so that i can be the you know the truck show podcast started this it's either the FLOGO.
9: i All right, that's cool. But wait, I, like the, I think this one's better. Yeah. This is the Chef flo Oh, I like it. I like it. Yep, yep. We've actually kicked that one around. It's hard to say it, though. It doesn't, it roll. doesn't really
0: roll, like but... Wait a minute. He said he kicked that one around. I know, but he didn't hashtag it on Instagram, so we still own it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love that you pitched that to him. Oh, dude, I'm like, I'm in there. I'm going, we
9: got to talk about the grill. The logo like... That's, logo's that's, nice, that, right? It's got a spring to it. I like it. So
1: let's talk about it. Yeah. Talk about the grill. Obviously, you guys have to have a huge opening because that's of right. the thermal management of the drivetrain. That massive radiator... Right. And so some of the
9: hard points of the design are constrained on what the engineering needs are in airflow. That's exactly right. Yeah, if, if you, you know, when Jacqueline was sharing her presentation, yep. you saw that, you know, that massive, I remember the first time we were looking at the packaging of the front end and we saw that fan, we're like, uh oh oh my God, you <laughs> yeah. know, some of, uh, some of our early sketching, you know, we had some horizontal lamp.
0: That, that, the fan is 28 inches in diameter. Yeah.
1: Something like that. 28 inch fan. I believe it's variable speed too. Like it is just. A-
0: Beased. Massive. It
1: looks like uh, the uh, the cutaway, the chat or the rolling chassis could just take off if it had wings. It does <laughs> it look it like a like plane. You're right. Like
9: you got a Cessna. It has nothing on that fan. <laughs> you know, we had some horizontal lamps, and we realized quickly where the CRFM was going and yeah. the cooling that's needed. Um, all of our grills, all of our grills or all of our trims can have that diesel in it. So we don't specifically have a grill just for a dually with that engine. Got it. So they all can have it. So they all have to be big. They have to be much bigger than today, and they have to accept a ton of airflow. So that was part of the challenge. Now, of course, we could have still put a bow tie on here. That was my challenge yeah. or my change. But I'll tell you what. On the light duty side of the business, when we went work truck custom and custom trail boss, and we put the Chevrolet, the Flow Chevrolet, uh, a grill bar. You know, customers just saw it, and we—it it really kind of spoke to us as something that was kind of work-oriented, a little more right? functional, right? It didn't have the jewelry of the yeah, bow tie, less pretty. It, right? Like we took the bow tie off the back and we stamped it, and it's like yeah. just more genuine, real. It's like what work truck. So we always kind of felt like, hey, the work truck is kind of on the low end, but for our feeling on the heavy-duty truck, every heavy-duty truck is a work truck. They're all are. Yeah. No matter if it's if it's truly the work truck or even when you get up to high country, that person that's got that high country, it's because they're they're working to pull this thing. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And so but we really By the way we're pointing at what this is probably a 30 foot
9: yeah. double axle uh, fifth wheel looks like. That's correct, yeah. yeah. And so I mean, you know, this this person that's buying a high country, it's still a work truck. Yeah. It's still a work truck. And we love the graphic. We thought it was something very new and we really wanted to kind of take a bold leap. We had great, actually a, a good insider, when we were developing this truck, we went into some focus groups and we put this on it and customers went nuts. And actually we still had time. What we did here is what ended up coming on light duty. Oh, same okay. studio, so same team. Heavy duty actually led what ended up going I mean, on the light duty truck, duty, even we, though light we, duty we came, we, came out we first. Were, we still weren't finished yeah. with all the development. We were really focused more on LT and other trim levels. Sure. And when this one really popped, from one of the sketches, we're like, man, let's put that on the light duty. Yeah. And we put it on the light duty, and it instantly gave it a different character, different personality. And I'll tell you what, one of my favorite trims on light duty is the custom trail boss. It's just badass, yeah. you know? And so uh, it is something different. I think customers will get, you know, I think they'll be intrigued with it, and I you think used over to time, it. I think they're gonna love it. They're
1: you and I have talked about it. this before, and I've always been a proponent of of taking the back seat and not jumping when I see a new design because over my time in the automotive industry probably over 20 years now for me the things that I liked right away got old and stale really right. fast and the things that I wasn't the, the the designs I wasn't sure about in the beginning ended up being things that I thought were more timeless and wore well over time and I'm I'm guessing that's probably what this will be I think people will get to see the truck and the scale the size and I think that over time, I think I, I told people, "Don't worry, it's fine. Yeah, nobody died. Everything's yeah. okay. It'll be yeah. fine. And the truck's fine."
9: Um, and it certainly got a lot of attention. That was, it was, it yeah. was pretty interesting.
1: Uh, were you guys in the design studio just watching the memes roll in? Is there
9: oh, any funny, uh, any please. favorites that you had? Well, uh, just, just like you know, I was like, maybe I should move out of town for a little <laughs> while. You know, like uh, witness protection. Somebody's gonna find me and like knock yeah. on my door. What did you do to my truck? But, well,
1: uh, after hearing but, the, the numbers and seeing what the truck is, I, I, I
9: think you're safe. I think people uh, are, are going to be pretty excited about it. And I'll tell you what every time you know when we shared the truck uh there was a couple other dealer dealer events along the way and then the then the kind of a sneak reveal yeah. in in arizona a couple months ago um the the, re, the reaction's always been fantastic and so and it's uh, polarizing
1: you rather have people either love it or hate it and be polarized than be indifferent to it
9: and, and, and this we, truck there's no way to be and, indifferent and we with really didn't want to be conservative no. like, we really wanted to take a, a new leap a future leap and make a statement and, and this one make a statement and I'll tell you when I think you see when people see it in person I think they're gonna love it so. I,
1: I do think I do think it, everything is a lot better in person I, I think that the the pictures didn't really do it justice especially on the sort of more of the CGI picture right. it doesn't have just quite that right, right. realism uh, and then you know one more thing just to point out is talking about how everything's different on the heavy-duty you actually the, the
9: wheel arches are even yes. different from half-ton to heavy duty. That's right. And, and we actually added wheel designs. Wheel lit moldings, yeah, wheel lit moldings here. You know, we know that the, this thing is gonna be put to the task much more than light duty. So we added this really just as an added bit of protection, you know, integrated this kind of mud flap behind it. So so again, this, this thing is a work truck. It's always a work truck. We wanted to make sure it was protected as much as possible.
1: Well, congratulations on the new truck. I know there's a lot of excitement and anticipation behind it. I know a lot of people are going to be very interested to to see it in person. So, uh, again, congratulations. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon because I know you're not done having news out of the uh, Chevy studio right now. Oh, yeah. We're having
9: fun. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate Appreciate it. it. Thanks, Rich. Awesome. Yeah, thanks.
0: So you know who's to blame for the grill? Rich? Nope. Who? Frickin' Focus Group. (laughs) Regular schmoes like us. Yep, it's your fault. They're like, I'm in. I love that thing. There are 16 people sitting in no. a room. You know who it is? Wh- no. It's all the Ford and Ram owners that they invited to check out the <laughs> new Chevy truck who are like, yeah, that
3: looks great. <laughs> wink, wink. Sabotage.
1: Uh, honestly, uh, seeing it in person and 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 seeing it in different colors and, and different trims, uh, it's definitely better and a different look in person. So I think before you pass judgment on it, uh, I would I would go and see the truck in person first and then figure it out. Because once you see them on the road— Dude, I will tell you, whether you like the design or not, that thing has some serious road presence. Remind me
0: when we're going to see this on the road? The first ones roll into dealer's win. Hmm,
1: I think like summertime or something like that. Okay. Um, or they start building them in summer, so like the end of summer. Something like that. Okay. But, um, yeah, when you see the first one on the road, you're going to so be like, whoa, look we'll at that We'll
0: see at least one or two at SEMA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, there's a lot behind this truck. In fact, uh, the next piece is uh, the transmission guy who oversaw the 10L1000, which is the new Allison. And this is what's really important, is there's a lot of conjecture, like we talked about earlier on the internet, about, oh, it's just a licensing. It's just Allison just branded it. I actually talked to the assistant chief engineer on this uh, program, and he tells the backstory of exactly what Allison's involvement was in the 10-speed. Ooh. And so we have the final word right here on the Truck Show podcast for anybody who hears their buddy go, no, that's just an Allison licensing. They didn't have anything to do with the GM Trans. Ah, but it's not. All right, so I'm here with David Ames in front of a, I believe you're calling it a 10L1000. That's correct. And what's your title? I'm assistant chief engineer on the project. So you're a pretty important guy. (laughs) Uh, Maybe. So this is the new 10 speed Allison transmission that's behind the 6.6 Duramax, the uh, L5P, which is uh, familiar for anybody who has the current truck. But what's different is you now have a 10 speed automatic backing. Let's talk about the trans a little bit and tell people maybe how it came to be, what's different about it, and where the advantages are.
8: Okay, well, they decided we wanted to move to the 10-speed, which gives us the customer more control, better, especially in towing, heavy loads, and better drivability. Um, They repartnered with Allison to do this again and do the collaboration. So we've been partnered up for a year or two, a couple years, going through all the analysis, all the engineering together, all the design aspects, and they've been doing testing at both facilities and now we're finally ready to release it out here.
1: So this isn't just a GM transmission that has a licensing agreement. You guys collaborate with Allison to develop, to co-develop this transmission.
8: That's correct, yeah. We've been working together as engineering for a while and they've been coming here, we've been going there, we're tearing down parts, we're looking at stuff, they're looking at all of our analysis. We're
1: GM makes a mean transmission, there's no doubt about it, but there's something that Allison, I know that, Allison and Duramax enthusiasts want to know that they have that Allison means something on, on the hood.
8: It, it is different um, analysis requirements, different specifications, and you know all the parts had to be designed to their specifications and their analysis requirements. And you know, so we, we truly had to work together to make this thing uh, an Allison.
1: What's the architecture of it? What are some of the advantages of it, of it and why you know te- uh, typically a diesel has such a, a, a wide power band, you can get away with less uh, less speeds but I think there's some advantages that come with a 10-speed that you're unlocking more potential within the engine.
8: Right, I mean, and you're right, as far as the diesel has that a lot of low-end torque, but the place where you really get efficiency is if you can get a lot of overdrive, that low-end torque can, can cruise you down the highway, sure. so you, get, you gain efficiency. The other place where I really notice it is going down a large grade, down a big mountain, Um, sometimes you want to use the engine braking, and that exhaust brake works really well, but sometimes the range just isn't quite to meet what the traffic is ahead of you.
1: You're off a little bit. You just wish you had that one in between.
8: Just keep tapping the brakes, and then you decide, okay, I'll downshift, and then all of a sudden you're going too slow for the traffic around you, and then you're upshift, and the 10-speed really comes, I think does a really smooth, nice job of holding you in the right spot where you want to go down the big grade. As far as walking through it, yeah, it's, it's got the four planetary sets and six clutches, and it's, really all new through everything. Gets the power to the road, Uh, even in first gear, you can get full torque of the engine torque to the road has uh locks up so you are number. you saying
1: it's it's robust enough where you're not having to torque manage all the time you're actually right. getting that power to the rear wheels right
8: which is a big big Huge. issue it's Huge. a big issue because it's easy to put a big number on the engine but then yeah. you're not but then torque
1: to manage road. it to where it never really hits so, the ground
8: exactly so it truly gets the torque to the road and it's it'll even lock up in first gear which really gets the heat out of it because normally whenever you're pulling 35,000 pounds, sure. the heat is a big problem and it, the locking in first gets rid right of the heat if you're not pulling a big load, it will it's smart enough to say I'm gonna start in second and I'll judge my lockup based on the guy what the guy wants to do, if he wants to take off and do zero 060 or whatever. So it's smart enough to really adjust accordingly.
1: What's the first gear difference between the 10 speed and the old uh, Allison uh, six speed?
8: It's a three point roughly three point one on the old Allison six speed and four point five. Oh wow, for,
1: that's that's a this, huge difference. Yeah.
8: yeah, so it's it's quite the big step in the low end gear. Um, the axle does go up a little from a 373 to a 342, so that you offset yeah, some sure. of that step. Um, but you still end up with a really low first, and that's part of why if you're not using it and you're not in tow haul, it'll go ahead and start in second, because it's like, okay, now we're just in the way. The guy's yeah. moving 10 feet and we're shifting, you know. Sure. So.
1: What kind of a thermal management do you have? Is, is there a cooler for the transmission? Obviously, we're looking at something designed for the heavy-duty truck market and to be able to tow and manage the heat from 35,000 uh, pounds.
8: Yeah, and it does have a transmission cooler, and then the vehicle has a much larger fan and stuff, which really gets the uh, air through the through there and, and does a lot of the cooling. But it was really designed in a much, uh, I'll say, more effective way in the way that it can launch and lock up, because getting lock up really gets rid of a lot of the heat generation, which is better than making the heat and trying to get rid yeah,
9: of absolutely. it. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Well, thanks so much for your time. It's it's uh, we're standing in front of a cutaway right here, and it's a beautiful piece. I've, I'm excited. Uh, to experience it with a bigger load, I've had a chance to drive the truck with a smaller trailer, but not not oh, yeah. with the big trailer. So um, it, it felt good in the limited time I've had it so far. But um, just exciting to, to to see the advancements on the new truck.
8: Oh yeah, we're very proud of it, and it's it's doing very well. And I think you'll enjoy driving it with a large load. That's when it really comes to life.
1: Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, uh, David Ames, uh, assistant chief engineer, or assist, okay, of the uh, of drivetrain, or.
8: Of the <laughs> transmission family.
1: Of oh, the transmission family. Very cool. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Oh, you, you did
8: pleasure. so
0: well until the I very know. end when you fell apart.
8: Womp, womp.
0: I mean, I, I could not have done any better, so it's not like yeah. I'm clowning you for that. It's just no, funny. It
1: just, we, and it, we, if you guys hear all the noise, there's a lot of ambient
0: noise. We're in the factory. Well, you're in the factory. Like, literally in the factory. You you also, uh, there's I PA, to, there's I everywhere. You. I need to school you on mic techniques, too, because oh, you sound great. You're just holding the mic a little too far from his face. That's yeah. all. So well, it's, it's sucking up all the ambiance of the uh, the factory there. Yeah. Well, you you can he definitely was hear great, and I now. was counting. You said load. Uh, 13 times. I tried to say load a lot. <laughs> I, I was hoping there'd be a, that's what she said, but you failed on I that. Well, no, because I would have obliterated him. I didn't want to, like, destroy the interview. I think it was pretty good. It was pretty interesting.
1: Um, yeah, so I think that's probably the most information anybody has, uh, kind of like the deeper dive on the 10-speed. Now, there's two more interviews. Uh, they're both pretty short.
0: This is the world's longest truck show podcast. It's a heavy-duty podcast. <laughs> it is. It's a heavy, it's every heavy sense every of the way. We are going to blow our, uh, hosting provider's,
1: uh, megabyte storage fee for the for the month. Um, The next one is on the 6.6 gas engine, a brand new 6.6 liter small block-based direct-injected gas engine. That's a mouthful. It is. (laughs) Okay, I'm now standing in front of Mike Kosiba. That's correct. And you're the assistant chief engineer of the small block family here at General Motors.
6: Yes. uh, So I have – there's obviously – more than me, but uh, for this yeah. particular variant, I'm the assistant chief. Of okay, the and by this particular variant, we're talking about the 6.6 liter,
1: which is your new gas V8 uh, direct injection. Um, what family is it
6: based off? Of? Is this the LS uh, family or is it something different? So what we have here is really a marriage of our current six liter, really bringing it up in technology level to match what we have in our Gen 5 family of small blocks. So, okay. if when I say Gen 5, what I mean, is it's the fifth generation small block, has the common 4.4 inch bore centers, like you'll find on any small block throughout history, yet we have 50 years of experience and a lot of ex- exposure with Chevrolet over that time period to know exactly what this segment needs and all that has been purposely built into this, which is really a unique engine, um, a lot of unique features, that are specific for the heavy-duty market. We know that this customer base uh, needs to have capability, not just occasionally, but day in, day out. So we specifically engineered this to have uh, class-leading torque at 464 foot-pounds, and not just at the peak. It's 20% improved over the whole torque range. So whether you're pulling a stump, or you're towing a big trailer up the mountain, this has the capability to do that, not just once, but day after day after day, very unique and stringent durability standards that are very specific to the heavy-duty market, and that's what this uh, application has to meet. And so we're at 401 horsepower,
1: 464 torque. Um, Why 6.6 liters? Was that the the most you could bore? Is there any other magic of why, or is it just the best mix of economy and power? I know a lot of people are wondering why 6.6? so
6: obviously you, you hit it exactly uh, for us we know it this is always a marriage of, of different factors sure. we want to make sure you have the torque and the power that you need to do the job but obviously minimizing make sure that you're not getting too thirsty at the pump and obviously to make sure that uh, we've got great efficiency and also to have the right uh, emissions that uh, are obviously a very important factor as well so
1: you said there are a number of unique features Uh, to this engine. I know one is gonna be direct injection. It looks like it has some really long intake runners, which I'm sure help torque. What are some of the other things, if we walk around it, that you guys are really proud of that you built into this platform?
6: Okay, well, let me give you the standard. Um, So it's a gray cast iron block, um, which uh, obviously our outgoing six liter was also, but uh, this is a unique uh, architecture block. has inner bore uh, cooling, um, which allows us to get, uh, under severe usage, you get uh, additional cooling towards the top of the bore. Um, also has a hyper eutectic piston that is unique for this application. Uh, if you look at it, you'll notice uh, it's not very big, but uh, it does a, a heck of a lot of work in over a long period of time. Yeah, the footprint
1: of the engine is is not large at all
6: no it in fact especially when you see it sitting here out of the, the vehicle you see it's a uh, that's one of the unique features of the small bark architecture is uh, and that's what the, some of the push rod architecture enables us to get a very compact very right. dense power dense uh, engine
1: you don't have those wide shoulders from having dual, dual overhead cams having the push rods in the block e-
6: exactly that's correct um, some of the other unique features um, we have a uh, uh, forged powder metal rods uh, forged steel crankshaft um, also, a, a unique water pump. Um, you probably heard Jacqueline mention that uh, this truck has unique cooling demands. We know that uh, customers want to have confidence when towing, so we have a very uh, specific water pump on here to drive that fan. That fan mounts directly to the water pump, so it's a unique one-inch shaft to handle the durability loads, So that's all unique for this segment. This is also our first time to uh, uh, segment first to have a variable oil pump so interesting no matter, so no matter what severe usage customers doing without going up a mountain in uh, the desert or driving around uh, here with unloaded um, that that oil pumps capable of dialing in the pressure to meet the specific needs of the customer at that time
1: my grandpa could have used that on his 89 suburban with a 454 had a, <laughs> had a fuel injected 454 and remember he told me that one time he was driving up a, 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 a mountain a hill towing his travel trailer and it got so hot it seized. And I was like, well, "What'd you do?" And he goes, "I let it cool down. I started back up." <laughs> and I, anything wrong? He goes, "No, it's been fine the last three years." So, wow. uh, you know, it, it goes to the testament of how well uh, GM builds an engine.
6: Yeah, and that's obviously a big focus. Uh, the The durability cycles this has to meet is so far above and beyond anything we have to do in light duty, and that is to meet, we know these customers are going to need to tow their trailer to get their job done day after day after day. So it needs to deliver that 464 foot-pounds, 401 horsepower, not just today, but tomorrow, the next day after that, and for years to come.
1: And it has a 10.8 to 1 compression ratio, but you guys are able to do it on 87? Yes,
6: regular fuel uh, is the only thing that you need to run, so all those numbers you will make, right on regular fuel. And what enables that um, to get that type of range is really largely the direct injection, that suite of technologies, but also we've extended the stroke by six millimeters to uh, help broaden that torque curve and not only get that uh, nice peak number, but to get that at a lower speed. And of course, with direct injection, um, and regular fuel, that's what it enables us to get the higher compression ratio and the added efficiency and torque and power that come with that.
1: Uh, we were just talking about what we call on the show diesel inappropriateness, and that's somebody who buys the diesel for the sake of the, having the diesel, but they don't really use it. And with today's emissions equipment and cooking turbos and, and you know, a lot of buildup from um, carbon it, because you don't get the EGTs high enough, there's definitely a case for why somebody would want a, a, a gas engine. I think you're selling me on a gas engine, so There's enough capability in this engine, in this chassis, where for the majority of people you would be fine with a gas engine and maintenance is going to be less expensive, the truck's going to be less expensive, Uh, fuel's probably going to be less expensive depending on where in the country you live. So there's actually a really good business case for having the gas.
6: Yeah, I'm very proud of what we have here to offer. With the increased torque and capability, we're really, you know, reaching hist- like historically where diesels have been in sure. this segment. So we now have an opportunity here to offer our customers that flexibility. You get all the convenience of gas at potentially a lower cost, yet get all that capability. We know there's a lot of customers out there that they're not sure what they need to tow. Right. They may opt for the, uh, the additional capability, but 17,000 pounds, um, I have snowmobiles. I have a yeah. you know a travel trailer. You may have a twelve thousand pound travel
1: trailer, and you still have five thousand pounds of, of overhead.
6: And this will this will tow that with confidence without even batting an eye. It's uh, it's quite
1: so. By no means is the gas heavy duty the penalty box. You can do almost anything that you'd want to do in the gas version, and uh, it's it's going to be a good choice for a lot of customers. Yes. All right. Well, for gas guys everywhere, we appreciate it, and congrats on the uh, the new truck and the new engine.
6: Thank you very much.
0: You. Wow, it sounds uh, appealing. Dude,
1: 17 thousand thousand pounds 400 pounds I yeah. mean that that was one ton territory like a decade ago yeah like, not that long ago that's that's crazy uh and we've got one last one and that's of the uh, the engineer on the 6l90 which is the uh the six-speed automatic that everybody's familiar with that backs the six and uh, this guy's pretty uh, pretty interesting all right, so here I am in, with Rich Marduz. And Rich, what's your uh, title here at General Motors?
5: I'm the assistant chief engineer for all the six-speed transmissions that we do. So we're standing in front of a cutaway of the venerable and robust,
1: well-known 6L90 transmission, which is fairly legendary with small blocks in within the walls of GM. Mm-hmm. And you guys have decided to pair the six-speed transmission with the all-new 6.6 gas offering in the Silverado HD.
5: Yes, and we felt that since it's already been tried and true, and the customers love the combination of the small block gas engine with our 6L90. There wasn't really a need to change it for this, uh, unless there was a need from a mechanical standpoint, whether or not we could make modifications so the transmission could handle the engine. And you guys have had really great numbers in terms of warranty claims and ownership power and, power and happy feedback, yeah. It. Yes, we have. And so what we did, we got the torque and horsepower curves from the engine team. And we basically analyzed every mechanical component from the front of the transmission to the back of the component. Fortunately, we found out immediately that our gear set was fully capable of handling the additional torque and horsepower. Uh, All of our shafting was fully capable of handling the additional torque. The only areas we had concerns with were in the torque converter and in our clutch packs. Uh, From a torque standpoint, the current torque converter wasn't capable of handling the new torque of the new engine. So we took two existing torque converters, one currently used in some diesel applications and one currently used in our current gas applications. We pulled out the torque carrying components from the diesel and we married them with the damping and the spring components from the gasoline engine. Since their firing frequency are a lot different than a diesel, we were able to put those components together without creating any new ones and came up with a torque converter that's fully capable of handling the increased torque of the engine, as well as handling the damping necessary for the firing frequencies of the engine. When it came to our clutch pack, it was obvious that each one of our individual clutch pack wasn't capable of handling the additional horsepower. But we were able to add one clutch and one backing plate to each clutch pack, and there was enough room in the existing space to fit that in by just moving our snap. I, I think that sounds like an old hot
1: rodder trick, because I'm sure there are people out there already there with the 6L90 with gas applications who are doing just those mods in the aftermarket.
5: We have been told that several have done <laughs> since this same transmission was also in the Cadillac CTSV sure. and the Camaro Z L1. I mean that that is a uh...
1: Some, some royalty within the walls of, of General Motors. So to see the, the pedigree of that transmission show up, it, it sounds like it was definitely the right choice for the 6.6.
5: Yes, and the vehicle drives amazing with, with that combination. The only other thing we did is we have so much confidence in this transmission. We didn't think it was really necessary for a customer to have to check their oil levels. So we've eliminated the dipstick in this vehicle. And so now you just go off mileage
1: for transmission servicing?
5: Yeah, so on the owner's manual, if you're a, like a real heavy user where you're towing extremely heavy loads and doing a lot of mountain driving, we have a heavy duty formula, but if you're a normal heavy duty, we'll say a normal heavy duty truck driver, it's good for 100,000 miles without even to worry about it anymore.
1: Wow, that, that's amazing. Just just the leaps in uh, in technology and maintenance intervals and things like that, you know, I think. Uh, one of the benefits of having the automatic transmission and the the gas six six together is when you are comparing it to the overall cost and maintenance and additional fluid of death from the diesel standpoint, it gives somebody a a way to enter into heavy duty capability at a lower price point and and still have lower running costs as well. Correct.
5: Yeah, and we've been very successful. We eliminated dipsticks many years ago in car applications, and now we've started doing it. When we launched our midsize truck in North America, we eliminated dipsticks there. Uh, Most of our overseas midsize trucks have eliminated the dipsticks, and so this will be one of the last ones that are left that we'll get rid of now. So just out of curiosity, how many years have you been at General Motors? 44 years. 44 years. You Okay, you've been
1: here longer wow. than I've been alive. <laughs>
5: okay. Yeah, I started at the Cadillac facility when it was still in Detroit, where we wow. had separate uh, marketing groups. You must uh, love your job so
1: much that there's no reason to retire anytime soon, or now that this project's done, it's,
5: uh, it's ready to go fishing? No, I mean, most <laughs> people retire because they want to be able to do things that they love, but in addition to working at General Motors, I coach high school sports already and you're already I, doing the things you love. So I'm already doing the things that I love outside of work. And I also work with my daughter. She's a amateur golfer in USGA events, so I care awesome. for her and so, Very cool. There's well, no reason for me to go anywhere.
1: Congratulations. And uh, it, it's great to uh, to meet longtime employees who you, know, you don't see that anymore. You know, people right. jump around a lot these days. And to have somebody who really believes in the brand and the company. And I think people like you who have the same passion that you put in the pro- into these products help humanize the brand and show some orthopedics that. It's not GM just isn't this monolithic corporation. It, it has a heart and soul with people like you who have de- dedicated over four decades to, uh, to you know GM products, which is, which is awesome. I'm
5: pretty proud of that.
1: 44 years. Wow. He's almost been there as long as the small block. <laughs> like, yeah, right? I think so huh? I mean that's just that's unbelievable. So I know that this was a long show and we, we hit Ram. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have to do driving impressions in the future. We hit yep. General Motors, uh, Silverado. We mm-hmm. still got to do the driving impressions in the future on that. Uh, I just wanted to bring up Chicago Auto Show is going on right now. And there's some crazy news today that we'll cover in the next show. Uh, one is the Tacoma gets a freshening. Ram has a new tailgate to rival General Motors. What?
0: Uh, land Cruiser. Crews... Oh, and they're it... just running all of the uh, tailgate commercials right now. Well, it's funny. You saw them during Super Bowl. Did you
1: see the Twitter war? The what? There's a Twitter war between GM and Ram. No. Oh. So General Motors or uh GMC, the GMC brand. I don't follow anything on Twitter. I yeah. hate Twitter. So the passion. The GMC brand basically called the game on the Super Bowl for their tailgate.
8: Okay. And tagged Ram.
1: Oh, what? And Ram had a GIF of a ref doing um doing the, the hand motion for false start. Okay. And said Hey, that's nice, but wait till February 6th or seventh when we're gonna announce our tailgate, and then GMC popped back with something. Ram popped back with their motor trend and four wheeler and truck trends pickup truck of the year, and GM said, GMC said that's a nice truck or something like that. It was really funny. Wow! Like, like they were just having it was whoever's doing, amazing. Whoever's doing their social media account. It was it was pretty uh, it was pretty awesome. So I wonder
0: if it was a, a junior level social media person or if it was like yeah. the head of marketing. I don't know. I don't know. And it, were they doing it sitting on the couch? Probably right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just it was really funny. Can you imagine the world is watching General Motors and Ram? Yeah, go back and forth. Go about back and forth, and it's just. It's someone just sitting on the couch, just watching the game. Dude, it's hilarious, right? And, and, and they're so, doing it with—they're not even on their phone. They're not even at work, and yeah. they're like—and they're—they're tweeting from General Motors, right? Right. <laughs>
1: so, so again, uh, 2020 Tacoma got some updates. The Land Cruiser Heritage Edition, the 2020 Silverado HD, which was in this drop. Uh, the uh, the GMC Sierra uh, obviously is pushing their tailgate hard, and. Um, We can't forget the one thing that needs to be mentioned right now. Decked and Nissan. Not yet. Okay. The 2020 Ford Super Duty. (gasps) We haven't even touched that yet. Oh, my Lord. So Ford came out on top of GM's announcement for the Chevy Silverado HD. Yeah. And put out a press release, had some people out early the week before, and said, here's the news we're going to break. GM's uh, 6.6 pushrod gas engine. Yeah. Super cute. Cute, here's our 7.3. Oh, they said cute. They
0: oh, here's got our it. brand
1: new 7.3 gas push rod engine that's going to be in the Super Duty for 2020. Oh, man, we're not going to tell you how much power it makes because we're not ready for that. We just wanted to rain on your parade. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> uh, Ram, that 35,100 super, super cute. GM, congratulations on your 35.5. You just wait till later this year when we're going to have some news of our own. Oh my lord! So I we're not. Do you, do you know yet? Or, or you, no? I, no, they haven't know. told anybody. Okay. We we have not seen the end of this volley of wars. <laughs> Rams like ooh us. Jim's like not so fast. And Ford's like uh uh-uh. uh. You too? we got this. Just yeah, yeah, we got this. So I'm guessing probably Texas State Fair later this year because that's where uh, Ford oh. loves to do that kind of Super Duty announcements and stuff. Just um, stay tuned. We got a ton of truck stuff that we still got to cover, but we haven't even I'm just,
0: scratched. I'm just, I'm absorbing it because it, this yeah. is really fun to watch. It's, it's incredible. All right. Well, we got to wrap this thing up, man.
8: This <laughs> oh, is, never uh, bet. it's the hd
0: episode. hd
8: episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed it. Shoot us an email. Let us know. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. The
3: Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Whoa, whoa.
0: And we also, oh, you were going to do it? I'm going to do it. You want to do it? I'm going to do it. Yeah. You got 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 to call our five star hotline. We didn't get to five star hotline, but we we want you to call it. So 657 205 6105. 657 205 6105. Leave us a message and we will play it back on the next show. We had a bunch of messages for this show. We just don't have time. We want
1: more. Because if you're listening, if your commute is a half hour, Mm -hmm. you are now on Thursday before you get (laughs) to this part of the show, right? And then also, don't forget us on our socials at Truck Show Podcast uh, on Instagram and on uh, Facebook. And also, uh, check out our Facebook page because we have the details for our listener meetup uh, at Lone Star Throwdown in Conroe, Texas. And that's Saturday, the 23rd, correct? February. And we already have over 30 people interested and 6 people confirmed RSVP to oh, our wow. uh, to our meetup. Oh, we need are like 5. Well, we we're good there. So okay, nobody yeah. else come. Okay. No, no we're just okay. Okay. we're going to we bring you uh, up. Yeah. we'll bring some t-shirts, we'll bring some uh some stickers and uh man, we uh, I just feel like there's so much going on in the truck
0: I could do four more shows like this. this I'm week. I am exhausted and I need to go home. But we before we do, we got to thank yep. Nissan, our very proud sponsor, and we really thank you guys for supporting the show Absolutely. and helping us get through this this sixty five hour episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and and don't forget Nissan, uh, the Titan and Titan XD. You gotta love the five liter Cummins. You heard Corey earlier; he loves it. He
0: yeah, he was. A, I had no idea he was a Cummins he, uh, a, a, a Titan fan. T- yeah, boy.
1: exactly. Uh, five year, hundred thousand mile, and also Dex. So if you're looking for a great. Uh, Weatherproof locking storage solution for your truck, van, or SUV? Why what not? See, like fishing supplies, your, your snowboard gear, Capping, whatever you need. Yeah.
0: Tools? com. Anything
1: that rolls around in the bed of your truck,
0: they will like, take care uh, of it. A dead body?
1: I don't know. They're kind of, they're kind of <laughs> No, if you do the wide side, maybe. Okay. Um, maybe a live body. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know how you like to carry the bodies in your vehicles.
0: This has suddenly taken a very morbid turn. I think you need to Oh uh, Could uh, you take a nap in one? Um I'm too wide. Right. Oh. Uh, you're we're You're both too, too wide. wide. <laughs> <laughs>